warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 273. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, and I am a leftover. No Jake this week, but I am joined by a couple of uh, special guests. Uh, back second week in a row, I'm, uh, Melissa Sloter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Welcome back. Uh, and I, I don't know I don't know who to introduce first, uh, Rebecca or your vagina. I don't know anymore, Rebecca. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, I don't I, help me out here. I don't know. Well, I mean, we're like uh, I don't know. I feel very connected to her, so you can introduce us together. That's, <laughs> that's fine. We are a package deal. We are. Yeah. It's true. I, I never leave home without her. All she right, with me. And uh, next guest is uh, that wacky duo, Rebecca and her vagina. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> That's never going away. No, it, <laughs> no, that's never going away. <laughs> uh, no, everybody. Uh, yeah, uh, Jake is not going to be on this episode tonight. Um, but uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be getting him back next week. He'll be back next week. He's he's coming back next week. He's just just not with us this week. So yeah, just reach out to Jake this week and tell him you missed him. Just say, hey man, I missed you on the fucking episode this week, man. But um, yeah, let's. Uh, what are we doing here? I'm not going to do any iTunes reviews. I'll save those for Jake. Um, I do have I do have some emails that I wanted to read. Ooh, reading emails? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it's see. Yeah, I know. This is this is like going back in the vault when we used to read emails when we cared, you know, um, what people said. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It just it got to the point where like emails became like this whole other section this whole other segment of the podcast that was like going to be like you know 40 minutes and like it just got out of control so i just kind of stopped reading them but uh, every once in a while we'll get some really good ones and i i did want to read some emails this week this one goes on to say uh it's from junie valentin 
and it's uh, or June is it Junie Valentine or is it Junie Valentin? You got to let me know, man. Uh, hi, Brian and Jake. I am a longtime listener since the days of UVB Frank, and have written into your show from time to time. I just wanted to chime in and say that even though in the last episode you said it was the worst one ever, and he's actually talking about episode two seventy one. That was the one where you were on with me, Rebecca, with Kevin Shanks. Okay. Is, is somebody in a kennel? Is that Clark? That's Clark. I'm sorry. He's worked up about something. That's fine. Someone, <laughs> someone's probably eating food and not sharing it with him. Okay. And so he's angrily voicing, why won't you share your food with me? All right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll mute myself. No, you you're fine. Hear. Hey, stop being a dog, Clark. Stop. <laughs> yeah, stop being a dog, Clark, you dog. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh, I just wanted to chime in and say that even though in the last episode you said it was the worst one ever, I want you guys to know, for me, it was one of your best shows ever. You guys are my number one podcast, and I look forward to listening to the show and getting what I can from it about everything pop culture that I love as well. So I had no intention of writing in, but the last 45 minutes was so real and off the cuff that I felt inspired to say how great you guys are for keeping that record button on. Yes, I stayed for the whole thing, and I was glad I did, as it was a, as it was really amazing. I usually listen to your show on my long commutes to and from work and found myself singing aloud in the car and laughing along with you all as if I were in the room with you guys and gals. Rebecca, you're great. Uh... You really brought me back to my own childhood, adolescence, with the sitcom songs of all the great shows that I, too, watched and loved. I can't remember the last time I sang aloud to anything, so thank you for that. It felt great. Keep up the good work and believe that you do touch hearts and minds every week, whether you mean to or not. And that comes from Junie Valentin. Thank you. What a great email. Mm -hmm. That's a great email. I love it. I'm so I like that he said at the end about touching hearts and minds. That's really sweet. I, I think I, I co-sign that one hundred percent. Oh, I got I, I I look forward to to your show every week. I got to pee. Me too. And I, I also told you both that that episode was one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. so we're in agreement on all things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I felt like I don't, you, when when you're the one that's doing it. When you're the like me. When I was the one that was singing and acting like a jackass the whole time. When it's all said and done with, I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck did I just do? Like, oh, my God, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. And you're scared. You're literally scared of, like, how you acted on the show. And then everybody's like, oh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was fun. Thank you. So I'm like, okay. Um, Hi, Clark. How you doing, buddy? Oh, jeez. I'm going to mute myself. Yeah, how's it going, Clark? When we take a break, I'm going to go put him somewhere else. Yes. He can't, can't hear him. <laughs> Oh, it's good. good boy, Clark. It's okay. <laughs> Give him some peanut butter or something, right? I mean. Yeah, I know. That'll shut him up. Yeah, he loves peanut butter. I got a PS here, though, from Junie, and I forgot to read it. Brian, sorry this is not in an iTunes review or on Facebook, and if the email is a bit long, uh, but this is the only way I can convey the message to you. Oh, and an 80s sitcom show slash uh, sitcom slash show podcast hosted by you. I would listen the hell out of that. And I am probably not the only one. Just saying. So, yeah, that was the P.S. to that uh, email. So thank you, Junie. I appreciate the email. That was awesome. Um, just, I got another email, and it's from uh, Robert. 
And Robert says, Brian, I want to thank you guys for all you do. I look forward every Monday to the podcast, and listening to the show makes work so much more enjoyable. Even if my co-workers think I'm crazy when I laugh hysterically when listening to you guys, in all seriousness, I want to thank you in particular. Your openness about your depression and difficulties you have faced has meant a great deal to me. I have been struggling with a broken marriage and depression for some time. Being in such a dark place has been difficult to climb out of, uh, but listening to you talk so openly about it has helped me to begin climbing out of the purgatory ha- that I've been trapped in for so long. Thanks to you, I am finally facing my demons head on and working to take care of myself. So thank you for all that you do. and Keep up the great work. Now I'm going to go and get a big Montana and listen to some Collective Soul. And come home and watch some Airwolf reruns. Look forward to the next show. Thank you, Robert. So thank you, Robert. That's awesome, man. Oh, another great email. I'm so I'm sorry to hear that Robert's going through so much uh, so much shit right now. That's mm. tough. It sucks. I, I, there, life is just valleys, though, right? It is like you got your got your highs and your lows. You just gotta you gotta get through those fucking lows. Those fucking lows suck, man. They suck. And I, I feel like sometimes, like, the older I get, I feel like the valleys, it feels like I'm just, like, in the bottom of that valley so much longer sometimes. And it takes a while to get back up out of that, you know, and uh, get back to those highs. But, man, you, you will. You'll get there. Um, I went through a divorce. I went through my divorce uh, back in 2010. Um, and, um, you know, I... It was, we had our problems for a couple of years and, you know, I mean, it was just, it, it takes time. That's it, the thing. Like you hear that. I know it's cliche and everybody says time heals all wounds, but it's fucking true. It just takes time. It takes the further away that you are removed from that stuff. It just takes time and you know, you'll, you'll, your brain will retrain itself and you'll, you'll start to take enjoyment in the things that you used to do uh, before you were with her. And I'm not saying that you didn't share those things together. But there's probably some things that you've kind of like, hey, that you haven't done for a long time, you know, Um, because you're in a relationship. Relationships do change you. But now you can go back to like who you were and like uh, find out who you are now, now that now that she's out of the picture. So, I mean, there's and that's a good thing, man, like reconnecting with yourself. You know, I'm not talking about masturbation either. I know. That, now, so now I'm taking it all dirty, Rebecca. I'm, I was, I was making, I was, I was making some really good points there. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I, was, I don't know. I was being very philosophical, and then, mm-hmm. I, then I started talking about self pleasuring yourself, and then I just, that's just where, it, that's where I'm losing people. I feel like it's all relatable. Yeah, you know what? Just to say, masturbation can't be philosophical. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's that. Doctor Ruth would say some shit like that, wouldn't she? Yeah, you wouldn't argue with her. How tall is she? she? Like three she foot would. seven. She like three she's foot seven. Tiny. I, I don't know, but she's very. You know what's so weird? You bring up Doctor Ruth. I just listened to a mm. podcast that she that she was on. Yeah, and she's hilarious. She's like almost ninety years old. Mm-hmm. And she's still talking about sex and pleasuring yourself and uh, all this stuff. And she is just openly. Mm-hmm. She's. I, I love her. I love Dr. Ruth. Like she has done more, I think, to take 
the stigma away from talking about sex and and stuff like that than a lot of people have done and and you wouldn't expect it from someone like her i mean but she is like teeny tiny she's like what like four foot five or something she's yeah she's very she's very small she's she's very little 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 tiny woman yeah no, she's incredible. She's been doing this for fucking years. She's, yeah, like when people weren't openly talking about sex, she was doing it. So, yeah, awesome. Good for her. Yeah, I'm glad we could turn uh, Robert's email into uh, a uh, Dr. Ruth reflection hour. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> mm, ah, I got another email here, and it comes from uh, Brian Burcham, and um, it's titled Thank You. And uh, Brian says, uh, I've been an active listener for quite a while now. I don't remember the episode number, but that's not important. Although you were playing movie at the end of the episode, which was highly entertaining. Um, not everybody liked that episode, man. Well, they, they didn't like that game that we played. So I appreciate that you did. I think you're the first person to say that you enjoyed it. And that was that, that was years ago. That was back when we were recording Jake's basement. So that's been, you have been a listener for quite a while. Uh, anyway, he goes on to say, anyway, I just wanted to reach out to you uh, and Jake and thank you for the hours of entertainment you have provided. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I am going to undergo a procedure where they will stop and restart my heart in an attempt to restore a normal rhythm. I'm not looking for sympathy or anything like that. My biggest concern is for my little kids and the possibility of not being here for them. Last night, I was hit with a panic attack that was carried over to today. I've literally shut my office door and have been listening to old episodes to try to calm down. In an odd way, being shut in this box and hearing you guys carry on is like sitting down and listening to brothers talk. I'm not sure if any of this is coherent, but I'll end it as it started. Thank you. So, I, Rebecca, I got this email earlier in the week, and um, like I, I didn't even process it the first time I read it. I had to go back and like read it over again, like... And it just kind of like hit me that, uh, you know, he, this guy is spending what possibly could be like his last hours if like something terrible happened during this procedure and he's listening to us. And once that hit me, it kind of like made me cry. I'm not going to lie. I cried and it affected me on a level. And Rebecca, I know I, I talked to you about this and I know this affected, mm. affected you too. Dude, when you when you, well, I, I know you you shared it on the Facebook page, but we were talking about it in a, a different group chat, and um, I I was sitting in a, I was actually sitting in a movie theater waiting for my my movie to start, and I I I was tearing up. I was like, oh my god, I'm crying. What is happening? And then mm -hmm. I I just remember saying to you, you have to like the if he was like when he writes back that he's okay you have to tell me mm -hmm. you have to let me know he's all right and because that was like the our next big thing like we have to make sure that he's okay because we want to we want to hear from him again obviously yeah well he did he he sent me he said he sent me an email he said he goes uh brian it was great to hear from you and i appreciate the support they ended up shocking my heart four times and for now uh have it in a normal rhythm. Uh, I feel like I was mowed over by a car, but can definitely tell a difference. They say the pain is temporary, but they also don't know exactly how long the heart will stay in sync. For now, though, I'll chalk this one up as a win. Thanks again for all that you guys do. So I'm glad that you're doing okay, dude. And um, 
I'm, I'm touched that you listen and touched that you involved us and, and shared this with us. And I'm glad you're doing okay, man. That's, that's incredible. And keep in touch, man. So, um, I don't know. This really affected me, Rebecca. Like I was, I, 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 it hit me. It just like hit me. And I started to, I started to cry. It was, uh, Aww. you know, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's so emotional to hear like something like that though. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, thank God that Brian's okay. And I'm glad that mm-hmm. glad you made it through dude, like super happy, of course, to hear that. And obviously your family's ecstatic. And, but to think that like, you know, in your worst moments, you, you turn to, you turn to the show. And I think that that says a lot for like, we were talking before about touching hearts and minds and I don't know, man, like there's something special about PCL. People turn to it when they're at their lowest moment to feel better and like to listen to people talk about pop culture stuff and, and yell at each other and talk about our vaginas. Like yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant like, I thought you meant like, I feel so shitty. I'm going to listen to people that are worse than I am. No, that's not <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> no, Brian, thanks for being a listener, man. You're fucking awesome. Um, oh, I wanted to – Rebecca, we had an interview that we did yesterday, and I just want to let everybody know that they should listen to that interview. We talked to Sean Simmons, the creator from Wayne, and it was pretty fucking amazing. Um, we talked to my close personal friend, <laughs> Sean Simmons. I know. you two my are... close personal best friend forever, Sean Simmons. I know. You guys were BFFing the fuck out the entire episode and like – I know. Right. <laughs> oh man, no, it was it was awesome. What a great guy, and I had a blast. Mm, me too. Yeah, I, I would absolutely the d- definitely check out the 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 interview, even if you haven't watched Wayne. Um, I, I I dare to say, after listening to this guy, yeah. pour out how much love and uh, how much of himself he put into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll probably want to now watch it and see what it what it's all about. And actually, funny enough, Lenny from Nerdaholics podcast, yeah. he messaged me earlier today saying that he grew up near Brockton, Mass. Shut up. And he, he, I'm, I'm not joking. Yeah. He grew up near Brockton and he said Cape Cod pizza is excellent pizza. <laughs> like he, he had it and I'm so fucking jealous that Lenny had Cape Cod pizza. By a fucking mile. By a fucking mile. By a mile. fucking mile. I'm going to have some hot cakes and hot I'm going to have some pizza because it's by a fucking mile. It's better. Oh my gosh, hey, uh, Melissa! Did you get a chance to listen to any of the interview yet? No, not yet. I can't okay. wait though. Yeah, you got to check I this out. I love Wayne so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like I don't know. It it wasn't like I don't know. It wasn't like uh, it was a great interview. It was it and it wasn't like uh, let's talk about these bullet points. It was just like we were just <laughs> off the fucking rails talking about whatever we talked about. Literally, we talked about fucking Flavor Flav. We talked about the Lorena fucking Lorena Bobbitt thing that we're going to talk about later. We talked about yes. fucking we talked about uh, The Simple Life which was the reality show with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. I have talked about The Simple Life so much this week. I There's love that fucking like show. in the air about oh, that God. show right now. Why? Why? I don't know. <laughs> I fucking love the show. It's great. <laughs> it is a great Crazy. show. Do you remember the episode when they um when they were working at like the the local fast food place there in town in that first season and on the billboard out front they put like something like uh um 
hot anal wieners or something or whatever. Like, it's just something really <laughs> disgusting on the billboard. Hot anal wieners. Something like that. They were like, they talked about like like some food that they were selling and it was like, it was like, um, I don't know. It was something with like anal something. <laughs> hold on. Let me, hold on. I'm going to pause this and see if I can find it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't find it, but it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was amazing, and it's a great show. I don't care. What, I know it's trash TV, but I don't care. It was it was hilarious and it was funny. And these girls would drive people nuts. It was absolutely it was insanity. Did you ever watch Tommy Lee goes to college? Did you ever watch that, Rebecca? Wait, Tommy Lee is in like Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Yeah, is in rock star. No. Fucking. I, I have. I have zero patience for these. Um, it's not my thing. Reality TV has never been my thing. I just don't have any patience for it. Oh, my God. Sorry. Ta- I know. I just, I, it's not my thing. All right. Whatever. We're not friends anymore. No well, flavor of love. No I, <laughs> I Love New York. You know what? I have to admit, I, I watched uh, Flavor of Love. I did watch a few episodes. Mm. I love, I love New York. I just watched. I, hey, hold on. I just watched. I love New York last night. It's so good. <laughs> no, I, I think I think like with like Flava Flav, I did watch when because him and Brigitte Nielsen got together on another show. Strange Love. I talked about that in the right, interview, right, right. Rebecca. I, I couldn't remember. I know you talked about it. I just couldn't I'm remember tell- the name of it. I know, but I'm just it's called Strange Love and it was an amazing show. <laughs> and I've been. Wa- I just remember, I, I, like, I remember watching like select episodes of that, and then when him and Brigitte like became a couple, it was like a train wreck. Like, I just had to watch this. Like, what is this even? Like, it was just crazy. And I watched a few episodes, like when he was doing Flavor of Love, just more for like, like, why are these women want to be? I guess because he's like has money, but. Ugh, he looks gross. There was an episode like they had like the whole staircase and all the ladies like like at the end of the night, some of them would stand up on the staircase. And apparently like one of the girls, I can't remember her name, but she apparently like she accidentally let like some shit slip out. She like shit on the stairs. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, wait, one of the gr- we should record. Wait, wait, we should record this. I'm totally recording this, am I? Oh, I thought you weren't. You said you paused. No, I said I hit play again. We're back. No, the lady she took a shit oh, on sorry. the stairs. <laughs> and so all the other I girls, remember that. All the other girls were like, "Oh my gosh, so and so took a shit on the stairs," and she's like acting like she didn't take a shit on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I think my issue with like Paris, anything Paris Hilton or like Kim Kardashian stuff. I, I mean, they're famous for nothing. Like they're not. They're not actors. They're not singers. They're not anything. They're just. I exist and I'm famous for some reason. And I. I don't. I don't have. I don't know. I just have the patience to watch that. And the American mm. dream, baby. I, 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 it is. No, you're not wrong. It is the American Jew. I just, I never had patience for anything Paris uh, Did you ever watch? I, okay, Rebecca, you, can you shit on everything we love later? Um, no, I, I'm so sorry. I don't. <laughs> no, you're like that fucking girl on the staircase shitting on stuff. <laughs> what I'm trying, like, did you ever watch, uh, what was it? It was like Celebrity Cattle Drive where they took like a bunch of like celebrity kids and had them run, do a cattle drive? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just made up. 
up show. Celebrity. I am not making this up. I swear to you. Um, Lou Ferrigno's daughter was one of the girls on the uh, celebrity cattle drive. Celebrity cattle drive. Go to IMDb and look it up. I swear to you, it's a real fucking thing. I am not lying. Guys, we got to talk about this week's sponsor. Before we got to get this week's sponsor, I'd like to take a minute here to thank our sponsors over at Impact Theory Comics. Impact Theory Comics is a uh, new independent publisher, and their first comic is Neon Future. Uh, this is a collaboration with uh, world famous DJ producer Steve Aoki, and it's written by the Eisner Award winning writer of Justice, Jim Kruger. Uh, artwork by Neil Edwards and Jeremy Rapak. Uh, this is an awesome science fiction book. I thought it was incredible. Rebecca, I know you love this book. I did. I read it. We reviewed it on our other show, Number One Comic Books. We, I think we all loved it, actually. We all love this one. It's a great book. Melissa, have you gotten your free issue of Neon Future? No, I was just thinking about that today, too, because I went to the Instagram and I followed the link and I don't think I did it right. So Um, I'm going to have to try that again. Yeah, yeah. Just you got to do that. They're offering a free digital issue on Instagram. Uh, Just give them a follow at IT Comics and click the link in their bio. Uh, You can also follow these guys on Twitter at IT Comics. But to get the free digital issue, you got to follow at IT Comics and click the link in their bio. Um, And then do me a favor and tweet these guys and let them know that you downloaded the free issue and that you heard about the comic Neon Future from Pop Culture Leftovers. Uh, You can tweet them or just leave them a comment on Instagram. That would be super fucking awesome. But please, all of this info is going to be in our show notes, so check it out. Go to your local comic book store, too, after you read the first issue and ask them to put Neon Future on your pull list because this book is going to come out in March. But you can read it now and you can read it for free. Uh, Melissa, if you need a hookup to read it, I will send you a link. So no worries there. But, oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Neon Future, in my opinion, is one of the best new comics out there. Um, Rebecca, you've even compared like the world building to Altered Carbon, the Netflix series, and I can't disagree with you. It's not the same concept. It's just the fact that these science fiction worlds that they're creating are just as layered as what we saw in Altered Carbon. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, 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 do, I do remember saying that. And I, I do, I do stand by that too. So I think if you're a fan of sci fi, if you liked Altered Carbon, if you, <clears throat> excuse me, are looking for a new comic just to try it, it's free. Mm-hmm. Go to the, go to Instagram, do the link, blah, blah, blah. And I, I have to say, I do follow them on Instagram also. And um, I have seen people commenting on posts saying, I heard about you from Pop Culture Leftover. Awesome. So good job, everybody. Thank you. Doing that. If you, if you get the comic from the show, then make sure you tell them you got it from Pop Culture Leftover. So that way they know that uh, it's working. Thank you. It's not, <laughs> like, it's not like many sponsors are beating down our fucking doors anyway. So the one that we do get, let them know that you fucking read their amazing comic from listening to this show. That you would not have known about this comic if it wasn't for Pop Culture Leftover. So thank you so much. Um, <laughs> hey. Also, um, oh, sorry, real quick. Um, yeah. Dr. Ruth is four foot seven. Four foot fucking seven. Water. She should be the She's next. Four foot seven. She, she should be the next Wolverine. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Dr. Ruth. Why not? She looks, I mean, she's got the height. I am going to, I'm going to cut you with my claws, sneak, and then I am going to fuck you. I am going to pleasure you. Snickety snick. 
Oh my god! And, and now we have sex. I don't know. <laughs> that was amazing. I don't. I don't even know if that even sounded remotely close to Doctor Ruth. I, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> hmm. I'm going to go berserker on your penis. I don't know what the fuck. No, that's uh. another thing we're going to talk about later. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. Speaking of something else we're going to talk about later, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the whole Kogan, Chris Hemsworth, bio, Chris Hemsworth biopic. And that's where this week's Michael Cannon mashup comes into play. Uh, Hulk Thorgan. Hulk. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay, hold on. But it doesn't stop there. It's Hulk. It's Hulk Hogan as Thor. It's like a Hulk Hogan Thor mashup. But it doesn't stop there because I want to see him body slamming Andre the Frost Giant. There are levels to this, You're right? I I like the levels that are <laughs> happening here. That's very clever. Yeah. Okay, all right. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I don't know where that Dr. Ruth thing came from. I apologize for myself as a person. So, anyway. <laughs> hey, let's move on into the pop culture leftovers. You know what? I think this episode would be a lot better if Jake was here. He'd, he, he would rein me in a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jake usually does rein you in a little bit. Yeah, there, it's helpful. So. It's helpful. Jake's not here, and it's just like I just go, but and it just it's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, let's move on into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we would like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, let's um, let's start. We got to start off talking about Lorena on Amazon Prime. We got to talk about this. Um, this dropped uh, just like a week ago. Uh, maybe a little bit over a week ago. It's executive produced by Jordan Peele, and that's what caught my attention. And like they were kind of touting it as executive produced by Jordan Peele. So I'm like, okay, I've got to watch this now. And um, I, Rebecca, I know that you have to remember this story happening in the news. I, I think, like, we all remember this happening. Oh, I, I clearly remember this trial. Uh, yeah, I clearly remember this. Yeah, like June 23rd, 1993. I don't know what I was doing that night. But I know one guy who does, and that's John Wade and Bobbitt, because his wife cut his dick off. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, Rebecca, uh, Melissa, Melissa, I know you've watched this. Rebecca, you are you said you finished three episodes. You've started the fourth. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than three quarters of the way done with the docuseries. Yeah. So this is like broken up into four parts. And um, I. uh I'm, I'm just going to rate this. I th- I think that this is a Tupperware, and I kind of we kind of talked about this with uh, Sean Simmons a little bit in our episode, Rebecca. But I feel like, for me, I felt like this was the full story that I needed. Twenty five years removed now from like this big fucking like media scandal. This 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 was insane. This this whole story, and at the time, like we didn't know 
all the, the all the things that were involved in this whole thing. It wasn't just a woman randomly grabbing her husband's penis and cutting it off with a fucking knife. Like, I think we've through watching this docu series, I've learned why she did it, and I believe after watching this that this woman was was um, was physically and emotionally abused to the point where. She acted out like this. and But you go back to 1993 and you go back to the court case and you go back to reading her statement and you can kind of understand where the media kind of got confused and ran away with it because her statement after she did it was like, he always orgasms, I never orgasm. And I think what we had there with that statement, and that's why she cut it off, I think what we had there with that statement was basically a woman trying to say like, he just uses me and we aren't doing this, yeah. this is not consensual and exactly but she didn't know how to say it because she's not from this country um, yeah, she had a lot going against her english is her second language yeah. she was in complete shock she didn't have a lawyer with her um and she said she tried to express what had happened in the best way that she could and you know, it's interesting that you said before that, like, th- it was this documentary series that gave you, like, the fuller picture. I knew ages ago that she had suffered terrible abuse at his hands. I never sought I, it I, out. I, 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 it's nothing that I sought out. You know what I mean? I just remember, oh, like, sure. I'm 15 years old when this fucking happens. A woman cuts a guy's dick off. And I wasn't one of the people that was obsessed with court TV. I was just, like, reading what they would throw up in the headlines. And I'll be honest with you, Rebecca, and I'm not happy about this, but I, I'm, I'm, like, I was a Howard Stern fan back in the day. You know, I like the shock jock. I just I he cracked my shit up. I thought Howard Stern was just like there was nobody like him back then. He was the fucking shock jock. So when Mm -hmm. he's doing stuff like, you know, like the telethon for John Wayne Bobbitt and stuff like that, like I'm a I'm a young, dumb, uh, naive kid. And I don't know, like the like I, I wasn't seeking out the full story. Um, and uh, I fucking I used to own a Howard Stern for Governor T-shirt when he was running for Governor of New York, Rebecca. I I, 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 I said yeah I I I fucking I found that like you could cut out in the magazine and send like your you know I think it was like you know fifteen bucks or whatever and they'd mail you the Howard Stern for Governor T-shirt and I had one, you know I was a big Howard Stern fan. I'll tell you one thing like after this, fuck Howard Stern and fuck Geraldo. He's a huge piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he. T- yeah, I I remember Howard Stern being like all over the John Wayne Bobbitt stuff, like being on his side, and and it, it, in the docu series he makes incredibly terrible comments yeah. about Lorena. Talking about talking I, about her talking about her pimple face and stuff like that. Yeah, I was like, well, I said, I was pissed. I was like. Look at you, you fuck. Look at your fucking Brillo pad hair, you motherfucker. <laughs> well, and he says it in the context of, I don't believe that he, that I, I don't believe that he raped her because she's not that pretty. I spent the majority of this docuseries wanting mm. to pull my hair out and screaming. I like, was on fire I watching know you were, all of this. I bet you were. <laughs> to be fair, I, I was on fire before I watched this, and I went on a big Twitter rant like before I even clicked play on the thing. So <laughs> I pretty much knew how I was going to feel watching this whole thing. Well, there, well, you and I talked about it on Twitter, Melissa, that even before – we had started watching it. There were all these men on Twitter, all these incels who were basically 
uh, ragging on this documentary and going on IMDb and giving it one star or whatever and just basically saying how, like, oh, just so typical, it's the feminist agenda, blah, blah, blah. Calling Lorena, like, a calculating, violent sociopath, like, all this stuff. Like, for one, you didn't fucking watch this documentary, so don't be leaving reviews. And for two... If you watch this documentary, I don't know who can blame her. Oh, I really don't. Tell, you know what? Uh, I, I, she she was kinder than I would have been. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have made sure he found it again. I would have thrown the damn thing in the blender and made him fucking drink it. Yeah, I, no. well, they, the police yeah. were like, oh, well, we originally thought she swallowed it. I'm like, she should have fucking swallowed it yeah, and we, be in a I better mean, fucking shit. place. We don't know. We don't know, like, what they were threatening her with if she didn't, like, tell them where it was and everything That's else. True. That's well, true. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the second this happened, everyone was like, oh, my God, we got to find the dick because, heaven forbid, a serial abuser has half a dick left. Oh, no. What will we do now? How will he oh, rape oh, women? Oh, no. Can't take your rape statement because we're too busy looking for homeboy's dick in the grass. <laughs> I was yeah, fucking. Exactly. I was dying when she was talking about tossing it in that field, and she's laughing, like putting her hand over she, her face. It's still <laughs> laughing. She, I like, was, it's, she just honestly, it feels like she still can't believe that she did this. Oh, I know. I mean, she's got to like. I don't think that she fully can even remember like what happened that night. You know oh, what no, I mean? I totally believe. That I totally well. believe that too. That she's kind of blocked it out. I, I really do. And I, I thought it was hilarious in the documentary. I'm, like that first episode, there was some humor in that first episode because it is kind of a humorous thing that's going on here. Is mm-hmm. in a, I mean, you know, it, it's crazy to think that. It, it, First off, nobody was using the word penis yes, in the yes. media because, like, All it was so taboo. All of professionals are, like, giggling about it. They, like, even many years later for this documentary, yeah. can't with a straight face say P- penis. penis. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors have a hard time saying it, like, but then to be fair, like, one of the guys, I forget which, which of the men they were talking to, he said his doctor, his doctor, his father was a, was a doctor, was an OBGYN. And like he never used the correct terms either, like in in conversation yeah. because it was like, oh, you just didn't do that back in the day, and you know you didn't use like the technical term, like you know you would say dingaling or whatever or his thing look, or look how, whatever. So yeah. like to use the word penis, it was like it was like shocking to everybody. Yeah, like look how long it took for people to start saying certain things on TV and. I don't know. I mean, it's I mean, I, I, I guess we've come a long way, but um, we're t- <laughs> nobody wants to pick this thing up, too, when they find it, which I f- thought was like hilarious. And <laughs> oh, God, well, I wouldn't want to touch that thing either. It's basically a criminal law on itself. I was th- it's true. But I mean, like, like uh-huh. the guy, I'm sure like the cops have gloves, like. What cop doesn't have a pair of did, did, no, hold, touch other people's dicks oh, no, even if they're chopped it. off? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you hear it's automatically gay? Oh no. <laughs> no, 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 let me put it in an evidence bag. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys get so excited talking about this guy's fucking decapitated penis or whatever. <laughs> even Anything that stops a rapist makes me very happy. No, like well, extremely yeah. happy. Um I was thinking to myself as I was watching this that it would have been hilarious if somebody was walking around and, like, 
you know, like, you know, like in movies when somebody drops their glasses and they're looking for them and they can't find them and they accidentally step on them and break them. Like I was thinking, like, would it be hilarious if somebody accidentally like stepped on this dick and we find out that someone in real life accidentally stepped on his fucking dick and it probably had like their fucking like Nike shoe print. Like the Nike logo is like like embedded on his penis for a little bit. But did you hear the one guy say like he couldn't pick it up because of his religion? What is that? What religion does he belong to? The, I, the no dick religion? I don't understand. <laughs> no homo religion. No homo religion. No homo, bro. Uh, it's just... Uh, hey, can I... Can I rate this real quick too? Well, hold on. I, before I before I move on from this little, I'll have you rate it. But uh-huh. they end up getting the dick. They pick it up. Somebody ends up picking it up, and I kid you not, they go across the street and they put it on ice in a hot dog bag of all things. <laughs> In a hot dog bag. This is not a lie. This is 100% in the documentary. And I kept thinking to myself, there was a time in this guy's life, this asshole, John Wayne Bobbitt, there was a time in his life where he was waiting on a phone call that someone had found his penis. Like, that was, like, the only thing on his mind at that time. There was a time in this guy's life where the uh, the most important thing was getting that phone call. Hey, we've found your penis. That's a real <laughs> moment in this guy's life. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead and rate it. I'm sorry, Rebecca. No, 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 that's fine. Um, yeah, I also Tupperware this. I, I've got, like, the majority of episode four to go, which I'll knock out either tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. But I, I Tupperware everything I've seen. I find it really interesting, though, that, like, I there is a point in the, in the documentary where the woman, I think she's the president of, of NOW where she's basically saying that the, the abuse aspect got lost uh-huh. in this trial because everybody was focused on the fact that she cut his dick off. Like that was the big thing about this whole trial where in reality, this was a woman who had been systematically abused, tortured, raped, and and fear for her life, fear for her citizenship because she was an, an immigrant. She felt like she couldn't escape this man. He threatened to kill her. He threatened to hurt her, do worse than he had already done. Yeah. And she had no way out until she just was pushed too far. And rather than that sparking a national debate of like, hey, maybe we should do something to stop violence against women, it became, oh my God, she cut his dick off. She must be crazy. And that to me is just the biggest travesty that's happened to this woman. But I'm so glad of the way that this documentary has portrayed her and shown her. Yeah. Um, And John Wayne Bobby can go fuck himself. Oh my God. He is a piece of human Rebecca, there was a time, there was a time where he could have done that exact same thing. You know what? You're not wrong, Brian. You are not wrong. He could have literally physically fucked himself. Yes, that that could have happened. (laughs) That was a possibility. Bunny Ranch in Nevada is saying you're a fucking asshole. You are a fucking asshole. There you go. There is no two ways to cut that. Because that dude is the biggest fucking asshole. And well, yeah, yeah. And fuck Geraldo, too, for hounding this woman. Oh my God. He made her life a living hell. And 
sending her flowers, sending her autographed pictures of himself. What the fuck did he think this was? Well, uh, he's a piece of oh, shit. Like, remember years? He, he's 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 so vain. Remember when he took like the picture of himself shirtless and posted it on like Twitter or Instagram? And oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gosh, just, he, get, he's just terrible but i i really everybody should see this i really think everybody should watch this i really love the way it's presented i like that it's in four episodes um you know you can you can watch it like two episodes or however you want to do it but i i like that the story is really just laid out for you really really well here i think what set this off um was i feel like the oj series that made marcia clark look like a hero kind of like it's kind of like was kind of like the catalyst for this getting made too, because like, you know, honestly, like I knew about the OJ stuff and all I remember is like the media talking about like Marsha Clark's hair and Marsha Clark just has like, you know, she just looks like a bitch and she looks mean and blah, 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 blah. And then like we watched that. I watched the OJ documentary on Hulu, like the eight part documentary on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And then I watched like mm-hmm. the people versus OJ Simpson on FX. And I'm just like, Marsha Clark is a fucking hero. This woman's amazing. And like all the media did was like just just drag this woman down. And uh, she tried so many things to make people just kind of like like accept her. And then like can we move on with the fact that like this guy murdered his wife? Um, You know, like she tried to change her hair. She tried to do all these things. And it was just like nothing was ever good enough. And I felt like – Sorry, go ahead. I just felt like 25 years removed from like both of these cases as far as like the the OJ thing and the and the, um, the Lorena Bobbitt thing. 25 years removed now from both of these things. It's the tell of the tape. It's like you look at the life of Lorena Bobbitt compared to John Wayne Bobbitt and you see like who's lived a better life and who is a genuinely good person. And um, Lorena Bobbitt is like a saint in my eyes after watching this documentary. And to to hear the story from the woman that talked to her at the nail salon that she worked at and how Lorena Bobbitt was just shaking and how she had the bruises on her arms, that broke my fucking heart. And um, thank that, – That was heartbreaking. Thank goodness. She was the best part of this documentary. Yes. Thank goodness for and that woman speaking up. And The uh, best part of this story. Yeah. Like, because she was the one who was saying, like, why is all this money, like, not going to a therapist for Lorena? Like, yes. why is Lorena's mental health not being taken care of? And, like, she's the one that pointed out – and, Rebecca, I apologize because I don't think you've seen this part yet. She points out at the end that this is still the same story that we see today. Like, we are, mm-hmm. as a country, entertained by the suffering and the abuse of women. Like, oh, this yeah. happened with this. This is, I mean, this is ha- what happened with Monica Lewinsky. Like, um, that's why I talk about this documentary, because this made me really um, kind of examine my assumptions in the way that I've personally engaged in tabloid entertainment and just the, like, inherent misogyny in our justice system, in our media, and, like, in my own personal thoughts, because I know I've laughed at jokes of, about Lorena Bobbitt, and, like, we were laughing about it earlier. Like, yeah. yeah, she cut his dick off, and that alone is funny, but to think about what brought her there is horrifying yeah. and should never have been made into a joke. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, because we're laughing at the expense of this woman, and we do it to women all the time who have spent years being abused to the point of breaking. And like a part that stuck out to me in the documentary was when John's brother was on some talk show, and he's out here saying on national television, "Oh, if I would have found her, I would have killed her," and people clapped. Yeah. 
People fucking clapped. Yeah. Well, if you if you remember in that scene, um, there was a guy who was like enthusiastically clapping, like yeah, kill that bitch, and the woman next to him was visibly uncomfortable. Like yeah. I, I, I I remember that moment, and it's like you know D- Dave Letterman doing his top ten list about Lorena Bobbitt. Like this is a real person who had been. I mean, marital, okay, being raped by your husband wasn't even considered a crime until, like, super recently in the majority of this country. So here's this woman who's married to this guy. He's forcing her to have sex, then forcing her to have sex that she is super uncomfortable with. When she was on the stand talking about when he forced himself on her and she felt like her vagina was ripping open, I cried for yeah. her. She was, a, like, she couldn't even, like, you could see her shutting down. Like, she was going right back into shock. And this is what happens to women and not just women. I, I know there are men who are victims of abuse as well, but this is what happens to victims of sexual assault. Not only are they, victimized and treated terribly by their assaulter it's done all over again when they go to the hospital by the police by the court system they are re-victimized and so they don't speak up how many times did she say she was embarrassed that she didn't want people to know and then how many other women said the same thing that they never told anybody that they were in the same position Oh my god, it's heartbreaking because it's still happening today in well, look 2019. At, look at what I mean, we're just now finding out within the past few years of like, you know, what Bill Cosby was doing over mm. you know, you know, over a twenty, thirty year span. So yeah, it's uh this is a Tupperware for me too, and I um you know, it's 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 it really it really puts things in perspective as far as like like filling in the gaps of this story that I didn't know about because it was for me before this it was one of those things where I just saw what the media told us I did not mm-hmm. know any of this sure. other things well, going on so yeah this documentary really shines a light on um, like the injustices of our like justice system but also the way that the media portrays these types of stories like the simple fact that cameras were not allowed in john's abuse trial but yeah. were in yeah it's like, sold it's, it's just here's the automatically thing though. she's not worth protecting from it's, the media the way that he was it's the almighty dollar it's 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 the fact that you've got uh what's a better what's the headline that's going to sell the magazine you know like a cut above the rest or whatever like the whatever those yeah or is it the or is it you know like a woman was uh emotionally and physically abused and blah 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 like no it's like they they want to sensationalize the the act the 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 thing that she did and that's what's going to sell newspapers that's what's going to get people tuned into court tv that's uh, the media can put a spin on stuff to the detriment of the person that's actually like basically trying to like stand up for themselves and and uh live their life again and just be a normal person after yeah, you're absolutely right, Rebecca. Like they've been abused before, and now they're getting abused again, and it's it's sad. And he so. went on to abuse more yes, women yes. after this. Oh yeah, and oh, this yeah. is the type of person who told his friends exactly what he was doing to her. Like I, that and that type of thing wasn't even admissible in his abuse trial. Like yeah. so many of the stuff, so many of the things in this documentary is just infuriating. Yeah. Well, he he said it, and then like automatically like 
all of the guys are like, oh, like, you know, that's that's like boy talk, you know, like guy talk, locker room talk. He's talking about he likes to force women to have sex with him. That's not locker room talk. That is an admission of rape. That is what that is. Even in locker room talk, like, that stuff is true. If people are telling you that they like to do horrible things out loud, people don't lie about that shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, this is where, like, this is where we as women need men to be our allies, right? You got a dude bro who who tells you that he loves to force his woman to have sex with him. That is the moment for you to speak up and do something. No, that's shit. the moment. That's the moment to be my ally. That's well, where like, we need not you. Not even to mention, there are women out there who are into that. There is a consensual way to have oh, yeah. that type of sex if that's what you're into. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're like right. there are allies for you to do that. You don't have uh-huh. to fucking keep your wife locked up in your bedroom. I, exactly. I, I, let me get real here. And this, I'm not just saying this, like, since you brought it up, Melissa, I had an ex-girlfriend who was in, she, how do I say this? I never did it when we aren't together. Her um, fantasy was to be, her fantasy was to be raped. Rape fantasies are very real. I'm not here to kink shame somebody, but there's a reason that the the kink community is very protective of themselves because a lot of this stuff is taboo and there are ways to, if this is what you're into, there are ways to get it that don't land you with your dick chopped off. Amen. There are ways to get a willing partner. But for me, it was like, I think that's one of the, one of the, it's definitely one of the reasons we're not together anymore because like I I tried to conform to certain things that she really liked um that I wasn't into and I tried but like there's I can't take it up to certain levels I you know I'm you want you want me at a 10 and I I can't go <laughs> I mean I can't do that that's that's mm-hmm. just that's that's there's there's only so much compromise and so but uh, you know uh yeah I I don't know. I let's not. I, I'm done talking about that. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, no, I mean, you know, and I never, I never made her. Uh, I never made her feel bad for it. It's just one of those things where she wanted me to make her feel bad for. She enjoyed the humiliation. She liked being humiliated in the bedroom too. And oh god, it, it that fucks with you. <laughs> that fucks with you when you're a guy and you're. You've been told your entire life, like I was taught to respect women and open doors and all this stuff. And here I am being told by like, you know, and I'm young at this time. Like I'm talking like I'm like, you know, 20, 21. And, um, you know, I'm being told like, you know, humiliate me. Do And it's like, you know, it's one. Th- I want to. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's one thing to be like, I, that's not like. Oh, I can't get. I know some guys get off on that stuff, but I can't. I can't. And uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> but yeah. I, I think that's where, like, like you were saying before, Melissa, about the kink community protecting themselves because there are people who want to kink shame, and and like that's the thing. If whatever you're into. I guarantee you there's somebody else who's into it as well. Mm -hmm. So if you want to find a willing partner, you just have to search them out, right? There are people who are into all kinds of things. So if your partner isn't into it and you want to find someone that is, then you can do that. But like, yeah, there's no need to 
you know, like like you said, chain your wife up in the bedroom. Like there's there's no need for that. But I, I think that this documentary is one of the most important documentaries that have been made in a really long time. Yeah. And I think yeah, I, I really think everybody should watch this. And I think I think mothers and daughters should watch this together. I think I think fathers and daughters should talk about um if if they're in an abusive relationship or or how they can spot an abuser, et cetera. You know, there were warning signs. Lorena didn't see them because she was she was sorry eyed over this guy. And but her her cousin saw them uh, and and tried to warn her. And and she was just she was in love with this man. So I think this is a great opportunity for like women to talk to each other about it for or for men to talk to each other about it. Like this is a really important documentary and I, I really think everybody should watch it. Yeah. Dads, let your daughters know that they're that that let let your little girl know that she's special so she doesn't fucking get involved with a guy like John Wayne Bobbitt. God, yeah, you know. absolutely. So yeah. Um I I think um I think we need to take a break. I can't talk about the next thing after what we just talked about, like right now. Like I, <laughs> like I don't care what the next thing is. I just can't talk about it. I need to take like a break. So we'll take a break. Let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll <laughs> we'll talk about something less uh, heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, leftover army. Pop culture leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read. But their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow The Leftovers on Instagram at Instagram.com slash PopCultureLeftovers and on Tumblr at PopCultureLeftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. All right. Hey, we are back. We've got more good pop, bad pop to go over. And I want to talk about an anime that I just started watching. And... First off, Rebecca, I know you don't watch a lot of anime. Do you watch any anime? I, I here and there, I dip my toe in. Okay. I actually just recently watched Mary and the Witch's Flower okay. yeah. uh, for the first time. And yeah. I have seen some animes. I'm just not like, uh, I'm not like full force thrown into it. Okay, okay. Uh, Melissa? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's, this is one, it's called The Promised Neverland. You can watch this on Hulu. You can watch it on High Dive. Uh, you can watch it on Crunchyroll. Uh, this one comes from Cloverworks Anime. And this one came out in January of this year. And it's been kind of like blowing up and people have been talking about it. So seven episodes were out. And I was like, I'm going to watch this and see what all the hype is about. And um, at gr- here's, here's the synopsis. At Grace Fieldhouse, life couldn't be better for the orphans, though they have no parents. Together with the other kids and a kind mom who cares for them, they form one big happy family. No child is overlooked, especially since they are all adopted by the age of 12. Their daily lives involve rigorous tests, but afterwards they are allowed to play outside. 
There is only one rule they must obey. Do not leave the orphanage. But one day, two top-scoring orphans, Emma and Norman, venture past the gate and unearth the harrowing secret behind their entire existence. Once the truth is discovered, they begin to plan an escape to save all the children. Um, I... uh, this when you first start watching it like i didn't read the synopsis before i started watching it but when you first start watching it like you're just kind of thrown into this world and you really don't know what's going on all these kids are dressed in white uh they have numbers on their neck um they they live in it's it's like an orphanage where they live in this house and they and they take these tests and they and uh but they do get to go outside and play tag and and just different age ranges of kids you know uh, all the way up from like babies all the way up to 12 like like it says here but you find out there's something more sinister and i'm going to get into that if you don't want to hear like the big twist then like skip ahead or something but on a fateful night an orphan named connie is sent away to be adopted and Emma and Norman follow her after they realize that she had left her stuffed rabbit behind and they are, they want to make sure that Connie, now that she's getting adopted, that this is her favorite toy. She, they want to make sure that she leaves with uh, her stuffed rabbit. So they, they sneak out and they, and they go to the gate um, and they find out that this, orphanage is actually a farm where human children are raised as food for (laughs) demonic creatures (laughs) so demons will eat these kids and the woman that they call mom who's kind of like the house mother they call her mom though all the kids call her mom they love mom this woman they call mom she's in allegiance with these demons and um so I guess the kids that have the highest test scores that make it to the age of 12 have like the best brains or to eat or something. There's a lot going on here in this and it is dark. It is sinister. And you have these brilliant kids trying to find an, a way to escape this place. I'm seven episodes in and I Tupperware this. This is so, so, so good. Um, I am I am in love with this series. It is it is dark. It is scary. Um, there are times where you fear for these kids, and it's it's kind of a game of chess between mom and these kids, and these kids trying to plan their escape, like how they're going to escape for them from this place. And not all of the kids know about how sinister this place is yet. That still has yet to be presented to some of these kids. Um, I love this series. And if you're not into anime, I think like this is a good gateway drug for you to possibly get into it. Cause if you love like horror stuff, this it's not like 100% a horror, but it does have elements of a horror film. So I highly recommend if you aren't watching anime to, if you have Hulu, watch it on Hulu. It's called um, the uh, promised Neverland, And I am loving it. It is 100% a Tupperware. I couldn't stop watching it. I knocked it, I knocked out the seven episodes in two days. They're only like 30 minutes a piece. Uh, and I could not stop watching it. It is so good. So Rebecca, I highly recommend this one. I am not kidding you. I'm going to check it out. I think it sounds really interesting. And I, I am trying to like 
slowly introduce more anime into my viewing diet, so so to yeah. speak. But yeah, this sounds really good. This is one I would do. It's going to be twelve episodes in this first season. I don't know if it's going to go on for a second season or if it's just going to be a one season and done. But um, great world building. Uh, you these kids don't know about their situation, and as they're learning about it, you're learning about it, and you know it's like even if they do escape what's on the outside of this place they have no idea they've never seen it like it's there's so many questions and like <laughs> it is really good i would watch okay if you're looking for some anime to watch and you've never really and you don't want to watch like dragon ball z and you don't want to watch like you know like my hero academia and stuff like that start off with uh definitely do um the movie um uh, a silent voice once that comes out in april watch that one that is it's incredible oh that yeah, yeah. that one i have seen yeah melissa sure. melissa it's a powerful movie i'm not kidding you yeah it's, i've heard you talk about it on the show several times um i have plans to watch it yeah. as soon as it's available to me i'm so. buying it i'm buying it on blu-ray so it, i mean as soon as it's released in april in blu-ray i'm buying a silent voice also watch erased erased is so good uh it's just one season, and uh, I can't remember how many episodes, but Erased is very good. It is so incredible. Um, and then this one. <laughs> this is one I'm going to be watching week to week now, The Promised Neverland. And I, I, Scott Shooty, I love you, man. I don't hear you ever talk about anime, but I know you love horror. Give this one a shot, dude. This might be something Scott loves. I, I would love to hear what Scott thinks about this one. So um, I'm going to move on to my next thing that I want to talk about, and then I'll pass it off to you guys. I watched Paddleton on HBO. Have you guys seen the trailers for this, or did you get a chance to watch Paddleton? No, Paddleton on Netflix, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, this was actually played in my home while I was napping, <laughs> so I didn't get to see it, but I like woke up when it was over, and they were like, this was the best movie you should have watched. <laughs> really? So they, uh, so they thought it was a great movie. I... Okay, Paddleton on Netflix, after he's diagnosed with terminal cancer, middle-aged Michael asks his neighbor friend Andy to help him end his life before the disease does. Uh, This stars Ray Romano and Mark Duplass. Um, I think this is the first of that four-picture deal that the Duplass brothers signed with Netflix last year in February. I I think this is the first of four. I could be wrong. But anyway... Um, Mark Duplass, his character is got terminal cancer. He's going to die. He knows he's going to die. He does not want the disease to take him. He wants to kind of be in charge of this and he doesn't want to go through like the pain of cancer. And so, um, I, I had actually seen an episode of casual. I think it was in season three or four where the father is got a terminal disease and does the exact same thing that I witnessed here where there's this uh these these pills that you take and you break them up and you put them into a into a um a glass and fill it with water and then drink it and then and then the that pill just it just it, it just takes your life your your heart just stops it's like you take it home it's a prescription like you get the prescription you go to the pharmacy they give you the pills and you take them home and you take it whenever you want to on your own time when you're ready to go when you're ready to pass on and um in that episode of casual i'd never heard of this before you know like rebecca we remember like dr kevorkian growing up like you know doctor oh, sure dr death that guy that would come to your house and like assist 
you with death. Like this is, I you know, this is you just taking this home and and uh, you know and and doing this. And I I had never seen this before. I watched that episode of Casual, and so I this was a whole movie based on it and like the friendship between these two guys and um, they both loved Kung Fu movies. And I I thought that that I really loved that in this movie. I am just going to give this a taste it overall though. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really want to, I, I shouldn't have watched this today. It really bummed me out. Like I'm, Mm, yeah, you know, they said it was heavy, like really heavy. It's really fucking heavy. I'm going to give it a taste it. I, I don't think I'll ever watch this one again. I, um, you know, Mark Duplass really does sell it in the in the moment, and he does fucking sell it, and uh, that, that that fucked me up watching that. It really mm-hmm. fucked me up, and it and it put me in a bad headspace of thinking about you know death and like you know it's inevitable, it's gonna happen, and, and this guy knows so he's got to do it, and and the friendship between these two guys, and now you got to watch it end, and I don't know this it's a uh, it's a, I don't know. I, I just, I just, it wasn't the neat movie I needed to watch today. And, uh, and I don't think it's a, a great movie in particular, but, um, I'll give it a taste it. And, uh, with a, with an asterisk to like, if you're in a bad place, do not watch this fucking movie. It'll just depress the fuck out of you. <laughs> so yeah, it's called Paddleton. It's on HBO and Paddleton is an actual game that these guys played. It looks like a fun game. It's kind of like a, uh, they got uh, it's kind of like a mix of racquetball where they bounce a ball off a gigantic wall and they try to have the ball bounce into a barrel and it's a game that these two guys play Ray Romano I felt like a lot of this just felt like these guys knew what this movie was about but some of the conversations that they were having it was just kind of like they were just doing improv in certain moments and I think that some of it I loved and some of it I just didn't like and so I don't know uh, Mark Duplass had a pretty cool tweet. I thought he said um, that he's never had a wide theatrical release, quote yeah. unquote, but this movie released on Netflix in 190 countries to mm. 130 million people. So, you know, potentially millions of people will see this movie like it would have been a wide release. And that's a pretty cool perspective for a filmmaker. Yeah. I, no, I love Mark Duplass. Like, like, this has like my rating has nothing to do with like. Oh yeah. Yeah, like I was like huge. So. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Duplass brothers and like most of their movies. And like, uh, I loved him on the League. I think he's great. And I, I like, I, I like Ray Romano. Um, so, I don't know. It's. I think for me, this movie just kind of fucked me up in the moment because it, it's it's yeah. fucking dark and depressing. It's like I can't watch. I'll be honest with you. Like, I just can't get out of a fucking movie like this and be like, yeah, fucking Tupperware. I just saw a guy fucking take a fucking uh, hundred pills and, and die. Like, it was depressing. Yeah. It, it's it's depressing. It's really fucking depressing. So, yeah, I did. I did enjoy the scene of them in the bar with uh, doing the kung fu reenactment of this movie that they love so much. They love this movie called Death Punch. And um, they they do a reenactment of like some of their favorite scenes in Death Punch in this bar, and I thought that that was fun to see these guys together. And I, I like the chemistry between Ray Romano and Mark Duplass. I thought it was good, but um, it's a tough watch. All right, uh, well, I'll pass it off to one of you, uh, Rebecca. What do you got? Uh, a couple of quick things. Um, 
I don't know if you guys are up to date or if you're watching I Am The Night still on, on TNT with Chris Pine. I am three episodes in. Okay. Um, Melissa, do you watch the show? I took a break. I watched the first episode and decided to watch the rest after True Detective because it's too much detective. Oh, shit. Uh, Fucking True Detective finale tonight. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, my. I get that completely. Yeah, it's a lot of detecting for, like, to watch in one setting. But um, I, it's four episodes in now. There's two episodes left. Uh, episode five is tomorrow. And then episode six is the Monday out. Uh, this just continues to be a Tupperware for me um, overall. I, I've I, This is the... The connection between I Am the Night and the Black Dahlia case, the, the famous unsolved case in Hollywood, I mean, it's it's there because the guy who plays uh, Fauna's grandfather or the, the person who is Fauna's grandfather, George Hodel, he was a suspect in the murder of uh, Elizabeth Short, which was the Black Dahlia case. And... Uh, to the point that he actually left the country for like 40 years because uh, he was, yeah, I, I did a deep dive on uh, Wikipedia about this because I, I really, the, the case of the Black Dahlia is really interesting to me. And if you've never seen it, mm. there is a film by Brian De Palma called The Black Dahlia. Did, is that the Josh um, Hartnett film? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It yeah. Is. I didn't like it. It's not the greatest. Um, I, I would actually really love to see now Hollywood do or like an independent director do a new take on, on the Black Dahlia. I think I think that would be really interesting. And it's a great follow up to this show. I want to see a I movie. I want to see a movie called The Darth Malia where it's. The Darth yeah, <laughs> it's it's Darth Maul. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's just you just replaced the Hodel guy with Darth Maul. It's called the Darth yeah. the Darth Maul, I, yeah. I, I I get the joke. Yeah, I get it. All right, Michael Cannon, make that mashup, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, it's uh you know, and it's really interesting cuz I also realized I forgot that um uh of course um Chris Pine and pa- Patty Jenkins have worked together in uh, Wonder Woman before. But also uh, Connie Nielsen, who was also in Wonder Woman, is in this show as well. Hmm. So um, two actors who were in Wonder Woman and, you know, Patty Jenkins directed the first two episodes. Um, and then other directors have taken over for episode three and four and then five and six. I just think this is one of the best series I've seen in a long time. It's really and, and and Chris Pine, like he's great, is just such a great actor. But the the actress who plays Fauna, I don't know. She's just like this is like her breakout role, and I just think she's holding her own against like she's holding her own acting with um, you know Connie Nielsen or acting against Chris Pine or other you know sort of. Uh, well-established journeyman actors. I think she's doing a great job and I would love to see her in more stuff. So I, I definitely recommend I am the night. Um, it's on TNT and if you know, you can get it on the app and stuff if yeah. you want to catch up. Um, the other thing that I saw is something that I know Melissa has seen. I saw the movie cold war mm. uh, in the theater question real quick before yeah. you dive into it. Is it a musical? It is not. Well, 
Um, That's it, why I haven't seen it this week. They're playing it at the art theater, and it says that it's it says it's music. And so I was like, "Is this a musical?" Okay, it is not like it's not like an American musical, like Singing in the Rain or something, where mm-hmm. there's singing and dancing in the middle of it. But singing has a big part to play in this movie. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just yeah. I'll, um, I I get why you're asking me that, and I get why it's being billed as like a musical. But I would say this is more of a drama, romance genre, and then for sure, like there is, as I said, yeah, the music aspect has a, a lot to play in it. Um, so Cold War in the 1950s, a music director falls in love with a singer and tries to persuade her to flee communist Poland for France. This is a foreign film. It's in Polish, mostly, directed by Paweł Pawlikowski, who also wrote it. Um, And it stars lots of people who are, I assume, are all Polish. And I did not, of course, know anybody in this movie. Um, And it is also in, in black and white. But um, the two main actors are Joanna Kulig, who plays Zula, and Tomasz Kot, who plays Victor. Um, and this does take place during, you know, th- this this starts at, I think, 1949. Uh, it's after the war, and we're in Poland, and they're basically, like, there's this musical director, and they're going around to, like, all of these country villages in Poland, and they're gathering up, like, local young people who sing... And they want to, like, make this, like, music company where they'll all sing, uh, like, Polish folk songs. And they're going to tour the country as, like, um, like a celebration of their culture. This right? is like the Mickey Mouse Club before the Mickey Mouse Club, but set in Poland. And, and with sex. There's there is sex in this movie. Yeah. Okay, okay. The so, Polish, like, little... The thing at the beginning is kind of Mickey Mouse clubby, actually. That's not inaccurate. Wow. No. So, so we, you've got a net Funicello in this? Yeah, I wish. No, oh. um... No, unfortunately, she's not in this movie. I but think... Yeah, is she it, dead? It, did a net Funicello die? I think she did pass away, actually. Rest in peace, Annette. If not, I know she was sick for a really long time. Like, she had a chronic illness. Yeah. Um, Did you want? Was she in Babes in Toyland? She in the more, not the old one with the sixties one, but the sixties one. That yeah. yeah, that was her. And um, what was it? Bobby Darren? Who was the guy she always acted with? Oh, I know, like, it I know. Was, like yes, beach blanket movie. Yeah, who was that? That was. Um, I, hold on, I know. I'm gonna look him up. I'm gonna look him up right now. Uh, that Frankie Avalon. Yeah, Frankie and Annette. Oh, man, Bobby Garen. I think he was a singer. But yeah, yeah, Frankie Avalon and Annette Benichol. did all those, like, beach blanket movies. Yeah. Um, yeah she di- she, she died in 2013. Oh, she is? Oh, rest in peace, Annette Oh, I used to love you know, Disney Channel growing up. I used to watch, uh, like, the old reruns of the Mickey Mouse Club and then the fucking, uh, what was it, uh, the Babes in Toyland. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love. Do you that remember movie. Swiss Family Robinson? Oh my God! Yes, I do. <laughs> Don't you love that? I love I that love movie. That. Riding, riding the ostrich around on the island. Yes. And then yes. the the big Great mm-hmm. Dane dogs that they had that would uh, go that were fighting that tiger at the end of the movie. That looked. Yeah. That was real. That was fucking real shit right there. Right. 
Like that's yeah, not. Has to be. There's no special effects going be. on there. Swiss Family no, no, Robinson. No, that was, yeah. That was like animals probably getting hurt on screen. Like oh. that, unfortunately, was the case. But man, I loved that. We're, uh, we're so off track. I'm sorry. No, I see you. You talk. I'm. I bring up Mickey Mouse Club. Then I was like, oh, let's bring up in that Funchello. And then, and then it's like, no. And then I let Rebecca. You're, you're like, fuck it. Let's not get back on track. Let's just talk about another great classic, Swiss Family fucking Robinson. Robinson. Which uh, Swiss um, Family Robinson was inspired by Robinson Crusoe. Yes, it was. Yes. Um. Did you know? <laughs> you know oh God, here we go. Did you know that the actor who played the middle son? Yeah, I think his, the character's name was Ernst because Ernst Fritz was the old. Fritz looked like a fucking Nazi. Hey, Vern, it's Ernst. Blood. Yeah, hey, Vern. Yeah, exactly. But no, th- this other guy, Ernst, mm-hmm. the middle kid, he was in like everything Disney, like in the sixties yes. and seventies. Yep. And then the kid was the shaggy like, dog. The, huh? He was in the Shaggy Dog, or wasn't he in Flubber? Yes. He was in Flubber too, right? He he was in a lot of stuff for Disney. The, I've seen that. The, <laughs> no, you probably saw. You probably saw the fucking Robin Williams fucking Flubber movie. There's more than one Flubber movie. Yeah, yeah the the, the absent-minded movie. professor, and then. <laughs> There were two of them. Like the first one, like they put the flubber shit on their shoes and play basketball and they could yes. like, jump and shit. And then you put it in the car and you could fly. And the car would fly. Yes. Exactly. Oh, that, but, who was that actor? Who was that actor? The, 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 the father. He was the father from my, my, uh, was it my three sons? Oh, shit. Uh, hold on, hold on. Um, <laughs> I, it's uh, Fred. Fred. It was Fred something. Wait, he was in. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. A His second. first name's Fred. I promise I, uh, you. I believe you. I believe you. Usually, right about this stuff. Um, My three sons, Fred McMurray. Oh, Fred fucking McMurray. Fred motherfucking yes. McMurray. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I want to finish this story so I can go back to my review. So right. Hold on. So, like, the, the middle kid from Swiss Family Robinson, mm-hmm. he was working for Disney, right? Super uber family friendly. Yeah. The kid, the guy was, was homosexual. He was gay, but he was in the closet, and then it all came out. Disney fucking fired him uh. for being gay at a time where he weren't supposed to be gay. Um and then, like, this guy's life went, like, off the rails. Like, he became, like, a drug addict, and he blamed uh. Disney for everything bad that happened to him. It was insane. But that kid, like, he was making that Disney money back yeah. when Walt Disney was still alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was good. Anyway. I love those. I lo- no, I love those movies and everything he was in, I loved. I thought he was great. So, yeah. yeah, that's sad. Go back. Um, Cold War. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Cold War. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the beginning is a little, you know, it is a little cutesy when they're gathering everybody together. But then as the as the movie progresses, a lot of stuff starts to happen. You know, you see, like, the communist block get set up. And then you see how, like, they have the opportunity to go to Berlin. And the wall isn't up yet, but there's a, there's a division between East and West Berlin. Mm. And... So basically, the music director, he's sleeping with this girl, and he basically says to her, let's, let's escape, let's defect, like, let's get out of communism, let's get over to, you know, um, West Berlin, we'll go to Paris, we'll have a life together, I don't want to live without you. And she at first is like, yeah, let's, let's do that. And then 
um, the the movie then spans the next couple of decades where, but you know, you get pieces of their lives, and it's it's very European in the sense of like, um, it's it's shot like in blocks of like scenes, and then like it goes to black, and then here comes the next scene, and there's not like a shit ton of exposition, but they give you just enough mm-hmm. to you understand what's going on, and I do think that like all the performances that are done all of the music all of the dancing like it's all presented pretty much like in a like they go to music halls and they're doing a performance a live performance for people it's absolutely beautiful like the songs are like folk songs and they're gorgeous and you know the translation is there on the screen for you and they're very sweet like country songs that like people have been singing for generations and this movie is so beautifully shot. Like the cinematography is gorgeous. Every scene is very thoughtful. It's planned out. Um, it's nominated for an Oscar. Like I don't know if it'll win it tonight, but it is nominated. It's nominated for, an Oscar. for three. For th- oh, thank you. I didn't realize it was nominated Director, for three. Director, cinematography, and foreign language. Holy thank shit! Thank you very much. Correction I only, I Tuesday. On a Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I only knew about the cinematography one, but yeah, absolutely. Um, I I give this a Tupperware. I thought it was great, but I I can't like just recommend this to every single person on the street. Like, I saw Phantom Thread and really liked it, but I know that there are people who would probably hate that movie. I loved it. So I. I, I, I know you did. Mm. I enjoyed it, too. But I feel like th- this is a movie, if you're not a fan of foreign films, you probably won't like this. Um, if you have a thing like, oh, why is it black and white? You probably won't like this either. But I think if you're open to try something new and see a movie about a very specific time in Eastern Europe's um, history and, the, and the, the, the love story that really drives this movie, I, I think it's a gorgeous film. It's absolutely beautiful. I, I, if you're into it, go see it. And I, I, I think even you would enjoy it, Brian. Like, okay. like not, like, like for, for for the musical aspect, it's not like they suddenly break into song. And no, dance that's and that's fine. Yeah, like because like but, I want to watch like I like I loved uh, Stars Born. I mean, I felt like the music was warranted in that movie. I just I have a big problem with musicals, like you know, Sound of Music and stuff, and like yeah. uh, you know, Grease. I, I, I can't stand you, Grease. Oh, God. Yeah, if if you like um, a Star Is Born, like for the for the performances, I think you would like this. Yeah, and um, yeah, but 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 Melissa, I I know you saw it too. So what did you think about it? I mean, I'm gonna second so much of what you said. This movie is stunning. Um, it, it, I think the fact that it was subtitled actually kind of adds to how gorgeous this movie is because the whole thing just feels kind of um, like ethereal. The characters Mm -hmm. in my opinion are very relatable. Um, You know, they're star-crossed lovers, but they're fatally selfish. (laughs) Um, Right. Joanna Kulig is a treasure in this movie. Um, she is so wonderfully overdramatic, her character. Like, the the best part of this movie for me was how surprisingly comedic it was with all of her antics. I, um, I don't really know what I expected going into this movie, but I, I you know, you know immediately... 
within the first scene that it's something else entirely. I this the whole movie is something I feel like I've never really seen before. Um, mm-hmm. And it might be because it's in black and white, and it might be because it's in Polish. Uh, and it's and it's really the characters too, and the type of love story that they have. They're not very empathetic, um, but their story was was really fun surprisingly to mm-hmm. watch even given the time period that they're in and the things that are trying to keep them apart you, you know what i found interesting is both of these characters are survivors mm-hmm. like from from the get it is made clear to you in different ways they are survivors like i, I don't think this is a spoiler but like so when when we first meet Zula, like she's auditioning to be part of this, and the and the music director, like he's he he wants to pick her, and he's telling like his his partner, like I don't know, there's something like about her, and she's like, well, there's something like off about her, you know, she went to prison, and he's like, oh, so he asks her about it, like why did you go to prison, and she's like, my father mistook me for for my mother. And I got a knife and reminded him that I wasn't. And that's all the backstory you get on her. Yep. She is a fucking survivor. And you see that from the very first scene, too. She's like, I'll be out here doing whatever it takes. Yes. And the same with him. In his way, too, Victor, he's a survivor. And I think for me, part of my... um, Part of my enjoyment of this film is is my own personal connection to Poland. You know, bo- both my grandparents on my mom's side, they emigrated here from Poland. Uh, back in 09, I went to Poland, like, for the first time in my life as part of, like, a tour group. And I got to see parts of the—I got to see a country that I have a connection to but had never been to before. So, like, this movie got me very emotional in parts and, and may not have the same effect on everybody, but— I, I had a personal connection to some of the sets and like some of the locations and, and the language. And, and so it, it did, it did touch me in a different way. And so it added to my own experience of it. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, I really recommend it though. I, I think it's worth watching. Awesome. Cold war. And yeah. it's short too. How, how yeah, long is it? An hour and 30 minutes. Yeah, it's very short. It does not, like, it doesn't drag on. Like, it, it gets to the point right, right away, and I like that. I might try to, like, make the trek out to the art theater and see this one this week, because I think this is the last week they're, they're, that they're playing it. So cool. I'm, I might do this, and if I end up hating it, I'm coming after you, Rebecca. That's, that's fine. You can do that. I'll fight you, but that's fine. <laughs> hey, let's, uh, did you guys get a chance to watch OG on HBO? I did. I did, too. Awesome, yes. I'm a big fan of Jeffrey Wright, and I felt like after the bad taste that, um, uh, what's, uh, Hold the Dark left in my mouth i i love jeremy saulnier don't get me wrong i think he's a great director loved blue ruin loved green room i just was not a fan of hold the dark the netflix film with uh alexander skarsgård and jeffrey wright 
and I needed uh, I I needed some Jeffrey Wright redemption here, so I watched OG on HBO, a maximum security prison inmate named Lewis, who 24 years after committing a violent crime as a young man, finds himself on the cusp of release from prison, facing uncertain future. On the outside, he encounters Beach, a newly incarcerated young man who offers him much-needed friendship. Though it's not without unfortunate complications, the young inmate echoes of his older counterpart, stirring instincts within Lewis that had long been buried beneath a tough exterior. This one's directed by Madeline uh, Sackler. Uh, her previous films include The Lottery. Uh, she did uh, Duke 91 and 92 back-to-back, which is a uh, sports... Uh, she was a producer on a, on a sports documentary about the, the Blue Devils with uh, Coach K, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, and uh, the, that, that team that they had with Grant Hill, Christian Leitner, and Bobby Hurley, if you're a basketball fan. Um, yeah, that team that went up, up against Bobby Knight's Indiana team. Uh, and then Dangerous Acts, starring the unstable elements of Belarus. So she's she's done a lot of documentaries, and uh, here she is doing uh, this this film. This one stars Jeffrey Wright, uh, William Fickner. I mean, William Fickner was in, uh, wh- which Batman movie was he in? The, it was one of the Bale films, and I think it was the shit. Oh, I I don't know. Those all blend together yeah. to me after a while. But he was he was the villain, I believe, in the the Lone Ranger, the Army Hammer, Lone Ranger film. Uh, Boyd Hol- think, Oh, go ahead. Uh, Boyd Holbrook uh, from uh, Logan, and also Boyd Holbrook from unfortunately Predators. Uh, oh, <laughs> I like Boyd Holbrook. I think the guy is fucking great when you give him some good shit, and. Um, He's barely in this movie. Uh, and Mary, Mary Winningham is in this, uh, David Patrick Kelly. Uh, but uh, this film premiered at uh, the Tribeca Film Festival back uh, in April of last year. HBO loved the movie, so they secured the rights to this one. It makes sense. You know, HBO has a uh, deep relationship with Jeffrey Wright, with him being, you know, uh, one of the cast members on Westworld. And... Um, I think that this is a good movie. I enjoyed this quite a bit. I, I, I'm. You've got Jeffrey Wright. He's playing, and he plays this character of Lewis so well. He's this, uh, you know, this convict who's gonna get out of jail in about forty days when we meet him in the film. He's he's an OG. I mean, he's been there a while. He's he's got twenty four years in the prison system, and he's got a lot of pull in prison. He's respected. Um, he's kind of like. Red from the Shawshank Redemption. You know, he's he's got a good job in prison. He works in the auto body. He, you know, people like him. They trust him. Um, and then we get this young inmate, Beach, who starts to get involved with this this gang, Terry's gang. And Lewis wants him to get out of that situation. He kind of, like, wants to help him out. And... Um, not, I mean, that's interesting. I, you get a lot of, like, the, the prison politics, and, and you, 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 you learn about, like, the, the prison gangs and the, and the different syndicates and things like that. But you also, I think that this movie also has a, a different message, too, where it, it kind of exposes, like, some of the programs there seem like bullshit. You got Boyd Holbrook's character coming in there who didn't seem to know anything about, like, once this guy gets out, like... He's been working in this auto body and apparently making like a dollar a day, and he's supposed he's supposed to have like seven hundred and fifty some dollars waiting for him that he's earned since he's been there. And it's like Boyd Holbrook's character like knew nothing about that, and so I have like this feeling like 
once he leaves prison, he's going to have like that hundred dollar check and like nothing else waiting for him. And then there's that whole scene of like, we'll get into it. I, I, Rebecca, what did you, I'm going to give it a high taste. It. I want to talk. I want to break it down a little bit more. But Rebecca, what did you think about OG? Yeah, um, I'm. I would say the first thirty to forty minutes of this movie are very slow. Um, but I think I think it's slow for a reason. I think it's slow to show you the monotony of of, of prison life. So I, I get that, but I. I struggled a little bit in the first 40 minutes. I was like, oh, my God, how much more? I said, oh, my God, this much more? Is this movie going to go like this the whole time? Um, after, like, the 40-minute mark, I feel like the movie does pick up. And then from then till the end, um, I was I was fully engaged. Um, I do think what's what the standout to me in this movie is that there are real prisoners in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. they aren't actors. Like a lot of the prisoners are actual prisoners yeah. at this maximum security. Same thing. It, it, uh, let me get into this. It was actually filmed at Pendleton Correctional Facility in Indiana. And it's the same prison that John Dillinger had actually spent some time at. And they filmed it using real prisoners acting out a lot of the parts in this film. And I mean, that kind of makes sense. When you, Did they get paid more than a dollar a day to be in this movie? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. But it makes sense huh. that, that this director, Madeline Sackler, used real prisoners in this movie because we find out that she's worked on so many documentaries in the past. She wants to keep that authentic feel. She's mm-hmm. even got real guards from the prison in in this film. So, I mean, it makes 100% sense, but... Yes. Yeah. Sorry. To- I, I no 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 that that's fine. Um, I I thought Jeffrey Wright was excellent. I mean, I, he's he's great. I love him in Westworld. I did not see him in that other movie you were talking about on Netflix. I never watched that one. Um, but I mostly know his work on Westworld, which I love. Um, I am also going to give this movie a high taste. It. Um, I will, however, Tupperware, the prisoner who played Beach. I thought he stole this. I'm sorry, pun in, unintended there. But like he stole this movie. I thought he I, every time he was on screen and just like there's a scene where he's just crying in his cell and I started crying. I, I cried in this movie more than I thought I would. Like it really affected me in different ways. Um, uh, th- there's a scene where he has to meet with like his victim's sister. That scene was extremely powerful. Yeah, can um, we stop? Can we can we stop right there, real yeah, quick? Absolutely. This is something I definitely want to talk about. There's a program where the victim. Okay, basically the victim of his crime, which was a man that he murdered, and that's why he's in prison. Um, his sister signed up for this program where she can confront him. And the movie teases this program. And then when you finally get that scene where he's in the same room with her, I mean, that was fucking powerful. And they're not even closed in on anyone's face towards the end of it. Like you're just looking at the back of his head and listening to this woman talk about Mm -hmm. why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And I was just like, holy shit. That was, that was a Tupperware scene. And that was powerful as fuck. I could not like, I mean, I, 
I can't imagine that this program doesn't exist. Like this is probably based on something real that happens in the prison system. I'm, I'm sure it is. I mean, that scene, because we find out that like he was sentenced to 60 years. It got, it got cut in half to 30 and he's getting out at 24 with good behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, he's going to go live with his sister and, um, try to start his life over. Um, but you know, this, this woman, I don't know. She was just so real. Like her pain was so palpable. His own feelings were very palpable. Um, it was just like a raw emotional scene. I, yeah. I thought it was, it was the, the standout scene of the movie. Why the fuck uh, was for me? Why was Boyd Holbrook in this movie? That was so weird, right? Uh, yeah, he had like what, like five minutes of screen time. Yeah, that Melissa. It was, I don't know. It was weird. It was totally weird. Melissa, what'd you think? Um, yeah, I'm glad I watched this movie. I I didn't re- I didn't really love it, and I think it's because it was so slow, and it might have just been kind of my mood. Um, I don't normally watch serious movies at my house. I normally see them in the theater, um, which now that we have all these streaming services, something I'm going to have to get better at doing. Um, I well, what, are you do- what are you what are you doing at what are you doing at home watching Adam Sandler movies? What's going on no, there? I watch Melissa? comedies and rom coms. <laughs> okay, all right, just checking. I didn't <laughs> know if you're thriller. sitting around like watching like fucking. Like- I know. I guess I just I should say I don't normally watch just straight drama movies. Melissa's like uh, Water Boy round sixteen. Here we go, Adam Sandler. <laughs> I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> you <laughs> and I've never seen Water Boy. Um, you should, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're talking about the fact that the, the director, because I, w- I was thinking, like, this movie moves really slowly. I think that's kind of what's making it difficult for me to kind of get mm-hmm. into it. Um, yeah. But that's what it would feel like to be in prison for 24 years. So I, the, I think that's the way that the movie should have been. And that's like a me problem, not a movie problem. And it makes sense given that. Um, the director comes from documentaries because that's how this movie felt too. It really felt accurate to the way being in prison would feel. Um, there's a lot of slow shots of just the like I don't like doors of their cells, I guess, opening and closing, and like yeah. that takes forever. And the walking through the food line that takes forever, and walking to and from the buildings where they live and where they work just takes forever. And he spent 24 years in this life. Um, so the the more I'm thinking about it, kind of the more I actually I actually like it. Um, yeah, so I I maybe need to watch this one again when I'm ready for um just how it's presented, I think, but I totally agree. Um when he's doing the restorative justice meeting with his victim's family, that's yeah. super fucking powerful and the scene of him kind of losing it in his cell right after that is really powerful because we see that he does have a temper and he is used to just kind of mouthing off to whoever. I mean, he even does it to like the higher ups in the prison just because he's been there for so long and he has such a good rapport with them. But, you know, he holds his tongue when he's actually with that woman. So you can see that he's thought a lot about this Mm -hmm. and he is trying to 
um, be respectful of her. Um, but that, you know, he's still, we see the scene of him, you know, feeling what he's feeling about how, how that went with her. Um, and that was really powerful. Um, it's it's great to see Bernard doing other things. <laughs> yeah, fucking Bernard, man. I love this Jeffrey Wright guy. Did you see his little cameo that he had in Game Night? I don't remember that. Yeah, I did. I, I, yeah, he has a small role in that in that movie. Yeah, I love him in Game Night. It was so much fun to see him. I was so like I was so thrilled to see him when I went to go see Game Night, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, it's Jeffrey Wright. I love him so. I love, I love yeah. him in the Hunger Games movies. Jeez, <laughs> oh, fucking Hunger Games! I th- those petered out for me. Uh, Peta, they they petered out for me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I love the first movie, and then the second one was okay. And then, like by the time we got to the last one, I just was like, "This is just garbage." Yeah. Yeah. They. They shouldn't have made it four movies. They they were just stretching that out to make they some more were. money. You are one hundred percent correct. Um, I I found this out about the director. This is this is I'm pulling this from um, the Hollywood Reporter, and they're talking about Madeline Sackler. Listen to this. It goes. This article says we live in a time when an unprecedented amount of criticism is being aimed, sometimes rightly and sometimes wrongly, at people who choose to write, sing, act, or paint stories others feel they have no claim to. In this environment, it would already track some notice that a film about impoverished, imprisoned black men is directed by a white woman from an extremely rich family. Sackler is the granddaughter of one of the men who bought Purdue Pharma in 1952. Her father is one of the company's directors and the Sacklers have become one of the world's richest families by, in part, pushing Oxycontin more effectively than all the drug crime prisoners in Pendleton combined. What? Wow. Wow. Yeah. I felt like like this wow. is like like we saw a little bit of this happen a couple of years ago when Catherine Bigelow directed Detroit, white woman directing you know a movie that's mm-hmm. about African Americans and and uh, you know uh, we saw a little bit of that happen and um, like this I I had no idea about this but um, I mean you know, I. I'm glad I, I'm glad that uh, she brought this. I, I feel like she didn't. Um, none of this was addressed like this stuff, like her, her, her family's past and stuff like that. None of this was addressed. It was I think like everything that was brought up in this was kind of like showing us like, like once these guys get released from prisons, like there's rule. No, there's no program for these guys. Like like there's nothing for them waiting on the outside. Like, uh you know, there's there's no kind of like way to get integrated back into society. You know, he's been there for 24 years, and like, once he gets out, like, what is he gonna go? You know, what was what was the old man in fucking Shawshank Redemption that hangs himself? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there, definitely in this movie, there's a lot of like, he's very he's scared. He's scared. He's terrified to leave this prison. He's been in this prison for 24 years. He went, they they, they don't really say like his age. They just say like he made a, he he committed his crime when he was a young man. Yeah. So like 
I mean, what, he's maybe in his 50s, we could say? Yeah. Um, probably, like maybe his early 50s. He has spent probably more years in jail than not. And so, I don't know, it's like, it becomes this thing of like, what do I do now? Like, yeah, I have a room at my sister's for me. He's got a son um, that lives in California and he has a grandkid, but it's like, how is he ever going to see them? He has to stay in Indiana for two years. Yeah. It's part of his parole. And so, yeah, I, I think, I do think that the relationship or the friendship that, or I guess you could even call it like a mentor type relationship between him and Beach, you know, it's almost like he's trying to save himself to a degree. Like he sees a lot of himself in Beach. And he feels like, if I could just help this kid, this is like one good thing I could do. But right before I leave prison, you know, maybe maybe I'll have done some good. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like that's the undertone here, but that there's no real plan for him. Um, No, there's not. And that's a that's a problem. I mean, we see that. It is. I think like that's where I understand Boyd Holbrook only got like five fucking minutes in this movie. But that's what his character portrayed here is the fact that like he's he's basically, you know, kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll look into that 750 bucks. I don't see it here, but I'll look into it. And, uh, oh, as far as you getting a job or finding anything on the way. uh, Yeah, I I don't know. You know, do you got your GED? Oh, that's great. Okay, great. You know, like can you read? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He asked him, are you comfortable with reading and writing, Mm -hmm. which is like a stupid underhanded way to be like. Can you read and write? And then, like, the way that he answers him is like, I get it, dude. You think I'm some ignorant piece of shit person doesn't know how to read and write, well, but I can read and write. He probably does run into some criminals that haven't learned how to read and write. Like, Rebecca, I'll be honest. Oh, on- no, I, I agree. I, agree. I When I was – hold on. Here's uh, – I haven't told – I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but when I was – when I was a young teenager, when I was 14, 15, you, some people know this about me, but I, I, uh, my parents sent me to a boarding academy that I stayed at for like a year. And one of the guys that was like a counselor at this boarding academy didn't know how to fucking read and write. So I would help him read and write at night. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, his name was George. Wow. His name was George. And George couldn't read or write. George was from a, a small town called Telephone Texas. And George never learned how to read and write in school. His parents kept him at home and he worked at home and he never learned, he never went to school, never learned how to read or write. So I would help George read and write and I would help him write to his girlfriend. We would stay up late at night and he would write letters to his girlfriend and mail them off to her. And um, here I am, I'm fucking, I'm 14 years old and I'm helping a 26, 27 year old man read and write and helping them spell words and like by the time i got out of that place like he went from like writing um uh he 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 learned how to write in cursive so you know i wasn't the only guy that was helping him at night you know like me and different guys would help him every night like learn Mm -hmm. how to you know write and stuff like that but like this stuff does happen like there are people that do escape like they somehow they get they either like go through school not knowing how to read and write or they just they just never showed up to school they never did this stuff so it does happen right so but you know he does come off kind of douchey in that scene i get it yeah like i think like in that scene 
and I mean, I think that also you can make a case for like how people who work for the for as as parole officers or social workers like overworked, underpaid, a huge caseload. Like, I, I, I'm not going to deny that either. And mm-hmm. you know, this character, the, the, this guy Lewis, is just another number or another case to this to this parole officer. And yeah, he's like get in, get out, boom, boom, boom. You know, and it's very much felt like oh I'm not really going to do much to help you you just have to tell me you're still here in the state like and don't go anywhere kind of a thing but I, I do think this movie is worth watching it really did it, it affected me more than I thought it would and and yeah um, I, I do think it's um, I mean one thing it does not touch on which I guess it, it's probably knowing now the director's history her family history I'm kind of glad it doesn't you know all the all the characters that we meet that we that we know what their crime is. It, it is all pretty. It, it's heavy stuff. You know, murder, armed robbery, blah blah blah. It doesn't address the amounts of especially young black men who are locked up for like marijuana possession or mm-hmm. bullshit. And it doesn't ever touch that. And I'm glad now that it doesn't because. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about fucking hypocritical. Well, they, right? they, they did bring up the fact that he was bringing in eight to ten ounces of cocaine during like, you know. Yeah. When he was like running the prison. When he was like, running the prison. At, at, yeah. At one point he was like the mayor of the prison or whatever. I, and I was. Let me. Before I forget, I will say this. I, for me, like you guys talked about how slow it was at the beginning. I think that if you do watch of like a, a lot of like a. Um, prison documentaries and stuff like on A&E or on History Channel, stuff like that, you will like this a little bit more than maybe Melissa or Rebecca did at the beginning. Because I do watch like Locked Up and I watch like 60 Days In and I watch a lot of those prison stuff. And for me, it was a little bit more, it was easier for me to watch the stuff at the beginning that you guys thought was slow. It was a lot easier for me to watch that kind of stuff than I think it was for you guys. Okay. Because like, uh, no, because like, you got to understand, like I've watched a lot of documentaries about this stuff. And so like, as I'm, as I'm watching how this movie kind of portrays these things, I'm thinking back to like the prison politics that I've seen in other shows. So my mind is always working. I'm always Mm. thinking about, Oh, this reminds me of locked up this. Oh, sorry. This reminds me of this. This reminds me of that. So, and you know, I'm, my mind is, actively thinking about some of the reality shows that I've watched and it's keeping me engaged. I'm not saying like, like you guys are like, you don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And like, just because I didn't love this movie, I, this movie was well made. The acting was great. I think it has a lot of good things to say. It just uh-huh. wasn't necessarily the movie to say those things specifically to me. Like when you were talking about um, like his parole officer, I mean, it just goes to show how those parole officers, they're one size fits all. Like to even ask him if he could read or write, like we've seen this movie or we've seen this character, excuse me, carrying around a book and reading yeah. at every opportunity he gets so it just goes to show that you don't you don't get a parole officer that knows you or that cares about you and it's just oh, a quick five like, minute scene and it says so much so it's like getting I'm sure a, all the scenes in this movie are saying yeah. just as much and it's just something that i wasn't yeah. hearing from it it's just like, well i gave it a high taste it too i mean but it, it it's it's like getting a public defender to like you know what I mean mm-hmm. right like they you know it's just they're appointed to you right so yeah 
Um, let's see here. Let's move on. I'm going to move on. I watched Happy Death Day to you. Did anybody else see? Have, have you guys seen Happy Death Day? I haven't. No, I haven't either. Watch it. I think you guys would have a blast. But I saw Happy Death Day to you. I actually watched this one last week, and I forgot to bring it up on last week's show. But um, it's the sequel to Happy Death Day. Having survived the uh, life-threatening events in Happy Death Day, the feisty sorority sister, Tree Gelbum, finds herself in the same college dorm. Thankful to be alive? However, this time, it's Carter's roommate, Ryan, who claims that he is reliving the same paradoxical day over and over again as a mysterious killer in a single tooth uh in a single tooth baby faced mask with a big kitchen knife has made a habit of murdering him um so yeah uh it's directed by christopher landon he's known for uh the paranormal activity movie uh the marked ones uh scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse and then paranormal activity three um jessica roth is back as tree gelbman in this one and um I uh, I love the first one. I actually just watched the first one like a few weeks ago on Sci-Fi, uh, on the Sci-Fi app. And so going into Happy Death Day to You, I just come off of watching the, the first one. And um, it's definitely less of a horror thriller um, in this movie than we got in the first one. And they, they lean more into comedy and science fiction in this sequel. And... Uh, even to the point where, like, they reference Back to the Future 2 in this movie. Like, the first one does reference, like, Groundhog's Day. You literally have, like, a character, every time she dies, she, like, resets to, like, that morning of that day that she died. And so she'll always reset back to that point, just like in Groundhog's Day. Like, when he dies, he, you know, wakes up in that in the morning. And it's the same thing here. Um, I, uh... <laughs> Ugh, this is a tough one because honestly, I, I would like when I left it. When I left the movie, I was like, "Man, I didn't. That wasn't. It's not a. It's not a horror thriller slasher movie like the first one was." And I was like, "So that should affect my rating, huh?" So it's a high taste, it right? And it was more mm-hmm. of a, it was more of a comedy and more of a science fiction movie in this one than it was in the first one. So that that should affect your rating, right, Brian? And I was like, and so I was like, yeah, it's a high tasted. And then I was like, you know what, Brian? You're, what the fuck are you talking about? You had a fucking blast watching this movie. Like, it doesn't like, uh, yeah, the movie's different than it was like in the first one. They they address more of the science fiction element and they they lean a little bit more into some of the comedy and some of the comedy was a little silly. But did you or did you not have a great fucking time watching this movie? And I was like, yeah, I did. Well, then the answer's simple. Like this is a Tupperware. You 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 had a blast watching Happy Death Day to you. So I am I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I I I, I had a blast watching this movie. I actually think I had more fun watching this one. Then I did the first one, and I can't wait to watch it again. So, wow. Yeah, I think it's great. I, and Jessica Roth, I think it's like her performance in this one is so much better than in the first one. Like in the first one, I thought she was really good. But in the second one, she really gets to like have a lot of fun with her character. And I want to see her just kind of like her career explode. I would love to see her 
as a fucking character in a Deadpool film. I think she would fit so well into that Deadpool world somewhere. Um, what's the name of that character with the cowboy hat that we talked about? And like, you know what I'm talking about, Rebecca from Deadpool? The character with the cowboy hat? Yeah, she's the female. Oh, uh, she was in a comic book that we read, the the Domino issue that we read by Gail Simone. Oh, shit. What's her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about, and I'm blanking on the character's name. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I know who you mean. You know who I'm talking about. Yep, she should I do. She, Jessica Roth would kill in that fucking role. She's okay. So, she's so funny. She's so funny. She's so She can emote so well, like her facial expressions, and she's just... She's really funny. I, I, I want to see her like get some more stuff, and I want to see her be in like Deadpool, like another Deadpool movie, or like an X Force film, or whatever, uh, or whatever it, whatever it may be. She needs to be in more things because she's very talented. And in this one, she really gets emotional. There's a, there's a, there's a really emotional scene in this movie, and she fucking nails it. Like, I love. I, happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. Both of them are Tupperwares. I'm not gonna lie, they're great. Go seek them out. Watch, watch. I think the Sci-Fi app. You can watch the first movie if you have Sci-Fi. Just watch it on the app, and then go out to the theaters now and watch Happy Death Day to you. You're gonna have a fucking blast. I, I promise you. So, all right, um, Melissa, what do you got? So yesterday, I used my free trial for Shutter to watch um, something. But before I talk about that, I just wanted to mention real quickly the 2018 movie Beast, which I believe, Rebecca, you reviewed on this show. If I remember that correctly. Yes, I I did see that movie, and I did talk about it here on PCL. Yeah, so Beast, um, starring Johnny Flynn from Lovesick, previously known as Scrotal Recall. Oh, why did they change the fucking name to that show? I know! (laughs) Scrotal Recall (laughs) is a great name. (laughs) Scrotal Recall is such a great name. Are we going to get the final season of Scrotal Recall? I fucking hope so. Uh, I love that show. Such a great show. So good. Um, And then Jesse Buckley from Taboo is also in this movie. Um, It's now available to watch on Shudder. Um, So I know a lot of the listeners are subscribed to or thinking about subscribing to it. And I just wanted to recommend that film. It was one of my favorite movies of 2018. Um, I'll be making time to rewatch it during my free trial of the service. Um, So I just kind of wanted to give that PSA. Um, It's not horror movie. Real quick, uh, if you subscribe to VRV... You get Shutter, you get uh, you get Shutter, you get uh, Crunchyroll, you get High Dive, you get. Um, I'm trying to think. There's like so many different channels you get with VRV. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So Rooster if you subscribe to that, you can watch this great movie. <laughs> exactly. So like, uh, yeah, you get Rooster Teeth. It's nine ninety nine a month for VRV Premium, and you get Shutter, Rooster Jesus, Teeth. Jesus, that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking incredible. Like. There's so many things that I can watch. Like, um, that's how I was watching um, the Promised Neverland, mm. and that's mm-hmm. how I watched Genlock on Rooster Teeth. So, yeah, I'm sorry I cut you off. No, that's totally fine. Um, so that was just a short PSA about this movie that I love. I'm really happy that it's available for people to actually stream so that more people can see it. It's really good. Um, it's a great story. The acting's great. It's surprising. It's not a horror movie, but it's more of like a thriller um but yeah so that's beast have you watched uh, mandy have you watched mandy on shutter yet 
No, but it's next. You gotta fucking watch Mandy. I know. Nicholas Cage. I went Cage. through that yeah. and added all the things to my list that I need to watch during my free trial. <laughs> yes, Mandy's one of them. So. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um. So what I did watch all of and what I want to talk about is um, a show called A Discovery of Witches. And this is a British TV show that was originally developed for Sky One that uh, we have access to here in the States through Sundance Now or Shudder. Um, and this TV show is based on the All Souls trilogy. That's a book series by Deborah Harkness. Um, a Discovery of Witches is the first book in the trilogy, and the first season of the show covers that book. Um, I actually read the first two books in this series, and they were enjoyable, but like nothing to write home about. Um, I haven't gone back for the third, but this show has been renewed for both the second and third season, so Holy we will shit. get to see yeah the entire trilogy on screen. Wow. So. Uh, um, here's a synopsis for this one. Um, Diana Bishop, a historian and reluctant witch, unexpectedly discovers a bewitched manuscript in Oxford's Bodleian Library. This discovery forces her back into the world of magic in order to unravel the secrets it holds about magical beings. She's offered help by the mysterious geneticist and vampire Matthew Claremont. Despite a long-held mistrust between witches and vampires, they form an alliance and set out to protect the book and solve the mysteries hidden when um, within while dodging threats from the creature world. So, she is the fucking John Wick of witches. She's pulled back in. She is pulled back in. She doesn't want to do magic. She's not here for it, but it's here for her. Um, so Diana is played by Teresa Palmer and Matthew Claremont is played by Matthew Good. Um, and then Greg McHugh, who's Howard from Fresh Meat. I don't know if anybody's watched that. It's a British comedy that I love. Also shows up in this cast, so I was super excited to see that. Um, I watched all eight episodes of this yesterday. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed <laughs> How long are episodes. these episodes? 45 minutes. And you watched all of them yesterday. Yeah, you sound like you sound like me with everything. That's amazing. Yep. <laughs> I actually thought about you telling me that you just had to finish Umbrella Academy, but that's how I felt about this. Like, um, I have a busy week next week. I wanted to see what happened. I mean, I knew what happened. I've read the book. Yeah. But- um, the tone and pacing are really consistent through at least six and pretty much through all eight. Um, there aren't any episodes that feel unnecessary. There's no like bloat in it. There's no storylines. Filler, um, filler episodes. That, yeah. yeah. Um, so the set pieces in the show are fucking gorgeous. I mean, it's set at Oxford College, which is just amazing. Everything looks fantastic. Um, the Bodleian Library, which Harry Potter fans will recognize as the basis for the Hogwarts Library's restricted section, so that's awesome. Mm. Um, we see the vampire Matthew's familial home. It's called Septour. That's a, a literal fortress in France with seven towers, and it just looks incredible. Um, not only that, but the historical details are extremely accurate, which kind of makes the show seem like 
historical fiction rather than strictly fantasy. Um, like, for example, the main character, Diana Bishop, is a descendant of Bridget Bishop, which is um, who was truly the first woman to be executed during the Salem witch trials. Um, and that aspect is exactly the same in the books. There's tons of historically accurate facts tied into this story. So if you're interested in that, these books are available for you to read, or you can watch the first season of the show. Um the first episode does a super good job of setting up the main story and introducing the characters. And then the second and the third and the fourth, all these episodes continue to introduce characters and connections to the main plot. And throughout the eight episodes, this plot is weaved around all of the characters in ways that are intriguing, but they also make sense. I was really impressed that nothing comes out of left field with this show and they don't forget anything either. either. So like in episode six, we're still mounting reveals and additional questions from the first six and then leading into the final two episodes. Um, like I said, this is already renewed for two more seasons. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it ends on a cliffhanger um, because it is based on a trilogy, but I'm more excited for this second season of the show than I was for the second book, even though I did read it. And like, now I'm not even worried about reading the third book because I know that I'm going to see this show and based on the first season, I have all the faith that, you know, they're going to wrap up this story satisfactorily. Um, yeah, all in all, I'd give this season a high taste. It it hasn't really done anything revolutionary. Um, it's got some of the, like, tropiness of the chosen one with the main plot and with Diana. Um, but the, the way they carefully set up all these pieces and connected them together, um, the scope of the story increases significantly with the second book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have all the faith that the creative team behind this is going to be able to handle that and really give us something even more special in the second season, just from what I know from the book. So, okay. This is a good one. So wouldn't it, okay. Would it be, would it be a bad idea if the second season was sponsored by Salem cigarettes and like all the characters were smoking Salem cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> Would that be a bad idea? I feel like it's a little confusing branding, given that uh, Salem was literally murdering witches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, fucking lung cancer has been murdering people forever, right? Right. So, I mean, consistency. That's what we like. Okay. Um, number two, uh, fans of this show, this is like the anti – like Sky Network is like the anti-sci-fi where like everything gets canceled after one season as opposed to like Sky Network, which is like basically saying, hey, don't worry. You've got two more seasons coming. I know. We've greenlit and them. They, they would not have been – I don't think that they would have been able to successfully do this show without the guarantee of three seasons just yeah. because it's based it, – because like I <sighs> – I have conflicting feelings about this because on one hand, like a season of television, I think should be able to stand on its own, but you don't even really get into the full conceit and the scope of this story um, in the books until after the first book. Like not saying that it's just prequel because it's not, but I mean, they have the option and I believe they're going to do something really cool um, with the second and third season here. So it's 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 worth them green lighting all three of these seasons because so get shutter and watch the show yeah. right do it yeah i got shutter to watch this show get vrv get vrv people because then you can watch anime you can watch anime too 
Like, you can watch all the things that I'm talking about. Like, you can watch The Promised Neverland. Hey, Rebecca, earlier, I don't think that you appreciated my Darth Malia joke. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't, it's been bothering me this entire time. I don't, I don't know. I mean, okay. it, it, I don't know. I'm very sorry. I don't know. I mean, I thought, like, I thought I was onto something there. I, I was like, oh, Brian, you know, you're bringing a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of mashup, Michael Cannon mashup humor to everything, and then uh-huh. like, yeah, I'm, you were just like, "Hey, Brian, I'm not feeling it." So, yeah, sorry, that was the thing that happened. <laughs> um, uh, did you guys? Hey, uh, hey, uh, Melissa, do you have anything else? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I watched um, something on Netflix called A Young Doctor's Notebook. Um. Which I'd never heard of. It's starring Daniel Radcliffe and John Hamm. What the fuck? I know. John Hamm? Yes. Yes. What? And they are playing the same character in different phases of his life. Shut the fuck up. No, they are not. You got, hold on, hold on. You've got. It has been on Netflix since July of 2018. Shut, this is John, John Hamcliffe? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. This is Daniel Hamcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm supposed to believe that that Daniel Radcliffe grows up to look like John Ham? Honestly, yes, and it doesn't even fucking matter. <laughs> okay. That's incredible. It doesn't matter. Um this was initially released in 2012 by BBC Worldwide. Okay, this makes sense um, now. It is so weird. It's it's a it's twenty minute episodes. There's two four season two four episode seasons, excuse me. So there's literally only eight twenty minute episodes of this. Um it's based on the short story collection by Mikhail uh Bulgakov, which is this is a person he wrote these stories in oh, 1930s. You just bulkak it all over his name. <laughs> I don't speak that language. <laughs> I haven't been practicing. Um he wrote these stories about his experiences as a new doctor practicing in a small village in revolutionary Russia in the nineteen thirties. So this is a comedy, but it is the blackest comedy. Um This dark, quirky humor is so well-suited to Daniel Radcliffe, and basically it's that present-day Nika, played by John Hamm, is interfering and interacting with past Nika, Daniel Radcliffe's daily life. So they're, like, playing off of each other in the past. I mean, it's crazy. (laughs) Um... So it's it's like time travel, like he goes back in time, like to talk so, to his younger self. It it doesn't seem like as far. Honestly, it doesn't make any sense, and they don't explain it. And just the way that this show is so weird, it just honestly doesn't matter. Um, it seems like the conceit of John Hamm interacting um, with Daniel Radcliffe is is a, an interesting way that they're presenting like a person dealing with their past demons. Um, it, it seems like it's the John Hamm version kind of recollecting on the Daniel Radcliffe version. And he does interact with him and kind of, um, 
affect his decisions and behavior, but not in a way that feels time travel-y. Hmm. I don't know. It's really hard to explain. Yeah, sounds uh, like it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there's, there's a surprising amount of, like, blood and body horror. Some of the scenes are absolutely outrageous. The like, body horror is a- that Daniel Radcliffe turns into John Hamm eventually. I know. I know. <laughs> It's, they were just like, this doesn't make any sense. And honestly, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> you roll with it, right? You do. Yeah. Um, like in the first in the first half of the show, like Daniel Radcliffe is at one point trying to extract a tooth, and this goes on for so long. Like it's only a twenty minute episode, and this takes up like five minutes. I feel like, and he is, and Daniel Radcliffe's like, as we discussed previously, not a big man. He is like dragging this man by the tooth, like <gasps> across the hospital floor. Oh my god! Racing against the wall, like trying to get this tooth out. And when he finally gets it out, mm. it's a fountain of blood mm. exploding mm. from this patient's face. I have a thing with teeth. This is gonna. I can't watch. This. Oh, it's only. It's only that. That's the only teeth one. I only have. I have one. Re- this is true. I have one reoccurring dream, and I've had this. Actually, I've. I've I have multiple reoccurring dreams. I'm not going to get into those dreams, but one of the <laughs> one of the one of the reoccurring dreams that I've had ever since I was a kid is that I've got a loose tooth and that tooth is falling out. And uh, so I have a th- I have definitely have a thing with teeth. Teeth bother me. Like in- I've had a dream about a loose tooth before cuz oh, I remember Yeah, I have this dream all the time. Like Ooh. Madonna has the same dreams. Like oh she, my God. Yeah, Madonna has like dreams about like losing teeth and shit. Like there I don't know. I read like a celebrity dream book or some shit when I was a teenager like what what celebrities have what dreams and like Madonna has the dream where she's losing her teeth but I have a dream where I'm I I have it like at least once a year where like I'm like wiggling my tooth around with my tongue and then I wake up and and in real life I'm like I have to check my teeth just to Uh make sure that the that they're not fucking moving around and shit so like now I've got like one of those fucking like I take try to take care of my teeth like I got one of those Sonicare fucking uh, you know what are those uh, little those little vibrating <laughs> fucking uh, <laughs> toothbrushes you know what I mean like a little little fucking might as well it might, it might as well just be like a vibrator that I stick in my mouth and uh, you know and then I I got the yeah, here's a here's a little tip. Here's a tip, guys. Um, when you buy uh, mouthwash, don't buy the Listerine and shit. It's just alcohol. It does really nothing for your teeth. It does nothing to help you th- buy the buy the children's uh, mouthwash because it's actually got fluoride in it. Well, huh. I'll be goddamned. Look at Listerine. It's got it's just got alcohol in it, antiseptic or whatever the fuck, like alcohol, and it just kills germs in your mouth. And so your breath will smell good because you killed a bunch of fucking germs in your mouth. But as far as, like, doing anything for, like, you know, strengthening your teeth, like, uh, they're not going to fuck kids over, right? Like, you don't want a bunch of, like, angry moms, right? So, like, <laughs> when you all, their, all their kids with their teeth falling out of their head. Exactly. Does your well, children's mouthwash taste like bubblegum? 
Yeah, I got the bubblegum fucking. I got. I'm not kidding. I got the. I got the bubblegum kids mouthwash, and like, look, it's got fluoride in it, and that's what your fucking teeth need. They need the fucking fluoride. So yeah, yeah, a little bit of tip there. I'm glad you tuned in for this episode, aren't you? Little, little wow, dental dental PSAs here. Teeth tips with Brian. Teeth teeth <laughs> teeth tips with Brian. Teeth tips with Brian. It's uh, gonna fuck it. I I'll make the announcement now. It's gonna be a new podcast coming out next month. You fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. You were talking about John Hamm. You know, hold on. did you guys ever see that episode of Saturday Night Live? Where John Hamm was hosting, and the musical guest was Michael Bublé, and they got together and they made a ham flavored champagne, and it was uh, it was called like Ham Bublé or yes, something. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Go ahead, Melissa. I'm sorry. I'm currently distracted by how horrifying I find the idea of ham flavored. Oh, oh, it was hilarious. It was so funny, though. It was ham-flavored champagne. It was like, they called it like, it was a collaboration between John Ham and Michael Buble. So funny. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't really have that much else to say about this. Um, then so, you are done. Yeah, there you go. It's a Tupperware. <laughs> I wasn't sold after the first episode. What was it called? It's a, it, what, what's the title of the show called? A Young Doctor's Notebook. A Young Doctor's Notebook. John Hamm, Daniel Radcliffe. That is fucked up. It is. It it's is. kind of a fucked up show, too. It's good. Yeah. I like it. I will check that out. That sounds incredible. I uh, Hold on. I got an interesting story. I'm going to talk about this next thing that I watched. I think you guys watched it as well. I cannot properly rate this, and I will explain why. Uh, Fighting with My Family. Did you guys see this one? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I saw 85% of this movie, and let me just explain what <laughs> happened. Um, when I, Okay, when I went to see this movie, I went and saw it at a theater on a Saturday night. And this theater is notorious for having teenagers show up um, Saturday night, and these kids go to see movies, and they do not care about the movie. They are there to socialize. And so I was sitting next to kids that for the first hour and I'd say hour and a half were either getting up, walking out or talking throughout the entire film. And the I and I'm not exaggerating. Like literally they were talking like there were people in this theater the entire time looking over at them and I even got like one of the people that worked there to come into the theater and watch them and they told them to be quiet. And it's at the point at the end of the movie where she's about to do like her wrestling thing and she's talking with her brother on the phone. I don't know what happened after that because I snapped and I stood up in the theater and I and got to understand this has been an hour and a half of people looking at them and nobody saying a goddamn thing and I stood up in the theater and I said I I didn't say I yelled shut the hell up <laughs> shut the hell up this whole fucking movie all you've done is talk and I stormed out of the theater and there's some of the kids that were going in and out of that fucking theater were out there and they're like, what's going on? And I go, 
I don't know because you wouldn't shut the fuck up the entire fucking movie. And then I left the fucking theater and I don't know what happened after that point because I didn't like I basically just cursed and yelled at like teenagers and I didn't want to stick around for that because that's probably not a good thing that I did. Um, But I had enough. So I can't properly rate this movie um, because I didn't watch like what happened at after that point. But um, yeah, that's a thing that happened at my viewing. And, um, yeah, I lost my shit and it, <laughs> it was, I, I was pissed. I'm sorry. I spent like, Oh no, you're, you're yeah. in the right there. Well, like mean, I'm laughing, <sighs> but that's so ridiculous. I like who raised these fucking people. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. My, f- here's the thing. I get out to the lobby and then I, my nephew comes up to me and says, Hey, <laughs> and so I like, I'm like, Oh, Hey, what's up, dude? And I left. And he's like there with his girlfriend. And so like I call my sister and I'm like, hey, um, I was just at the theater and I don't know if when I was yelling, <laughs> I told her the whole thing. I go, I don't know, like if, you know, your son, you know, my nephew just heard me like cursing and yelling and cussing at teenagers as I left the theater. (laughs) So yeah, let me know. So like my sister texts me today and she's like, yeah, like, and she's like, yeah, I talked to him and like, he said that he saw you at the theater, but he didn't mention anything about you being on a rampage at the theater. (laughs) On a rampage. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, I'll, I'll, I can talk about this movie. This is the Fighting with My Family is the uh, biographical sports comedy based on the 2012 documentary, The Wrestlers Fighting with My Family. The film follows the journey of professional wrestler Soraya Page Bevis. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Uh, from growing up in a household of professional wrestlers to winning the WWE Divas Championship in 2014, the film also features the conflict between Soraya and her brother Zach as the two compete in tryouts for WWE. However, only Soraya is signed. Uh, it stars Florence Pugh as Paige, along with Jack Loden, uh, Nick Frost, Lena Headey, and Vince Vaughn. It's written and directed by... I love this guy, Stephen Merchant. Uh, Dwayne Johnson executively uh, produces the film, and he also appears in the film as himself, uh, Dwayne the, the Rock Johnson. Um, so I'll let you guys talk about this one. I'll try to talk about it the best that I can. But uh, Rebecca, what did you think about fighting with my family? Yeah, I was fighting. I, mean, I was fighting with my audience. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, clearly. I mean, t- teenagers suck, though. I mean, in general, like. I hate teenagers. Um, you know, I, I am not like, I, I know nothing about professional wrestling. I don't watch it. I never have. I know like the big names in it because they've gone on to like, I guess, wider ranges. Like I know The Rock used to wrestle. I know John Cena. I know uh, Becky Lynch. Like I know those names because I hear people talking about it, but I don't really know anything about uh, wrestling. Um, going into this though, uh, I had loved the trailers. I thought they looked like a lot of fun. Um, I think it's like 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I said, wow, that sounds like a fun time. Um, I had a blast in this movie. I, I mean, and this is coming from somebody who has no connection to the, to the real people in it. Like, um, which is why I was like excited to talk to Jake about this. Like, cause I know he's a big wrestling guy and like, I wanted to know what he thought about it, but, um, 
I I thought everybody did a great job. My um I I love the actor who played um, Paige. I thought she was amazing. Florence Pugh. I love her. <laughs> I I don't think I've ever seen her in anything. Else. Um, she last at the end of last year, I watched her in the Little Drummer Girl, which is something um, with uh, Michael Shannon and Alexander Skarsgård. I believe that's on AMC. If you want to take a look at that. Um, she's really great in that. And then she plays Chris Pine's wife in Outlaw King. Oh, I did see that movie. I didn't realize that was her in that, though. Was the Outlaw King, was that the movie where, like, Chris Pine showed off his little penis? Or his, yep. Or not, yeah. I didn't mean, sure is. I didn't mean little sure penis. I don't know. If, I didn't see his penis. If it's, I never watched that scene, so. I, it wasn't, it wasn't really little. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know why I said little. Why did I say, that was terrible of me. I'm not, I never saw it. So, like, I don't know, like, what his penis size is. That was, I felt, I, now, Chris Pine, I apologize for saying little penis. That was fucked up. Like, I I was I was his Lorena Bobbitt in that moment, right? I cut you. I, you did you. you yes. cut it. You made it smaller. I undercut like, his penis size, and that is. I, tell you what, I'm sorry. That's the movie where Chris Pine shows off his monster cock, right? There you go. Exactly. God, I no. I'm sorry. I should. I don't know why I said little. I, I've never seen his fucking penis. So like. Why am I saying – why am I giving it that adjective and saying that Chris Pine has a small – no, he's got a Captain Kirk cock. He's got a Captain Cock. There you go. <laughs> Captain Cock. Yeah. Bold, uh, boldly go with that penis there, Chris Pine. <laughs> he's got a oh, – did you see his pine cones? Were his pine cones exposed? <laughs> I don't think the cones were in the movie. I think I think just the Captain Cock was okay. All right, it was like a, a quick scene though. Anyway, it wasn't like <laughs> there. Like so many people right now are like, "Oh my God, the Outlaw King!" That it shows Chris Pine's penis. So many <laughs> people in a rush to watch it. Yeah, like, like seriously, like some so there's like there's like a segment of our listeners that have just like paused the podcast and now they are they are just fast forwarding through the Outlaw King so they can see his Outlaw Ding. <laughs> Outlaw Ding and Wang, right? Go ahead. We're uh, fighting with uh, my family. Yeah. Yeah, I um, am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I'm not going to say. Anyway, I, I, just, yeah. I don't know. I thought everybody did a great job. I loved everybody in this movie. I thought Jack Loudon as um, the the brother was great. Lena Headley, Lena Hetty as the mom. She was she was just over the top. Nick Frost. I mean, I love Nick Frost and everything he's in. He's great in this. Um, and Vince Vaughn, like, mm. shockingly, was, like, so good in this movie. This was a perfect casting. Wasn't it? Vince Vaughn. It, you know, it, I mean, he is so subtle, but he was cracking me up. <laughs> you know, and, and the his, his comedy was perfect for this role. This really dry uh, humor, but then, like, it's laced in with him, like, um, you know, like telling her you have to work harder or whatever. And, you know, there there are moments in this movie. It felt a little like after school, especially. But I don't know. I had so much fun watching this movie, cheering for Paige. 
Um, I thought there were some really surprise moments where, like, they could have gone a certain way with certain characters, but they flipped the script and didn't didn't do that. And I know I'm being vague. I don't want to give away stuff that I think you should just see in the, in the movie. Um, I think my only, like, um, my only criticism would be I felt like the the trailer showed a lot of the jokes that I thought were the best jokes of the movie. Um, for me, anyway. But um, I, I'm in a Tupperware this movie. I had a blast watching it. I laughed more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And I was engaged from the moment it started to the moment it ended. And, um, yeah, I, I Tupperware this movie. I loved it. Rebecca, you know what isn't a joke? What's that? The size of Chris Pine's monster penis. <laughs> that is... <laughs> That is no joke, my friend. That is no joke. That is, no that joke. is a legit fucking like when he came out. He, like, didn't he walk out of a out of the water like a lake? Was it a scene uh, where he was like, I think it, I think he was coming out of a lake. I he think. was coming out of a lake. At one time, I had heard that they had confused his penis with uh, with the Loch Ness monster. True story. True story. It's true. <laughs> um. <laughs> Melissa, what did you think about fighting with my family? I see. I, no, see, like, I, like a couple weeks ago, we got all awkward when we started talking about uh, Rebecca's vagina. No, and that's fine. And now we're talking about Chris Pine's anymore. penis, the Chris Pinus. <laughs> <laughs> and it's getting awkward. Well, Brian, Brian wants to chop it in half, apparently. He's like, oh, it's little. His little penis. I, I felt so bad for that. I, I can't believe I said little, little little penis little <laughs> Chris Pine's little penis I I have I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen the movie but I've heard about like you know I've li- I've listened to enough podcasts that have talked about you know the the fact that like, that was kind of a big deal and I saw like you know like uh, on social media people blowing up about Chris Pine's penis and and then I talk then I say it's little I have no idea I have no- I have nothing to compare it to it's a horrible thing for me to- I, Chris Pine I apologize I'm sure it is a healthy Looking cock. (laughs) 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 Nothing, nothing shameful in your penis there, uh, Chris Pinus. Hey, uh, Melissa, what did you think about fighting with my family? Oh, I cover the fuck out of it. It was so funny. I was cracking up. This is the hardest I've laughed in a movie that I can remember in a while. Like, I... I'd be hard pressed to tell you the last time I was laughing out loud like this. Um... I'm pretty sure that they say fuck twice in this movie, even though it's rated PG-13. Um, and I was cracking up laughing when Soraya s- <laughs> says to The Rock, fuck me dead and bury me pregnant. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, I'm saying that from now on. <laughs> like, that is <laughs> so funny. And he is just like deadpan like, okay. <laughs> okay. Sure, and then, why like, not? Later, they, um, the like mom says it to him later and he's like there it is like they're definitely related yep I was dying um to steal a segment from our friends at the Heroes of Noise um I'm not buying it on Soraya's blonde ass hair that she dyed (laughs) like there's (laughs) no way that you dye your pitch black hair that color blonde by yourself in a hotel room one night and have it look that good. But I mean, uh, yeah, so fucking relatable to try to change yourself in order to fit in, which 
is the moral of this movie, and it's a good one. Everybody can relate to that. Um, she doesn't have a lot in common with these people. She doesn't necessarily care about them, other than the fact that it's the people that are around her, and you can just see how much she wants to fit in with them. Mm. Um, I'm going to... I'm gonna say I, I can't properly rate this movie. I'm, I'm gonna go back. I loved it enough to where I'm gonna go. Back. Why do I keep hearing myself echo? What the fuck is up with that shit? Um, but uh, I'm gonna go back to the theater and finish this one because I I did Good. enjoy it. Like I I felt like what I'm hearing is like wrestling fans, like pure wrestling fans that are that are not enjoying it, but like people that are just like not wrestling fans or casual fans like i haven't been a wrestling fan in like 30 fucking years like i stopped watching it like after i was like 11 or 12 like it's been a long time since why the fuck am i echoing it's driving me crazy (laughs) um but uh i haven't i haven't watched wrestling in in years but um i enjoyed this enough i'm definitely going to go back to the theater and finish this one because i want to see how it does end um, another thing that I wanted to bring up is that if Lorena Bobbitt tried to cut off Chris Pine's penis, it would take at least two hacks because that is a big fucking cock. Um, she's not- Lorena Bobbitt would never have to do that because Chris Pine is a nice boy. He is a good boy. I know, but let me feel better about – I should have never said what I said. So I'm saying like it would at least take her like a couple hacks to get through that monster penis of his. I feel bad for saying that. I apologize, Chris Pine. I'm sure you have a lovely, healthy penis. And thank you, th- thank you, Doctor Ruth, for giving me the strength to say penis. Thank you. <laughs> so I need to thank so many people right now. I want to see this movie. I want to see it um, without uh, people uh, yammering the entire goddamn time. It was not, I love Stephen Merchant and it was nice to see him get a cameo in this movie. I loved him in, uh, hello ladies. I think he's hilarious. He played the parents of, uh, what was it? Zach's, uh, girlfriends, Zach's fiance. Uh, he played one of her parent, her dad. Oh, okay. I love Stephen Merchant. The guy's like seven foot fucking tall. He was like, uh, who was he in the Logan film? He was, uh, Fuck the albino looking motherfucker. Sorry if we have any. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy. Oh, I God. Can't I, that we, I, we just lost all of our albino listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I singled you out on this episode. I apologize for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not making things better. Um, now, now I, first off, now I first I, I offended Chris Pine's penis. And now with albinos, I and I apologize, everyone. Um, I saw a movie called Arctic, and I, uh, this is one I've been wanting to see for like three weeks, and they haven't played it. Why am I hearing myself echo? I'm going to pause, and we're going to come back. Okay.
<laughs> I saw um, – there's been a movie I've been wanting to see for like uh, two, three weeks, and they haven't been playing it around here, and it's called Arctic. And uh, a man stranded in the Arctic after an airplane crash must decide must – decide. I'm hearing myself echo again. What the fuck? Am I in the fucking Appalachian Mountains? What the fuck is going on here? Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. A man. This is going to drive me fucking crazy. I'm hearing myself echo. All right, whatever. Fuck it. If I got to hear myself the entire time, whatever. Fuck it. Um, but uh, a man stranded in the Arctic after an airplane crash must decide whether to remain in the relative safety of his makeshift camp or to embark on a deadly trek through the unknown in hopes of making it out alive. It's directed by Joe Penna. Uh, isn't Penna a type of pasta? Or is it? No, that's Pen. Penny? Is it Penny pasta? Penne, yes. Penne pasta. This is Joe Penna. <laughs> <laughs> the pasta guy. Yeah. Hey, he directed by yeah. Joe Penny, the pasta guy. He like, yeah, he's from New York. Yeah. The pasta guy. You I put, know him. Put my, uh, you know, these like. <laughs> hey, I'm making pasta over here. Uh, uh, I'm going to make a movie. That's that guy. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, what's your, what's your favorite? What's your favorite kind of pasta? What do you like? Rebecca, what's your favorite? It, it depends on on the sauce yeah. that goes on it. What kind so of like what, if, Mar- what, if what, uh, what's it? What's uh-huh. it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say <laughs> that if it's like if it's if, if if it's carbonara, then it has to be linguine. Yeah. And I if it's pasta- love carbonara. Oh, I make the best pasta carbonara. Okay, I'm, I'm coming not even over. Kidding. Okay, come over. I'll make some. Um, <laughs> And if it's like pesto, mm-hmm. I like a I like a bow tie pasta. And if it's marinara, I like rigatoni. Oh no no no, bolognese, I like rigatoni. Wow, it gets all in the grooves. Yeah, there. I like bolognese sauce. You know what? I, I you ever had you ever had uh, mastacholi? Yes. Mm-mm-mm. What's that? My mom used to make that. Mastacholi is fucking amazing. And if you get like a good meatball in the mastacholi, it makes it even better. What, but what what is it? What's what's mastacholi? I never heard of it. Oh my god, it's been years since I've had mastacholi. It's 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 a pasta and it's like the the meatball that I had in the mastacholi was like the size of a fucking <laughs> it was like the size of a goddamn softball. It was huge. <laughs> it was huge. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> it's like it's it's like a baked pan. Yeah, yeah. It's got like meat and cheese and sauce. Oh, so it's like it's a big real ziti. good. Yeah, it's like real good for leftovers. Nice. We're, it's like baked. I'm a leftover. Throw it in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, that's how we are you. Yeah, um, we, yeah. We it, Tupperware Brian. That's it, what we do. It is a, uh, yeah, uh, Masacholi is a penne pasta. What the fuck has happened to this episode? <laughs> what is going on? Like, I'm pissing and moaning about hearing myself echo. I'm, I'm, I'm basically uh, giving false information about Chris Pine's penis. I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. Um, Arctic uh, stars Mads Mikkelsen. 
and uh, Maria Thelma Smortator. And um, those are literally the only two actors that are in this film. And uh, this Maria Thelma Smortator is in the movie, but she she's injured throughout the entire movie. And you've got Mads Mikkelsen here who... Ha- when this movie starts out, he's stranded in the Arctic and he's living in the guts of a downed airplane. And, uh, he's very resourceful though. Like he has set up kind of like, uh, these little, uh, fishing holes where, um, you know, even though he's not like actively fishing, like there's lures that are in the icy waters that, uh, have like, kind of like, uh, these like, uh, uh, pans and stuff like that whenever a fish is uh yanking whenever he's like caught a fish like it'll make noise and he can run out there and grab these fish um so he's basically just eating eating fish and living inside the guts of this uh downed airplane and hoping for a rescue um he does see a helicopter one day tries to flag them down they cannot land the plane because it is very bad weather and stormy. And so that the helicopter crashes, um, the pilot dies, the woman survives. And this is the woman who he brings back to, uh, his home inside of this, uh, airplane. And, um, she's got a very bad cut across her abdomen She's losing blood. He does give her, like, you know, medical attention. But he realizes, like, if he doesn't get her somewhere, she will die. So he's going to leave the safety of this airplane and trek, put her on a sled, pull her. He's got a map now because she had a map on her when they found her, when he found her. And uh, he's going to try to get her um, to safety and try to find um, try to find help. This movie is all about survival, and if, if there's one thing that I, I do love, a great survival story. And this is out in the Arctic, and the Arctic is beautiful. Like there's like you know you've got the Arctic is beautiful, but if you think about the Arctic, if you're stranded there, it's a horror film. Like you know, there's 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 polar bears. Polar bears are in this movie. And that is fucking terrifying. Um, just the element of uh, just Mother Nature is a bitch in this fucking movie. The the cold and and um, the elements and um, there's not a lot of talking in this movie. It's it's basically Mads Mikkelsen and uh, a man trying to survive. And you see a very strong man, and you see his spirit get broken in this movie. And it's 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 a fucking rough scene when you see that happen when you see his spirit be broken and you see him come to the terms of like, like what, what the elements have like done to him and like the, like how it's affected him and like a decision that he makes in this movie, it'll break your fucking heart. But I, I loved this film. It's uh it's, it's a, about an hour and 40 minutes, I believe. Um, it's called, it's, it's like I said, it's called Arctic Mads Mikkelsen, I Tupperware this film. I thought it was fantastic. Great survival film. And um, I highly recommend this one. I, I have been waiting for weeks to see this fucking movie. And 
finally somewhere was playing this movie and I was so happy to see it. So yeah, um, if you can see Arctic near you, watch it. Otherwise, wait till this one comes out on video on demand and check it out. But I, uh, I highly recommend it. Not a lot of talking. I mean, literally only like two characters in this movie. And uh, yeah, there's there's a language barrier between them when they do interact. But I tupperware the fuck out of this one. I wow. thought it was great. It's just great movie. Do they say how he gets stranded there in the first place? Never. Like it start. The movie starts. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The movie just starts with like this guy, and he's there, and um, he's thinking he's getting rescued when the helicopter shows up, and um, he ends up rescuing the survivor from that crash. So that you know they they I think they were there to to help him and. But they couldn't land. The weather conditions were so bad that day they couldn't land the helicopter. And here he is now. He's trying to take care of her. So, yeah, it's 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 a really good movie. Like there's a scene where um, he's basically been eating fish for we don't even know how long. But um, when the helicopter goes down, she's got like noodles, you know, like dehydrated noodles in. Um, Kind of like, like like ramen noodles and shit, like mm-hmm. in like little packages, mm-hmm. and you just see him like rip that the fuck open and just start chomping on him. He hasn't had carbs in so long. It's like we were talking about mastacholi and penny pasta. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy is just like eating dry fucking noodles because like he hasn't had any carbs. He's just been eating fucking like you know fucking like uh, uncooked fish. He's just been oh, eating God. like Arctic trout. He's just been cutting. Uh, trout open and eaten, eating that. He finds a lighter in the helicopter, and it's just like you could see his face just light up. Like, oh my god, now I can actually cook my food because I do have the like you know I do have a way to like light this gas now. And uh, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I gotta see this. It's fucking good. I see this one. It's fucking good. I've been dying to see this fucking movie for like two, three weeks. It, it got released like two, three weeks ago. And nowhere near me was playing this movie. And finally, I found a theater that was playing it. And it's really good. I tell with the fuck out of Arctic. So definitely watch this movie. Um, I'm not echoing anymore. That's good. Chris Pine, huge penis. Um, <laughs> In case you forgot. In case you forgot. I was, I was drinking my beer when you said that. <laughs> hey! Uh, saw a trailer for a new Netflix film called The Highwaymen. Uh, Netflix has released the official trailer for the, the Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson-led 49 million budgeted period drama The Highwaymen, which will premiere on Netflix on March 29th. Uh, this comes from filmmaker John Lee Hancock. Speaking of cock, Chris Pine, <laughs> huge penis. Uh, John Lee Hancock, director... <laughs> Yeah. John Lee Hancock directed The Blind Side, Saving Mr. Banks, and The Founder. Honestly, I've seen The Blind Side and The Founder. I love those movies. Never saw Saving Mr. Banks. Did you guys see that one? Was that the. That was. What was that? That was a Tom Hanks movie, right? Wasn't that the one where he plays Walt Disney? Walt Disney with with the Mary Poppins. Yeah, I never saw that one either. Neither did I. 
And I, heard, I, I, I like the other two films that he did. I heard, Blindside and um, yeah, um, the founder. Fuck, that was the founder. The that founder. Was a great movie. That was Michael Keaton with the the McDonald's movie. Yeah, that was a great movie. Michael that Keaton was excellent in that. Michael Keaton also huge penis. Um, so I, I'm I'm gonna stop. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the joke too far. Uh, let's see here. But um, this film tells the untold true story of the legendary lawman who brought down Bonnie and Clyde. When the FBI and the latest forensic technology aren't enough to capture the pair of notorious criminals, two former Texas Rangers are hired by a consortium of banks to assemble a posse and end the robbery spree. They must rely on their gut instincts and old school skills to get the job done. This stars Kathy Bates, uh, John Carroll Lynch, Kim Dickens, Thomas Mann. And William Sadler, this stars Kevin Costner, like I said, and Woody Harrelson. I'm all I'm going to say about this one is like I have not been a huge fan of Netflix films. I love Netflix series, but as far as like my hype level for The Highwaymen, this looks like a fucking Tupperware. I Tupperware the trailer, and I cannot wait to fucking see this movie. Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, this looks amazing. Rebecca, what'd you think? Oh, dude, I mean, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, I I love the story of Bonnie and Clyde for what it is, like, this uh, bank-robbing duo. Um, but I kind of love that we're getting the other side of the story now. Yes. Like, we're getting this movie of, like, these are the lawmen that chased down Bonnie and Clyde. Because, I mean, everybody's seen, everybody knows Bonnie and Clyde. But, like, how about the guys that brought them down? And, um... Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson look just like, I don't know, just from the trailer, they look like they're just playing off each other really well here. And it's a period piece, which I love. Um, I stopped I, I wearing the trailer. I'm super excited for this movie. Um, and, and like you, I feel like Netflix movies are hit or miss. But uh, this one looks like, at least if the trailer is any indication, it looks... Like, it could be a really great movie. Yeah, yeah. I uh, highly recommend watching the Highwaymen trailer. Um, Melissa, did you get a chance to see this? Yeah, and I totally agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, like, when I first was like, oh, the guys who brought down Bonnie and Clyde, in my mind, I'm like, mm, I'm not really that interested in that because if I want a story about Bonnie and Clyde, in my mind, what I would want is a story about Bonnie because that's the most interesting part to me. But after seeing the trailer, I'm like, okay, this is really interesting. And I agree. It's definitely because Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson look like they're doing great work together and like they're having a blast. So yeah. hopefully Netflix can figure out the formula for movies the same way that it seems like they have with their TV series. What is it with? Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to get into this with news. <sighs> Yeah, I'll hold off on that because I, I do want to talk about, like, what what's the deal with Netflix and movies? Like, Netflix original movies just are not, like, bright. And I'm trying to think of, like, all the other Netflix original movies that I've seen. Like, I, I haven't been – like, even Bird Box. I know Jake loved it, but, like, it's not universally loved. I feel like you either loved it or you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought Bird Box was just okay. Like, it was average. I, yeah, I had exactly. Fun watching it, but it wasn't. Yes, a quiet place. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I 100% agree. Rebecca, did you watch Bird Box? I still haven't watched it yet. Um, 
I don't know. Like, it got such sort of, like, meh reviews. It's it just not at the top of my list to watch. I would, know, I would watch I, it. I mean, it's got... If you are a Sandra Bullock fan, I would yeah. say watch it because she okay. is acting well it's got it's got john malkovich in it it's got sarah mm-hmm. paulson i mean they're, they're, definitely give it a watch that way you can kind of like make up your own mind because like, yeah, yeah yeah be your own woman rebecca okay you've empowered me brian thank you <laughs> thank you i like I, I i enjoy being the man holding the empowerment wand and tapping women with it Thank you. Well, I hope that's not a metaphor for something else, but thank you. It is, it's a metaphor for Chris Pine's penis touching you. <laughs> if you're holding Chris Pine's penis, I have a lot of questions. It's a, it's a metaphor. Well, she, I'm not the guy in the Lorena Bobbitt movie that won't pick up a penis. I will definitely hold on to Chris Pine's penis, and I will, uh, I'll tap it on your shoulder like I'm knighting a goddamn fucking, you know what I mean? Oh, God, that's weird. <laughs> Arise, sir Rebecca. You are now you have now been knighted by Chris Pine's fucking majestic penis. <laughs> Is it still attached to him though? Like that's just odd to me. You you, you can you, you can join us at the Knights of the Girth table. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't funny, was it? Are you are you drinking vodka or beer? Vodka tonight. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. In quick news, the Showtime Halo series, um, it's going to happen. It's happening. Like, we, we found out that Rupert Wyatt left the Halo series that was going to come to Showtime. Uh, Wyatt, the director that's known for the Rise of the Planet of the Apes film, uh, that was the first film in the new trilogy before Matt Reeves took over. They've got a new director now that's going to be taking over this Halo series. They got Otto Bathurst, the director from the new Robin Hood movie. Uh, He was also... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also... Yeah. Yeah, that Otto Bathurst. But he also directed the Black first three episodes of Peaky Blinders. Uh, but he also directed the first episode of Black Mirror, the one where the where the uh, guy has to fuck the pig. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I feel like like I was excited when they got Rupert Wyatt. Like I felt like this is a guy that's going to be able to give us a great Halo series. He left, and I feel like the reason that he left was over these rumored budgetary concerns that are happening over at Showtime. And I, I think that that's why he left. I felt like he felt like they're not going to give him the budget that he needs in order to give us like a, a good look in Halo series. Mm-hmm. And I've even heard that the, that the episode order went down from 10 episodes down to nine now. Oh wow, that's a that's yeah. not that's not good for the series. Like I, I, would I feel have, better about that if it was for story reasons and right. not for budget reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still I, rumored, but I still think I still think it's budgetary. I think like I can't see this. I, nothing about this news is good. It's Otto Bathurst, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of this guy. You okay, Peaky Blinders, I can't talk I can't speak to it. Like I haven't seen it. I've heard great things about Peaky oh, Blinders. I absolutely love it. 
sure. recommend to anyone. But um, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like this Halo series is kind of doomed. I feel like it's doomed, and that sucks. That really fucking sucks because we've been waiting so long for anything Halo, live-action Halo. And I know they've done – They Mike Coulter was in a Halo movie or whatever, but, like, that's just – that's fucking VOD bullshit. Don't give me that. I'm talking about, like, a legit fucking movie or a series. And uh, I'm not looking forward to this. And Otto Bathurst doesn't give me any fucking uh, confidence in the project. I'd rather have fucking Chris Pine's penis direct the first <laughs> fucking nine episodes. <laughs> Speaking of nine inches, right? <laughs> nine inches, that Chris Pine penis. All right. Sorry, guys. Anyway. <laughs> I got news from Screen Rant concerning Blumhouse Studios. Halloween had a uh, yeah here here it is with Halloween success now in the rearview mirror and uh, Blum making it clear that he's trying to make a sequel happen. It looks like Blumhouse is considering lending their signature touch to the Hellraiser and Scream franchises. Uh, Blum tells Cinema Blend that making new installments in both series have been discussed. Although he cautions that fans shouldn't get their hopes up too high yet, as no movement is actively happening on a Blumhouse revival of either property. And uh, he says, uh, yes, we're definitely, we've definitely discussed it. We're looking. There's nothing happening with either one of those things, but we're definitely looking at it. And it's definitely something I'd be open to. So this makes sense, guys. You've got to think about this. Blumhouse took a $10 million budgeted Halloween film and that movie brought in $253 fucking million dollars. That's insane. It's crazy. That's uh, that's a formula. That's a proven fucking formula. Even if you make a $10 million Hellraiser and it brings in half of what fucking uh, Halloween did. $125 million. You have made a killing. So, of course, they're going to be looking at doing this with, like, Hellraiser and Scream. They definitely want to get these fucking – why would you not? $10 million, there's no, there's no risk there with, with Hellraiser and Scream. Even if you're just coming out for the first outing of the Blumhouse Hellraiser, you're going to make more than $10 million. You're going to make – shit. There's no way you're going to make anything less than $20 million. There's no way. There's no yeah, way. I- I agree. Like those those franchises, especially like like the Hellraiser stuff. Like the early movies are like, well, they're all like kind of cheesy in their own way. But like, it's it's a beloved franchise for a lot of people, and the character of Pinhead is incredibly iconic. I think if you if, if you get Blumhouse in there, yeah, I I'd watch it. Like, uh, I, I think Blumhouse I think could improve. Great. I think Blumhouse could improve a fucking Hellraiser reboot. Like I, like Hellraiser for like, I don't know. If you go back and watch the original Hellraiser, it's not. If you watch it it's, now, it's not that scary, really. It's it, it's, yeah. it's it's cheesy now when you watch it. Well, okay, it's. I don't think it's that good, to be honest with you. Like I loved it when I was a fucking kid, but watching it as an adult, I don't think it's that good. I think Hellraiser two is much better. And Hellraiser three, that gets into a lot of cheese, like with the the Cenobites in that film. Like, there's one mm-hmm. of the Cenobites that like 
he fucking th- <laughs> he throws he throws CDs. Like, isn't there a CD Cenobite? Like, yeah, there is. Um, yeah, like you're right. I think the second one is probably like the strongest one yeah. of the series. Yeah, but I I think it's got enough people who remember it fondly to at least check this out. Fuck yeah, and I think okay. Here's the thing with Scream. Here's the thing with Scream. I, I love the Scream movies. I was I think I was the last person to see Scream in the theaters, though. Like, Scream had been out in the theaters, I think, for, like, a month or two before I finally went and saw that movie. I had somebody basically drag me out to that movie. Um, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Can they do a Scream reboot now or is that such a such a movie of that time like that didn't it come out in like 96 96 97 96 or 97 like it's such a movie of that time i feel like they're gonna have to reinvent reinvent like you know ghost face and update update these movies with this time it's kind of like doing like the clueless reboot like how does that work how do you do a clueless reboot Mm. that's not set in the 90s you know and and they're talking about doing that like how do you do a how do you do a scream reboot reboot that's not set in the 90s i feel like like i don't know that movie's so iconic and Ghostface is so iconic and those scenes are so iconic like having drew barrymore be like the opening victim of that movie was just so so memorable and amazing. I don't know. I I have a hard time seeing like how they're going to be able to. Um, I guess if somebody can do it, it's it's Jason Blum. Yeah, I mean, so I, do you I think they're going to reboot Scream or add to? Yeah, could they do? Could they do with like what they did with Halloween and say like okay this is going to follow the events of like the original scream and like mm. scream two and three and whatever are like null and void. Like those never happened. Is there, is I mean, it- they could, it worked. I mean, it did work for Halloween. People, yeah. a lot of people, obviously with the money it made, a lot of people loved that they, yeah, but like went that, back to the original and made a direct sequel. At that point, you're bringing back Nev, Nev Campbell, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Skeet Ulrich, right? Like, what's that guy doing? Oh, yeah. What, what the fuck is Skeet Ulrich doing? Nothing. Riverdale. He's, he's doing Riverdale. That's he's true. Yeah, Riverdale? he's the dead. No, is he? Yeah, he's uh one of the he's fucking, like, fucking... gang. He's, like, the head gang guy of, like, he's Jughead's dad. Yes, he is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's. Cole Sprouse's dad. Yeah. <laughs> Cole Sprout, he was a child actor. What fucking, do you remember the what? Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch that. I, I know him from something he else. He was uh, Big Daddy, I think. Big Daddy. He was the little kid. Thank you. He's the little kid from the Adam Sandler movie, Big Daddy, that like took a piss on the brick wall. Oh my yeah, God. Him and his I, twin Dylan. He twin plays Lincoln. Jughead now in fucking Riverdale. That's wild. Yeah. Thank you, Melissa, dropping some fucking knowledge and some facts. Also, here's another here's another fact. Chris Pine, huge penis. (laughs) (laughs) Established fact. Established fact on this episode. Chris Pine, gigantic penis. Um, Rebecca, am I am I am I am I taking that joke a little too far? 
I mean, it, it keeps evolving. I lost it just now at Pinus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think we're approaching like critical mass on that joke. Like really? we're gonna get to a point where it's at its peak, okay. and then one more, and then it's like garbage. So, so you pi- have to just watch out for that moment. Has the Pinus climaxed? Not yet, but that was a really good that was a really good riff on the on the whole penis pinus thing. Bottom line <laughs> here is that I would love to see Blumhouse be able to get control of both of these franchises. Whether I think that I think that they would be better off with Hellraiser, but if I can get more Scream, because I, I really do love Scream. I think Scream, you know, um, uh, the uh, 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 okay, Clive Barker did a great job with Hellraiser, and uh, I mean, I, I I love I love Scream. I think Scream's a great franchise, but if I can get more both of these, I'll be happy. And uh, does I don't know? Am I crazy for wanting Jason Blum to take over both of these projects? I mean, if anybody's going to take them over, it's got to be him. I mean, he's the only person that's proven he can do something like this. Yeah. 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 I got. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, uh, news from Dark Horizons. Filmmaker James Cameron has offered more details on the several Avatar sequels currently in the works as part of a lengthy podcast interview he had with Empire Magazine. Uh, he says the second and third film in the se- series have been shot with post-production now underway on them, discussing filming. Cameron says the franchise will be an emotional roller coaster with the characters set to go dark places with Jake Sully, played by, played by Sam Worthington, and his marriage to Neatri, played by Zoe Saldana, pushed to the breaking point due to a dispute which will be shot from a different perspective than most films. Quote, there's a three-page argument scene between Jake and Neatri, a marital dispute, very, very critical to the storyline. I wound up shooting it all from the point of view of the eight-year-old hiding under the structure and peeking in. So, like, they've got their fucking kids, and mommy and daddy are fighting, and I kind of get this. Like, this makes sense. Um, think about it. You've got this woman, uh, Zoe Saldana's character, who... Uh, has lived on Pandora her entire life and she's got her own like way of life and her own religion. That fucking tree and shit, right? That fuck <laughs> you know what I mean? they got their own way of life yeah. and shit. And you've got, you know, you got fucking Sam Worthington, who's a human, and now they're having they they fall in love and they have these fucking kids. Of course they're gonna argue about how they raise their fucking kids. Right? You've got this woman who worships goddamn trees. And you know what I mean? And (laughs) right? Am I right? Am I crazy to think this? Like, there's going to be, there's got to, like, it's not all just like, hey, you know, I love you and we have a kid. Like, now it's like, you got to raise your kid. And like, she's like wanting to raise the kid to like love the planet and the trees and, and all this shit. And who knows what he's wanting? I don't know. But um, you got, yeah, you basically got a human and an alien trying to raise a kid together. It's got to cause some kind of a conflict. And is this what you want to see? Though I, I don't know. I'm just asking. I'm curious. 
I mean. God, I, I think I broke both of your goddamn brains. <laughs> I'm truly not convinced we need 52 million Avatar sequels. Um, but if they are going to be together for the length of those movies, I mean, it does make sense that they would have a kid. And you're absolutely right. Like, they are going to have disagreements of how to raise this child. Melissa, these movies, this Avatar, this first Avatar film made over $2 billion. $2 I mean, billion, okay. $2 billion. $2 billion. I, I, even if you make, even if you make in the sequel, if you make half. Of two billion dollars, what have you made? One billion dollars. I mean, fuck ton of money. I'm not arguing that. I know you're I not. Just, there's so many Avatar sequels. How many is too many? Hey, uh, yeah, I know. I get. Maybe it. every sequel will be about one of their kids. Maybe the kids go to Hogwarts. I don't. You know. I don't. You know. I'm in. Yeah. I. <laughs> I hope we see more of that sweet unobtainium because that was like so amazing in that first movie. Um, I'm just shocked that James Cameron is taking a break from criticizing everyone else's movie and character development to talk about his own movie. Shocking, really. Like, I wish he'd just shut up. This and- fucking movie better have the best goddamn character development. You can, hey, I honestly, I, I think James Cameron, as he's getting older, he does need to shut the fuck up about Wonder Woman, and he does need to shut the fuck up about, you know, like, Patty Jenkins and, and, and oh, Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, but on the flip side, like, I'm not going to lie, Sarah Connor was a badass in T2. I'm, go- I'm not going to lie. Sarah Connor was a badass. Of course she is. But, like, why do we have to live in a world where we have to compare – what? I agree. Cameron to say he said no. Oh. He's he's basically saying I'm not trying to cut you off, but he's basically saying like you can only have a tough female character if she goes through the trials and tribulations that I gave Sarah Connor, and I right. think that that's bullshit. I do. It is a hundred percent. I agree. It is bullshit. And I don't want to turn like our d- discussion about Avatar into that. Right. I. I <laughs> You're absolutely right. That is, I, I, and I, yeah. I made the full. I know. I, I, I know. made the comment about him criticizing him for right. movies. But you're right. But, I'm not. But you, like, you're right. And, and then he comes out to say that Aquaman is not that realistic. Oh, really? Because mm. I thought it was a fucking documentary. No, Rebecca, Gavin. come on. You got to understand. I, like I, the guy spent. The guy. The guy has been underwater so fucking long that it's affected the way. You know, he he spent so much time doing all that research for fucking Titanic, and now he's underwater again to do Avatar sequels because it's going to spend time underwater. Yeah, okay. The guy, the guy is in Rebecca. The guy is in James Cameron. Nobody's telling James Cameron no. The circles that the, the circles that he's in, he's in he's like he's achieved Steven Spielberg and George Lucas status to where like nobody is telling this guy that he can't do anything. And so when he watches Wonder Woman, he watches it through the lens of I'm James Cameron. And this is how I would have tackled Wonder Woman. And um, right. when he says shit, it comes off fucking stupid. 
And the, what I would tell James Cameron is like, dude, there's more than one way to write a female character. And um, there's more than one way to write a female character right. Like, I loved the way that he wrote, you know, Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. Like, this woman was, uh, in the first movie, she wasn't like the warrior. She wasn't the fighter that, that we saw in the second film. And in that second film, she was a badass. Linda Hamilton was a fucking badass in T2. But like, that's not, Absolutely. The, you don't have to write every female character to go through something traumatic before they can be a badass. Like, like that's not the way you have to write every female character. If there was going to be an end all be all decision on how to write good female characters, James fucking Cameron doesn't get to decide. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Amen. Exactly. Amen. You don't get to decide that. I, I would just say, like, just about the Avatar sequel. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, the first, okay, the Avatar movie, I'm not going to lie. I went and saw it in the theater. I saw it in 3D, and I, I almost never see movies in 3D. And I was blown away. Oh, my God. So amazing. It, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was overwhelmed with how beautiful it was. And then I saw it at home. Yep. And I was like, Oh my god, this movie is shit. This story is terrible. I've seen this story a hundred times. Dances with Wolves, mm-hmm. Fern Gully, yep. like Unobtainium. How did I miss that in the, in the showing, Rebecca? How dumb that was. Like, it's a whole thing. Ridiculous. So, like, yeah. she's going to make another movie, and I'm sure it's going to be gorgeous. I'm sure it's going to be beautiful, but I, I'm going to... If when it comes out, I'll probably see it, but I'm gonna walk in with much more. I'm not gonna let the visuals overwhelm me so that I don't notice that the story is so thin. I I'm the same way. Like when I saw Avatar in the theater, it was the fact of this new technology and the 3D fusion camera and the how beautiful it looked and. Um, and I think that that's why it did so well. I think like it was the gimmick that actually like got other countries to go out and see this film. It's not the top grossing movie in the United States domestically. That I believe that goes to fuck. Does that go to the Force Awakens or did that go to uh Infinity War? I know like I think the Force Awakens made over a billion dollars domestically, but uh Avatar did not. Avatar did all of its two billion, like pretty much globally. It did well over here, but it didn't do a billion. Um, but anyway, that's besides the point. It was definitely the gimmick, the technology. It did great over there. The story is kind of weak, and especially when you watch it at home and you're not watching it in like the, you know, in the 3D. But you can't count James Cameron out as a filmmaker, and for everyone that is saying like, I don't want another avatar movie or two or three or four or five avatar movies. Like I get it. I would rather see James Cameron do other things, but like that movie is the top grossing movie of all time. And I do think that this second one, even if it does half as good as the first one is still making more than most movies out there. Yeah. It yeah. made over $2 billion. If it does half of that, it does at least a billion dollars. And that's more than most movies that ever come out. 
And yeah, I, I, I just hope that he realizes that he needs to beef up the story because we've seen the technology now, right? Yeah. So it can't skate on that any yeah. longer. So, but he's talking. These movies are all going to be much better. He's talking you – know, well, that's what he's talking about, like the emotional roller coaster that they're going to send us on for the next four movies here. Mm-hmm. And it's going to – he says it's going to go uh, to some dark places. He's talking about by maybe Avatar 3 or 4, you're going to be able to see 3D without even wearing glasses. Like that's like what he's hoping to – he's hoping to get us to the point where like – we can watch 3D movies without glasses. Like you don't have to put the fucking glasses on. You just step into the theater and he's sending you to the third dimension and you don't even have to fucking pop glasses on your goddamn face. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just. <sighs> you cannot count. He's a revolutionary filmmaker. Oh, no, no, no. I, I don't. I don't. I'm just I'm just sort of turning over in my head. Like the scene yeah. that you described about, you know, a couple fighting and being shot from the viewpoint of the kid hiding. I mean, yeah, I think that that is I think that that's a really great way to tell a story. I think that's a great way to shoot a scene um, that we haven't like maybe seen before or seen recently. Yeah, I just I um, I, I guess I'm just sort of stuck. You didn't on care a, about the characters in the first fucking movie. Why do you exactly, care about their fucking kids exa- now? Exa- that's exactly it, Brian. Like, I didn't really yeah. care about these characters. and But I guarantee you, I, I, I fucking guarantee you that when you watch Back to the Future, you did care by the end of that movie. Like, why are Marty's kids assholes? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I just would like the story to be beefed up. I mm-hmm. would like the characters to be developed better. I want to feel something for these characters. I want to connect with them. I want to walk into Avatar and watch that movie and go, wow, you know what? Uh, I talked a lot of shit, but wow, what a great sequel that was. And yeah. I can't wait to watch the next one. I would like to genuinely say that because it's an interesting world that he's built. He's building. It's just that the story and the message and some, and the MacGuffin of the first movie was so silly. Yeah. I would just like it to be a little bit more beefed up. That's yep. all. And I don't want to watch a whole movie of a couple fighting. And I'm sh- I know it's not going to be the whole movie, but like, I, I want to see what else is happening around them that this couple now has to work through their problems to solve this bigger problem. If it's a whole movie about a couple fighting, I'm going to walk out with PTSD and just remember my fucking childhood. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll just watch Kramer versus Kramer if I want to watch a couple fighting, and that's a really excellent film. There you go. Uh, Amazon uh, is uh, not taking the streaming wars lying down the news this week has been insane concerning Amazon. Uh, this news comes from THR. Amazon chief Jennifer Salky unveils film plan to battle Netflix. 30 movies a year. So basically Amazon went to Sundance and bought a fuck ton of movies this year. Um, she was. Uh, did you guys see this news? I haven't. I've seen some of that stuff because uh, I was following some of the Sundance stuff, and it was like Amazon buying everything. Yeah, like Netflix bought anything at Sundance this year. I know it's crazy. I honestly like we were talking earlier. We were talking earlier about Netflix movies and like how they're not that great. And I'm thinking like, 
this could this be what sets Amazon apart from Netflix? Well, like, Amazon's already got Cold War that we already talked about on this podcast. Well, shit, mm-hmm. Amazon, Amazon's got uh, Eighth Grade. Amazon's got uh, what was that? Uh, you were never really here. That was the yeah, yeah. That's an Amazon Studios. Um, the the Big Short. Here's the thing: what Amazon's planning on doing is when they first started, Amazon Studios first started, they started to make movies and uh, they they were having theatrical releases. That's still going to happen. But they talked to Jennifer Salky and she was asked by THR, part of what has differentiated Amazon from Netflix is full theatrical releases. You give the movies. Will that continue? She says, you'll see less of the three-month window and you'll see different variations. Even through Sundance, I learned a lot about just how flexible we can be with those models and they really vary in some cases it'll be important for us to get the movie quickly to the service while still flowing through with a theatrical release that feels much shorter two weeks even two to eight weeks and then in other cases we'll allow where it makes sense a wider release strategy i feel like this quote is basically saying like netflix wins and what I mean by that is that they're changing their whole strategy based on what Netflix is doing. Netflix has a Netflix original films. Like we talked about the trailer for The Highwaymen. That's going to be directly released on the Netflix service. Now, Velvet Buzzsaw did get a limited theatrical release. But, like, it was literally days before we saw that on um, Netflix. And, like, nowhere near me was I able to watch Velvet Buzzsaw. I think Roma was probably one of the bigger Netflix releases that I was actually able to see in a theater and then maybe like Beasts of No Nation. But like for the most part, these Netflix films like Bright, like nobody's watching like Joel Edgerton and Will Smith in the theaters in Bright. Like that's you're watching that on your fucking TV. This is basically Amazon. Amazon, how Amazon's done, Amazon Studios has done this, is like it's in the theater for three months. And then three months later, you're able to watch, you know, like what was it? Kumail Nanjiani's film, uh, The Big Sick. Um, You're able to Mm -hmm. watch that like on Amazon uh, on Amazon Prime like 3 months after it's released in the theaters you're able to watch like um you know you were never really here like 3 months later you're able to watch these Amazon Studio movies 3 months after the release in the theaters now Amazon's saying like yeah there's going to be less of a 3 month window now the way that they're talking about the case by case basis makes mm-hmm. me think. Well, and because it's award season, literally today is the Oscars. Um, makes me think they're like, oh, if we release it and it's getting really good, um, you know, reviews and people are talking about it, we'll leave it in theaters because that's more like awardsy. That's what gets you the attention. Mm-hmm. But if it is flowing on, you know, under the radar, we'll just throw it up on streaming and pick see if it can pick up steam there. It's kind mm-hmm. of how yes. I took that actually. i yeah i agree like if you got a movie that's like uh you know like uh, like the camille nanjiani film like that's mm-hmm. getting nominated and stuff like the big sick or what it was it called the big sick yeah yeah the so big sick called. like you're gonna have that as a theatrical release but they've got jason blum doing eight movies for them like jason blum films are 
good. They make a lot of money, but they're not getting nominated. So, like, those are going to probably be those movies that go directly to the service. They're not going to have a theatrical release. And if they do, it's going to be a limited release, like where she's talking about, like, two weeks. Um, They're working on a – oh, yeah. They're working on a – they says – she says – I'm working with Nicole Kidman on this slate of sexy date night movies that no one's making anymore, like No Way Out or Cruel Intentions. Those kind of, I need to stay at home and just drink wine with my girlfriend or my boyfriend, husband, and watch this. Like that's a great strategy, isn't it? That is that is that's because brilliant. You look for those movies, you don't know what they are. Did you ever yeah. watch uh, Rebecca? Did, okay, like Cruel Intentions came out in like '99 or some shit. But did yeah. you ever watch the movie that that was like uh, the John Malkovich movie? What was yeah, it? Yeah, I ha- um, uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Dangerous Liaisons. Did you ever watch that? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh my god, that movie! That movie was like. It was – I remember watching that as a like as a youngster. Like I was a fucking kid watching that movie. But I was like, oh my god, this movie – Glenn Close, um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yep. John Malkovich. I was like, this movie is dark. It's sexy. And it's a great movie. And I thought like – you know, like you know, when Cru- Cruel Intentions came out, I was like, oh my gosh. Like they're updating it. For today's audiences with like Ryan Felipe and Sharon Michelle Geller mm-hmm. and what was it Reese Witherspoon? Was it Reese? Yeah, yeah. Reese Reese played like like the virginal character. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, they're updating it for today's audiences, and like that is not a movie that we're making today. Like this, no, mo- but it's it's a it's a story that's been told several times. Yeah, and you go even further back. In, in in literature and in movies, that story of dangerous liaisons, I think that that's based on a French film that was made, you know, decades before that, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like that's a story that's been around yeah. a long time and they've updated it. But like since the Cruel Intentions one, you know, that's another 90s movie that's like a period piece. Like it's very 90s. Yeah. Like the fashion and the way they talk and. Um, Remember Sarah Michelle Gellar was doing that. She had the necklace and she had the co- with the bubbles, dude. I had. Well, she had the cocaine in the necklace. No, oh, that's true. I had the bubble one, not the not the uh, cocaine. No, you were she doing. You were, you were you were you were you were you were snorting the the booger sugar, right? Were you? No, no, I was a uh, straight edge, bro. <laughs> but like, yeah, like. Um, but yeah, very very nineties in their yeah. in their in their fashion, where they talk, blah blah blah. I think that's that's perfect to update it for like today's audiences. Yeah. Look how much money, um, and I, I don't know how exactly how much it made, but the uh, the, the the Blake Lively film, uh, a, simple a simple favor. favor. Yeah, that was good. That's, that's, that's exactly great. what I was thinking about when yeah. getting ready to name drop a movie. That's yeah, yeah same way. Like like that's a movie I would invite my girlfriends over yeah. and I'd pop open a couple bottles of wine and we'd watch that movie and just like enjoy it. Like, Fuck yeah, you're ju- you're like you're you're ju- you're you're popping open. You're fucking drinking the sangria or the, the or the the Zinfandel, and you're getting you know what I mean. Exactly, and then like. Yeah, you're serving like little things to eat. You're eating the brownies yeah. later on, like yep. all that stuff. There's no movies like that. Like, there's not a lot being made 
of that type of movie. And I think Cruel Intentions is a great example of a movie yeah. that could be updated that we could all watch like a like a guilty pleasure at home with is our, this, with is our this, girlfriend. Is I think it's great too, and I want to see more of that shit. It's kind of like it's kind of like saying like, yeah, you can watch this on Lifetime, but it's not going to be like we're not going to get like directors like Paul Feig, right? Like because right. like that's a simple favor. Like they got fucking Paul Feig to do that movie, and I love Paul Feig. I'm a huge yeah. fan of Paul Feig, and so it's like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you like Lifetime Network level of like. Uh, we're going to give you lifetime stories, but we're going to give you like really good creators and really good actors to like, to like do this kind of shit. But here's the mm-hmm. thing. They're saying like, do you think that like Amazon is conceding a little bit to Netflix and saying like, okay, yeah, like we're going to have some of this like direct to our service and we're not going to give it that theatrical release because we realize that Netflix is kicking our ass right now. Well, I mean, I think it's not just Netflix though. Like, I mean, yes, for sure. It's Netflix. Netflix is the fucking Netflix is the grandpappy. Netflix is like as far as streaming services. That's what you're that's who you're trying to take down. Right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I mean, are they conceding or just as much as sort of just they're conceding? <laughs> well, you know what? The the times they are a changing and Amazon's gonna change too. Like there's there's conceding and then there's going with the flow. If if this is where it's going, then Amazon would be stupid to say, Well, not us, we're not gonna fucking change, we're gonna do things the way they always were. Back in my day. That's conceding. Is, is it though? Like, yes. Like, is it conceding if they're gonna have better movies? Because isn't that a win? Like, does it matter how exactly. they got to this place if they're delivering better films than Netflix is? It, it, in a way, it is conceding. It, you gotta admit, in a way, it's conceding. It's like, um, or it's just like sliding in under the radar so you can knock them out with the punches. They've been doing things one way for so long. Like they've like, okay, Amazon Studios, we're going to have a theatrical release. And then three months later, it'll be directly on Amazon Prime. And now they're saying like, we're not going to do that. Like some of our movies are going to be direct to service. They're going to be direct to Amazon Prime. And I think that that is a direct response to the way that Netflix has been doing things. And I, Oh, I definitely agree. I'm not saying that the quality of the movies is going to suffer because of that. I'm just saying that, yes, like they're seeing like this is the only way they're going to survive this. They have mm-hmm. to concede. And I'm not saying like with them conceding that that's, that's them like admitting defeat. I'm just saying like, Yes, like they. This is what they have to do. Netflix yeah. has forced change in the market mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like this is like if you're a basketball fan, like you know, you've heard of like you've heard of like the way that Jordan, the Jordan rules, and you've heard of like Shaq and the way that they changed the game. Like mm-hmm. Netflix has changed the game. You've got to change the way that you do things, and I think. In a way, I'm saying yes. Like Netflix is, Netflix has changed the game. They've changed the right. game. They've changed the game. Yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, I, I think, I think I was taking your ter- your way of saying conceding as like Amazon is losing here or something, no. but they're they're not. I no. think I think they're following suit to what Netflix is doing. But again, like, I I think they'd be stupid not to because. 
people consume media and they consume movies and TV differently now. And uh, yeah. yes, Netflix had a huge. Are you kidding? I fucking I love the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I fucking love fucking. Uh, I love the Giovanni Ribisi series on Amazon Prime. Uh, Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. I love uh, Goliath. I mean, there's some great fucking programming on Amazon Prime. I'm not saying like. Like, these guys are down and out. You've got Jeff Bezos here. Let's talk about this Lord of the Rings series. And they talked to, they talked to, they talked to her, um, this, uh, what's, uh, Jennifer Salky about this Lord of the Rings series that's coming out. And they asked, what can you tell me about the Lord of the Rings series? Quote, there's a fantastic writer's room under lock and key. They're already generating really exciting material. They're down in Santa Monica. You have to go through such clearance, and they have all their windows taped closed. And there's a security guard that sits outside, and you have to have a fingerprint to get in there because their whole board is up on this. Their whole board is up on a thing of the whole season. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This are they all wearing tinfoil hats too? <laughs> it's not a conspiracy thing. It's just. Here's the thing. Is this is this, is this ridiculous or is this genius? Here's the thing. Let me throw this out there. They are saying they're coming out and saying like you have to have clearance. There's a guard, they're taping the windows closed. Um you have to use your fingerprint to get in there. This this writers room, we're keeping it under lock and key. When you give a project like this, such exclusivity and you publish this out in the news that it's so exclusive like nobody knows like what is what is this lord of the lord of the rings series going to be about like nobody knows we don't know anything about it like is it going to be about is it are we going to are are we going to see some of the characters that we've seen in 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 uh in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbit trilogy, are we gonna, is this going to be based on the Silmarillion, uh, Aragorn's family? Like, what what is this going to be? We don't know. And they've put it under such lock and key. Like, is this something like? Is this brilliant? Because when that first trailer comes out, Lord of the Rings fans aren't going to be like, oh my god. I've got to watch. I've got to mm. watch this first trailer. Is this going to be like a way to break records on YouTube, as far as watching a trailer, because you've given it this uh, kind of like ex- this like air of mystery yes. and exclusivity? Have you seen the teaser for this show? That I've seen it like shown before movies. I've heard about. Uh, is it the po- like the the map or something? It's um. It's a teaser of like a guy wearing a suit. Like it looks like a tinfoil hat. Is it a guy wearing a tinfoil hat? <laughs> no, <laughs> but like now after this description, it should be like it, it seems like it's it's supposed to be Tolkien himself. And he's talking to like a, a woman and he's like, I have this idea. Well, they're making, the, like they're making, they're making the Tolkien movie with uh, with Nicholas Holt. Is, yeah, is that what you're, ta- the oh, you're talking about? Rebecca, you're talking about. 
you talking I about? I did not know they were. Oh my god, I feel so stupid. I thought that was a teaser for the Amazon no. TV show. Nicholas my Holt. My bad. I'm Nicholas sorry. Holt, the the actor from Warm Bodies. Uh, some of our listeners will know that Nicholas Holt is the actor that plays uh, Beast in the new Marvel uh, in the Fox X Men films. He is actually playing uh, Tolkien. Um, in uh, oh my god, I feel so stupid. Yeah, that's what I've seen. It's for the movie. Then I thought it was for the Amazon show. Right. I didn't know that there was a Tolkien movie. I thought god it was it. like Melissa. For the show. Duh, Melissa. Yeah, so I'm telling you, Melissa, I need to screen my guests a little bit better, don't you think? You sure do, Brian. I suck. <laughs> You're kidding. I'm totally. I am not responding to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I no. It's you know what, Rebecca. Some of our listeners may also be equally as ignorant and think the same thing that you did. And well, uh, there we go. I'm, I'm there. I'm their poster child for ignorance. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not easy. You know, it, there's there's a balance. There's a fine balance between being mean and. <laughs> What? No, there's a fine balance. <laughs> Melissa, there's a fine balance between being mean and having the statements that you're being having Rebecca laugh about this whole fucking thing. Melissa, that's a goddamn talent, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I am 100 percent like kind of kind of ragging on her, knocking her right now. And here she is giggling. Right. That's a talent. You got to give it. To, you got to give it up for me. Right. A little bit. A little bit. I I want to give it to her more. Oh fuck you! You're fuck you, either. Melissa! I am doing it all. I'm doing all the work over here. <laughs> <laughs> I get no respect. I feel like the Robbie no Dangerfield of life. <laughs> yeah. oh, no respect. No respect. No respect. respect I tell you, no respect. <laughs> oh my gosh! That's, no, it's fine. Rebecca, you just you got everything wrong, and Melissa's giving you <laughs> literally. I mean, you got everything wrong. You were thinking like That's this true. is a trailer for I the did. Lord of the Rings Amazon series, and it's a biopic about J.R.R. Tolkien. And Melissa's saying like, "All right, I gotta give it up to Rebecca here for fucking everything up, I'm like not knowing anything and being an ignorant person on the podcast." And so, like, like whatever. Like, honestly, was for no Melissa, like. Uh, be, like li- I don't know. Like a couple minutes ago, I respected your opinion. You threw that out the goddamn window. Oh, the, okay. No, the fucking moment you sided. Let's go then. The moment you sided with Rebecca, like I like like you threw any credibility you had out the goddamn window. All right, so you're done too. We're all done. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Pine still has a gigantic he does. glorious it's true. That has not changed. That has not all. changed. Um It might even be bigger now. I, yeah, it might be. 
<laughs> don't know. Chris Hemsworth. This news comes from THR. Chris Hemsworth. Oh I thought you were going to talk about his dick. <laughs> we might go into Chris Hemsworth's penis. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is set to portray wrestling superstar Hulk Hogan in a biopic uh, that reunites Todd Phillips with Rebecca thinks that the actual this whole time she thinks that the Thor movies are about are about Hulk Hogan. Wait, they're not. Whoa! I thought they were. What? I thought they were Hulk Hogan prequels. Come on, hey Melissa, jump, <laughs> Melissa, jump in here, jump in here, stick up for your fucking girl, huh? I mean, they read like Hulk Hogan fanfic to me. There you go. <laughs> Hey, no. uh, Chris Hemsworth is set to portray wrestling superstar Hulk Hogan in a biopic that reunites Todd Phillips with Scott Silver, uh, the ret- uh, respective director and writer of the upcoming DC Comics movie, The Joker. Um, basically, this deal for the Hogan Project, it's going to be a Netflix movie. This is going to be another Netflix movie. Um and so this is going to go directly to Netflix. And uh, Bradley Cooper is going to produce this. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, Bradley Cooper coming off. It was crazy because, like, me and Jake were talking uh, in a message on Facebook. And uh, we're talking about, like, this Hogan thing. And I think – I forget. Jake says something about um, – oh, god damn it. Uh, what's the president of um, – WWE, what's his name? I can't even think. I'm losing my fucking goddamn mind. I've been drinking too much vodka. Um, I'm I'm thinking Jack Tunney, but that was Jack Tunney was the fake wrestling president from back in like the 80s and early 90s. <laughs> Wait, so you're asking who the president of the WWE is right now? Yeah, like the legit guy. Like, what's his fucking name? What's the owner of the God, God damn? It, I gotta fucking Google this shit. Vince McMahon. No. Vince McMahon. Thank you. Oh yeah, I got something right. There All you right. go. Okay. Finally. Yeah. Finally. No, me and Jake were talking about like right. me and Jake were talking about like who should play Vince McMahon, and I said something about Bradley Cooper. I was like Bradley Cooper should play Vince McMahon, and um, come to find out, Bradley Cooper's an executive producer. On this biopic that's going to go straight to Netflix, starring Chris Hemsworth. And, uh, yeah, we're basically going to have uh, Chris Hemsworth playing Hulk Hogan. And um, this is going to be about uh, his career in the late 70s in Florida, in the wrestling circuit, and when he started in the WWF. And... um, Hulk Hogan is actually going to be kind of like a uh, um, a consultant on this film. So I don't think that they're going to get into the... I don't know. I don't think they're going to get into the some of the bad shit that he did like later on down the road as far as like the sex scandal right. and some of the stuff that he said to his daughter over the phone. Um I don't think they're going to get into that stuff. I think they're going to keep this. I would, for the most part, I think that they're going to try to make, you know, Hulk Hogan look like a good dude. 
at the end yeah, of the you day. Know, it's interesting because I was talking to a friend of mine who she is more into wrestling. Like she used to watch uh, what it was called the WWF. Like she used to watch it. And yeah. even now she'll like watch it sometimes too. She said, oh, does Hulk Hogan like really deserve a biopic? And she was like referring to all that bad shit that he did later on. And I was like, I don't know. I remember, like, I never really watched, like, the WWF, but, like, I certainly remember how popular Hulk Hogan was in the 80s. And uh, there was a cartoon, right, that he was in? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was, like, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Roll Wrestling. I used to watch it. Yeah, I did, too. I did. It had Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, Junkyard Dog, Roddy Roddy Piper, uh, like, fucking the fabulous Moolah, which was like the most yeah. famous female wrestler at the time. Like that's my exposure to the WWF. George the like, Animal Steel. Yeah, like that's that's my exposure to it. Like, and I certainly know how popular Hulk Hogan was yeah. in the eighties, and I think that that's what they're going for here. I think they're focusing yeah. on a very specific part of his career. I do too. About all the bad shit that he did later on. I 100% agree. I think that they're going to focus on like the rise of Hulk Hogan. I do want to see this, and I do want to see uh, Chris Hemsworth play this. I also think that after this comes out, I think that there should be a counterpoint to this. I think that somebody else needs to make another movie, kind of showing like the... I guess like if they're not going to tackle in this one, somebody needs to tackle like what he did after this like some of the shitty stuff that mm. he did so um i you know you know if this is you know you got to have i think there needs to be another movie after this if they're just gonna but i do want to see this like i grew up a hulk hogan fan like i as a kid i did like i was a huge hulk hogan fan like i remember i used to watch like i used to watch wrestling as a kid you know I, I watched it with my dad. It was something that we bonded over. I loved watch. I saw Hulk Hogan fight in person. I saw him fight at the Peoria Civic Center against the One Man Gang. I will never forget that. Hulk Hogan. Oh wow! Hulk Hogan That's was my cool. yeah. Hulk Hogan was my fucking hero as a kid. I loved Hulk Hogan when I was a child. I loved Hulk Hogan. He was my fucking hero, and I loved, um, you know what he stood for when I was a kid, and um, he was larger than life, and. Um, he made wrestling what it is today. Like when I remember watching WrestleMania three when fucking Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant. I mean, it was just incredible. Um and uh fucking Hulk Hogan with the left leg drop. I remember I had I, I still have some WWF magazines laying around the house and shit. You know, I've got some old wrestling magazines where he talks about Hulk Hogan when he beat the Iron Sheik and took the got the heavyweight championship and I mean Hulk Hogan like he he basically built the WWF but you know he hasn't been perfect he's done some he's done some legitimately shitty he said some shitty things and yeah uh, you know this whole the whole gawker thing with the sex scandal and some of the stuff that you know he said to his daughter over the phone that they've got recorded it's it sucks and because i I love the dude i used to watch his fucking i melissa i know you watched his reality show i watched that too rebecca you're not a fan of the reality stuff so i know you you probably didn't watch it no i'm fortunately i did not watch it (laughs) it's fine (laughs) it's fine fine What's going on? Somebody, somebody building a shed or something I was, right now? I was opening up a beer. Sorry. No. Wow. Holy fuck. 
It's I don't know. Right? It's, it sounded like you were doing a home improvement project, not opening a beer. No, that that was just yeah. It was very loud. Sorry about that. It's fine. Is this is this episode terrible? Is it as bad as no, I think it is? No, it's not terrible. <laughs> There's no way this episode... Melissa, this episode is not terrible. No, this episode is top 50. There you go. Top 50, baby. Woo! Top 50. Top 5-0. Hey, Rebecca, you've got some news that I tasked you with this week. I know, like, diehard wrestling fans that just listen to us, like, like, uh, ramble through that, uh... Hulk Hogan news are just like they're they're like oh my you guys barely got to like the important stuff that you guys you guys didn't tackle any of the wrestling stuff I wanted you guys to talk about. fuck off guy yeah. right yeah exactly <laughs> who cares I'm not a, I'm sorry guy I used to love wrestling I used to watch it every week I used to watch Gorilla Monsoon Bobby the Brain Heenan uh, I I used to go to the wrestling matches live I actually Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov like I I I, I touched them as they walked by like they I was sitting there I was I was I was in an aisle I was at an aisle and they walked by and I I slapped them on the shoulder. And I, that is, that's very cool, man. That's a great story. My dad used to take me to all the wrestling matches when we were a kid, when I was a kid. I used, I used to love it. I know I understand like people still watch wrestling now. For me, wrestling, and I'm not trying to say this as like a dickhead, but once I found out that wrestling was fake, it was kind of like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. It just went away for me. Like it mm. went away for me, and I can't appreciate it the way that I appreciated it as a kid when I thought it was real when I thought wrestling was real well, the day that I found out that it was fixed I was out um, I think these guys are incredible I think the sacrifices that they 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 put on their bodies and like the 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 the, the level of physicality that they go through in these matches is just incredible it just it just I don't know. For me, it just doesn't work anymore. And uh, so I'm sorry if we didn't do this segment justice for all you like wrestling fans. But, um, you know, I don't know. I will watch this movie and I will love the fuck out of it just as much as I loved uh, Mickey Rourke and The Wrestler. Just as much as I loved listening to Jake the Snake Roberts on the Joe Rogan podcast. I still have a lot of love as far as like that old school wrestling and uh, whatever. Moving on, Rebecca, you got news about uh, something I tasked you with a with a, with a news story this week. Yeah. So you talked last week about a movie you had seen, The Wandering Earth. That was the movie that came out of China about. Um, it was a sci-fi epic about yeah. uh, how the Earth is like basically moving around, and uh, they're trying to save the planet. Um, so the big news is that Netflix has acquired um, the rights to show it. And so uh, this is actually really big news because Netflix does not sell subscriptions in China yet. Uh, But this is absolutely the articles I've read, uh, specifically an article from BGR, was talking about how this is pretty much Netflix's attempt to not only expose a larger global audience to Chinese cinema, but to kind of get a foot into China to hopefully start selling their subscription there, which mm. makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you want to expand? So, yeah, uh, we can expect The Wandering Earth will come to Netflix uh, pretty soon here. And, um, yeah, so you could watch it at home. And, 
Um, hopefully, you know, we'll get we'll be getting more Chinese and Asian cinema being shown to us that maybe we, we wouldn't have been exposed to before. Yeah. Are you guys interested in seeing The Wandering Earth? Yeah, I think this is a I really am. cool idea. I was interested in it after you reviewed it on this podcast, and I actually remember seeing it available um, on my AMC app and not, you know, going to see it. But I did have the opportunity, and I missed it, so that's a bummer. But I'm glad that we've got this Netflix thing going on. Um, I read that they're going to be translating this movie into 28 different languages, which yes. is really fucking cool, too. Yeah, they're planned to actually release it into 190 countries as well. And so I think uh, uh, this other article that I have pulled up from The Telegraph in, in, in the UK is basically saying, like, this is the first movie that um, the first Chinese movie that Netflix is going to be showing, but it's not the last. They really mm. want to get a foothold into Chinese cinema, bring it to not just American audiences, but also more global audiences. Um, I, I think it's great personally because I, I, when you talked about The Wandering Earth last week, I enjoyed uh, hearing about it and certainly sci-fi right in my wheelhouse. I thought it's a – and I actually saw they, – they were showing it here in New York and I saw it like on Fandango and I was like, oh, this looks interesting and I kind of just – looked at it but didn't go see it and then you talked about it but um yeah i think the idea here is to bring you know more chinese cinema to a wider audience and obviously hopefully you know bring other cinema into china as well yeah i uh it's definitely worth a watch i i i enjoyed it quite a bit i thought it was a really good movie and uh, yeah, this is a, this is another great move by Netflix by getting this movie. This movie has made last time I checked, and I'm probably more since then, but over three hundred million dollars. So it's killing it. It's beating out all the other movies of 2019. I think it's the biggest grossing movie of 2019 so far, and nobody's really talking about it over here. So mm. it's uh, yeah. Yeah, they said actually that it's the second most successful film of all time in China wow. behind Wolf Warrior 2. That grossed $850 million. Damn. Um, and then, you know, part of this deal is also that Netflix has uh, – they're going to be developing a total of 17 new Asian original productions. So Netflix is making a huge push here to get into the Chinese market. Sure. Uh, I mean, again, why wouldn't you want to expand, of course? And um, so, yeah, Net Netflix here is uh, they're making some big moves into into Chinese cinema. I'm looking forward to like as far as like Asian cinema, I'm looking forward to Wu Assassins, the Eco Uwe's series. Oh, God, mm -hmm. I cannot wait to fucking watch that once it drops. Oh, my God, I cannot wait. Uh, let's move on into uh, yeah, Rebecca. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah, no problem. Um, let's move into Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, Marvel news. I got, um... <laughs> <laughs> a Marvel email here from Sean Tolley, and he says, hey, guys, could the photos taken of the Battle of New York over a year ago? And he's talking about the Endgame movie. But he's saying that has pushed everyone to think that time travel is a part of Endgame. 
will all be fake. To me, it's not a stretch. The Russos know how to troll, and it wouldn't be too hard to get a few of the characters in their old gear and have a paparazzi photographer get a few quick shots to steer everyone onto the wrong scent. Uh, What if time travel to the Battle of New York doesn't even happen? If they're going to go back to the moment to get the Space Stone, why not just get it at an easier time, like when Howard Stark had it for research? Anyway, I know you must get a lot of these and would love to hear you discuss, but it's been on my mind for a while now. This would be the ultimate troll. This comes from Sean Tully. Uh, Sean, I think this is a great question. I really do. I think it's a fantastic question. And I understand that uh, you're saying, like, you know, like, I just can't see them having a whole day of shooting dedicated to misdirection and getting people off the scent. I I know this happens. I know this happens in Hollywood. I, I know that studios do this. I know that the Walking Dead, when they uh, had that, uh, when when Negan was going to kill somebody at the end of, I believe, season six, when, it, when Jeffrey Dean Morgan was going to kill somebody at the end of season six, they had filmed him killing everybody. And that's because they knew that people that were around there taking pictures and videos and, and drone shots. And uh, they didn't give, they didn't want to give away. They didn't want anybody be able to give away the fact of like who, who, who Negan really killed. So they filmed deaths for all the characters. I know this happens, but I don't think, I think if anything, because I know these Battle of New York scenes that they have filmed, that we saw the shots and the pictures from. I've seen shots where Spider-Man shows up there. I, I, that, that's what I think might be the misdirection here, is the Spider-Man stuff. I, I, if Tom Holland did, in fact, show up to set for these Battle of New York scenes, I don't think Spider-Man's involved in that at all. That might be the misdirect here. But I, I do think that we are going to go back to the Battle of New York in Endgame. I, I don't think that this is a... Uh, I don't think that they wasted uh, a day or two days or three days or whatever it may be of shooting fake scenes for the Battle of New York for Endgame. I, I, I do think that it's going to be a race against time, I guess, of them going back and collecting these stones before Thanos did. And I think one of those stones will be the Space Stone and uh, it will be the Battle of New York. So I, I don't think that this is uh, just to troll people. I think that... Uh, I think this is legit. I think we're going to see the Chitari. There have been the and the, and another reason I think this is because we have seen the the Lego the Lego figures, the Lego figures that feature the Chitari. So I you know, um, and the Outriders. There's there's new Outrider and Chitari Chitari Lego figures. So I think that's what we're looking at here, Rebecca. This would be yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that this would be a really expensive precedent to set when yeah. it comes to misdirection. Well, I mean, they've done it. I mean, it, I get it. Like, the, like the, the, I, Oh, no, yeah. I know they've done it. But, like, when, on The Walking Dead, like, they would have all been on that set regardless. Yes, exactly. Just pull them into the scene real yeah. quick. To actually do a whole yeah. different location or set piece and different costuming for something you're never going to use. Like, yep. I guess that Marvel has the money, but, like... 
there's still a bottom line to these movies. Like we yeah. can't just start. We can't put misdirection in the budget of every movie coming out. Well, we're gonna. What we're gonna do is we're gonna shut down this whole uh, section of New York City so we can film these scenes. And uh, this is not gonna make it into the movie. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah, like Sean, I, 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 dude, that's awesome. Like, you know, like I, I know Marvel has money to burn. They do. They really do. These guys have made so much money. Yeah, if anybody could do this, it would be them. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think that these these pictures. I don't think were leaked on purpose. This wasn't like. Marvel leaked these photos. These these photos were leaked from other outlets, and I don't think that they were leaked on purpose. So, and I don't think this is anything that Marvel wants to bring attention to. Honestly, I don't think most people have seen these photos. To be quite honest with you, I think if you're listening to PCL, if you're listening to other podcasts that like address this stuff, you know about this. But I don't think your casual fan knows about. I don't think your casual fan knows that we're going to be revisiting the battle of uh new york mm-hmm. you know right rebecca i mean think about yeah, it yeah I, I i think i think if you're obsessed like we all are with these movies yeah i think you you know all about this but then like there's plenty of people who uh, could care less i i was on the subway the other day and i overheard this group of people talking and one of the people said, oh, I never seen a superhero movie in my life. It's just not my thing. Like, like they, everyone else was talking about Infinity War. And this one person was like, I've, I have no clue what any of this is. And I think that for people who are the casual fans or who may just see a movie here and there, um, they have no clue. Yeah. I think for people like us who are obsessed we're scouring the internet. We're scouring Reddit, looking at stuff. I think we know about it, but I think there's plenty of people that don't know about it. Yeah, I don't think that like Marvel was worried that like most people knew that they're going to go back to the Battle of New York, so they're like, okay, we've got, <laughs> or you know, yeah, it just doesn't make sense for them to like throw these pictures out there and like waste a whole day of shooting, shooting. Nothing, not real scenes, just to get people off the scent that I, I it just doesn't make sense. Uh, Sean, I think it's great. I think like what you're saying here is interesting, like, you know, but uh, I do think once April, end of April comes out and we Thursday night, man, we are in the fucking theater and we're watching this. I think that we are going to. I think there's going to be a scene where we do go back to the Battle of New York, 2012, and we're going to see. I think we're going to see Ant Man there. I do. I think we're going to see Ant Man in the Battle of New York now. I do, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Mm. Can't fucking wait. So, uh, news from Deadline. Uh, yeah, we knew this. Uh, Punisher and Jessica Jones got canceled by Netflix. Uh, the latter third season still to air, so Jessica Jones is still going to air on Netflix. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, Head of Marvel TV, Jeff Loeb, said, on behalf of everyone at Marvel Television, we couldn't be more proud of or grateful to our audience. Our network partner may have decided they no longer want to continue telling the tales of these great characters. But you know Marvel better than that. As Matthew Murdoch's dad once said, the measure of a man is not how he gets knocked to the mat, but 
uh, it's how he gets back up to be continued. He doesn't say like these shows are going to come back in this same incarnation. He talks about the tales of these great characters. So I think that's all he's talking about here. I, these characters can't be used by these, the same actors can't play these characters. And this is, this is in the contract for two years. And, you know, like that's part of the contract here. Like once these shows get canceled, like these actors can't play these characters again for two years. Um, I hear that they've canceled Jessica Jones now so that the actors that were involved in that series could start looking for work elsewhere instead of like waiting around for the announcement that they've also been canceled. Um, so that's why that show got canceled before the third season even aired. Um, and recently, like this week, we found out now that uh, Mike Coulter, who plays Luke Cage, got a new series on CBS. He's going to be starting on a series on CBS called Evil. Like, mm-hmm. so does that tell you that he's going to wait around for two years to come back and play Luke Cage for Hulu or? No, no, he he's moving on with his life and his career. And I think all of the other actors are going to have to do that, too. You know, mm-hmm. I get Charlie Cox is sad. I'm sad, too, Charlie. Like, I wanted to see you keep playing Matt Murdock, but I think everybody's going to have to move on and take other deals here. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike, Mike Coulter just, just took a deal. I'm sure somebody will offer Charlie Cox something. And he, you know, he's British. He's done a lot of work with the BBC and stuff over in the UK. You know, he, he may end up going home and doing stuff for BBC. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I, I to wait around for two years that maybe you'll be called in to play this character i mean that that's just dumb no I, I don't think any actor worth their salt would sit around and just wait for that news they'd they'd have to go on and do other things i agree it sucks i uh i'm gonna miss that's big time yeah, yeah. like it, it like i haven't even started punisher season two because like and i i liked the first season i i enjoyed punisher season one but like there's a part of me that's like, oh, I'm just going to watch it. I'm just going to be depressed because it's, that's it. It's done. Like, I'm not in a rush to watch it. Hey, Melissa, check this out. Me and Rebecca, last night, we talked to Sean Simmons, the creator of Wayne, about... <laughs> I know! Hold on, hold on. Here's the thing. We talked about, we talked to Sean Simmons, the creator of Wayne. We talked to him about Daredevil. We fucking talk about Nick. It's not like we just sit here and we talk about Wayne the whole time. Like, Wayne is an incredible series. But, like, we, we got to talk about other things. We got to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We got to talk, like, like uh, fucking Sean Simmons. He's a big fan of the MCU. He's a big fan of, like, the Marvel Netflix stuff. We got to talk to him about everything. Like, oh, my. Rebecca, that was fucking incredible. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. Like, here we go. Let's, let's, here, let's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Rebecca, did you lo- did you love Wayne? Of course I did. Melissa, did you love Wayne? Yes, so much. What if you had a direct line to the creator of Wayne, and not only could you talk about Wayne, but you could bring up other things. You could then bring. Then I up- would be you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
<laughs> that's what happened. That's that was that was part of the magic that happened last night on that interview. So people, please listen to that interview between me, Rebecca, and Sean Simmons, the creator of Wayne, because it was fucking. It was an incredible interview and it was so much fun and i don't like to toot my own horn i I think most of the things that i say in most of the episodes that we do are absolute crap but this one was actually this was actually good this was good stuff um because sean Simmons is my close personal friend you know what you you guys did share a a a special bond that was weird <laughs> Weird. It was. It was awesome. <laughs> when you're on the outs like me, it was a little weird. It felt. Oh, it was just for me. Everyone else listening in, and you and Sean, it was good. But me, it was weird because I was just like, I'm the. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm on the outs. <laughs> I got news. <laughs> I. That was overly dramatic and unnecessary. <laughs> Guys, I've got news about Pepper Potts in the MCU after this interview that Gwyneth Paltrow had with Variety. Um, she sells rocks that she wants women to put in her <laughs> v- no, in no, their no. vaginas. No, no. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You shouldn't do that, though. Like, you shouldn't be putting rocks up there. I'm just telling you. Melissa, Melissa, Gwyneth Paltrow sells rocks, and she tells women to put them in their vaginas. I'm telling y'all right now, do not put any Gwyneth Paltrow rocks in your hoo-ha. <laughs> do <laughs> definitely don't. Put any rocks in your JJ from Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't care who's trying to sling rocks at you. I don't care, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't care who's trying to th- sell you vagina rocks. Do not put them up don't in your it. vagina. Don't do it. Don't listen do it. To, listen to Melissa. Don't do it. Don't listen to me. I'm also no. giving this message. Yeah, but, yeah, but you don't have a vagina. You don't. Have, you don't get to tell us what we can put up there. I have so. spent. To if we have vaginas on this show, so <laughs> I have spent. Back from this one, I have spent some time in some vaginas. <laughs> yeah, and you're not a rock, so this is fine. Right, I'm. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's unless it's Dwayne Johnson, don't put that rock in your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, Gwyneth Paltrow was she was yammering it up with uh, Variety, and she says uh, uh, she's planning on retiring her character after this summer's Avengers Endgame. Quote: I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> she says, "quote I mean, I'm a bit old to be in a suit and all that at this point. Uh, I feel very lucky that I did it because I actually got talked into it." I was friend with uh, I was friends with uh, John Favreau. Uh, it was such a wonderful experience making the first Iron Man, and then to watch how important it has become to fans. Although she doesn't see herself committing to any more sequels, Paltrow left open the possibility that she could make a cameo or appear in flashbacks down the line. "Quote: I feel honored to be a part of something that people are so passionate about," she said. Of course, they if they said, "Can you come back for a day?" I will always be there if they need me. So, 
This news raised a question that I had that IndieWire tackled in an article titled, Gwyneth Paltrow exiting the MCU after Avengers Endgame? What does that mean for Tony Stark? So here's the thing. If Pepper Potts is saying goodbye to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, then it stands to reason that Tony Stark will do the same. I happen to agree here. I've never wanted to I've never wanted to admit to myself that Tony Stark's gonna die in Endgame. But after this, I feel like it's kind of fucking inevitable and I hate no. that. Well you don't think that they're just gonna like retire into the sunset? It's like do or die. Yeah, I, I, for me, yes. I think like I I feel like aren't if, they gonna have a kid though? Yeah, but that 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 timeline might be dead parents. The timeline might be erased though, right? Okay. Oh, I don't want any erased kids. <laughs> Nobody wants erased children. <laughs> Nobody. Everybody wants concrete kids. Nobody wants erased children. Unless your kids are assholes, right? Yeah, I, sure. I I I guarantee. Like, if we talked to my mom, like you know, <laughs> forty plus years ago, she might change her mind. But you know, <laughs> can't blame your mom. <laughs> I'm kind of a dick. Um, but yeah, like uh, that timeline could be erased, and you know, so I. <sighs> God damn it. Like, I I didn't want to think about Tony. I didn't want to think about Robert Downey Jr. leaving the MCU. Like, I can't imagine. An, an, if, but if you're going to lose him, you, we got to lose him sometime, right? Like, like you can't. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, point. if he plays this role till the end of his life, then he would have to die off screen, which would not be, you know, that would be a disservice to his character. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I think that they're gonna have to get the feels out of us some way, Rebecca. I'm thinking, I'm thinking if Tony dies, we've got to get Riri, right? Eventually, that's that's my honestly like if we have to say goodbye to Tony, um, then it just yes, I I want Riri in in the MCU. Um, Who's the little want- fucking girl? Who's the little fucking girl? Have you seen the trailer for Little? I did see that trailer. Maybe before Fighting With My Family? I saw the trailer for Little before Fighting With My Family. I also saw it before What Men Want. And um, it's... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. She's in... um, Blackish, right? Yes, yes. She's in Blackish. Um, Right. You know, if... Marcy Martin? Yeah, Marcy Martin. I think that girl, I think she would be a pretty goddamn good Riri. I, I can't disagree with you. Like she would be. Can, do, would you say that you a, can't disagree? Agree with me. <laughs> you can't disagree. Agree with my riri. No, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. Um, and I, I don't want them to take the lazy route of just like sticking Shuri in that role. No, I don't know. I've heard people say, oh, well, I've said it. Shuri. Will right, you and- guys tell me who this character is? Because I'm not familiar with Marvel characters outside of who's already in the MCU. Rebecca, I know you've read Ironheart, so I'll let you take it away. Cool. So, yeah, um, Brian Michael Bendis created a character called Ironheart. 
and she is basically the new Iron Man. Um, she's her her name is Riri Williams. She is a she is a child prodigy. She's a genius. Um, she became obsessed with uh, creating an armor for herself after she lost her stepfather and her best friend in the same day in a drive-by shooting. Um, so she creates this armor, an Iron Man-type armor, and in the original comic that she appears in, um, Tony Stark sends to her his um, consciousness is now in an AI and he's basically ships himself to her and he becomes the voice in her suit, much like uh, Jarvis. And then later on Friday was the voice in his suit. Um, so Riri is also her, her name is Ironheart and she basically is doing everything that Iron Man was doing. Um, but what's great about her is she's African-American. She's young. Um, it's a girl. Uh, she's got a lot of like uh, she grew up in a tough neighborhood. I think she grows up in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so like this is who I want them to introduce next. Like if we have to lose Tony Stark as Iron Man, um, you could keep RDJ if you make him the voice in her suit. Yeah. If you follow the comic, yeah. you could keep the snarky Tony Stark in her suit. So I've heard people say. Oh, just put Shuri in that role. Like, make her the new Iron Man. And I feel like I don't want that because I want more diversity. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do it, Rebecca. I, I like. I don't mean to cut you off, but like, I when we when I reviewed Black Panther, I even brought that up because like that's something that people were speculating. Like, it could happen. Right. At this point in time, I don't think that Kevin Feige would do that. I think we would get a. Yeah. I think that Kevin Feige is smart enough to give us a proper, a proper Riri Williams. I I am I agree with you because, yeah. I mean, he's already been he's already talking about um, Ms. Marvel Kamala Khan coming yes. out yes. In, a, in a future movie, the first Muslim American superhero. I I want more diversity in the MCU. So I want them to cast another young black actress to play Riri Williams. You can keep RDJ as the voice in her suit so that, you know, you still have your connection to Tony Stark. If in the future you, you wanted to bring RDJ back as Iron Man, you could you could finagle something about Riri and Shuri team up and they build I don't know, a body for Tony and, and they stick his consciousness back in there. You can do anything as it's comics, right? You can, yeah, just, yeah. you can play around with that kind of shit. So that's who I want. I want Ironheart because uh, what I would love is for them to cast an Ironheart, make, make that movie, make the Kamala Khan movie, and then give me a movie with Shuri, Riri, Kamala – and uh, Peter Parker just going off and having fucking you know, Young Avengers, adventures. Young Avengers, Young Avengers, exactly. Rebecca, do you why rem- the fuck not? Okay, he he, my cat. God damn it, <laughs> he he. Come here, dude. You're you're. I love you, dude. Re- Rebecca, do you remember Lionheart with Jean Claude Van Damme? For sure. All right. Cool. Oh, oh, that was it? That was the end of the question? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, there's really, I don't know how to, uh, how else oh, to. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm so sorry. You, I, you know, I tried to look up him? Lionheart on uh, IMDb. Do you want to know what my typo was? What? Loinheart. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 
wasn't thinking too much about Chris Pine's. I'm totally thinking about Chris Pine. I I think about him too, but that's another story. Pie and heart. Sorry, go ahead. You said Jean-Claude Van Damme. Remember the part in the Lorena docuseries where like um, John Wayne Bobbitt thought he was like Jean-Claude Van Damme and he signed signed into like the pool login sheet or whatever as Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Fucking loser. (laughs) (laughs) He is a fucking loser. Jeez. Lionheart, Lionheart came out in 1990. It was about an ex. Oh shit! Jesus Christ! Sorry. Sorry. Wow! <laughs> wow! You drunken slob! You. No, I, you have no idea. I pretty much am. <laughs> oh, this episode is garbage. Um, <laughs> Rebecca says no. Her Lord of the Rings shit one from the other, and then she's an alcoholic. Besides. Knocking her beer bottles around. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe didn't drink so much, Rebecca. Well, yeah, maybe I'd be a functioning member of society. But what's the <laughs> Lionheart, people, check it out. Um, <laughs> Lionheart. Hey, uh, did you guys want to know some spoilers for Captain Marvel? Did you want to know who Jude Law is officially playing? If not, tell me now. Forever hold your peace. I will literally not know how this impacts the story. Tell me all the spoilers. Rebecca, it's up uh, to you. I'll hear, I'll, I'll hear the spoiler. Go for it. All right. If you don't want to hear the spoiler, skip ahead about 30 seconds. You know, just turn the goddamn episode off. It's garbage anyway. <laughs> uh, no, it's good. Don't go. This is a good episode. Top 50. <laughs> this, episode, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Poop. <laughs> um <laughs> Everybody poops, though, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, Marvel has just published uh, an official tie-in novel for Captain Marvel titled Star Force on the Rise by Steve Bailing. This book introduces readers to the Kree Star Force and gives a sense of the relationship between the Star Force's different members. It confirms that the commander is indeed Yon rog not Marvell. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Who's Marvell then? Yon rog appears to be one of the Kree's most senior military commanders working with the Supreme Intelligence on its most secret plan. Star Force seems to be his pet project, a relatively new elite strike team who have swiftly become legends across the Kree Empire. The warrior known as Vers, in reality, Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, is the newest recruit, and Yon rog considers her to be their most powerful member. That's all I know right now. So, I mean, that yeah. That is so interesting, because I really thought he was Marvel. I I was never counting out Yon rog I never was counting out Yon rog Never. Okay, okay. Huh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I oh god, I'm so hyped for that movie, dude. You have two no fucking idea. weeks, two motherfucking weeks. Yes, I got my Thursday night IMAX ticket. I've had my Better IMAX ticket movie. ordered on my AMC A list for like the past like a month, month and a half. Nice. So yeah, I I cannot wait for this movie. Oh, it's gonna be so good. IMAX 3D. Cannot wait. Nice. Uh, Captain Marvel reactions have been very positive. Um, 
You can go to different websites and look at the reactions. I was going to read them, but I don't. should I read some of them, Rebecca? Yeah, like read one or two of them. Sure. Um, Ash Crossan says Captain Marvel is totally awesome. Never related to a Marvel qu- character quite like Carol. She's the stubborn 90s witty 90s kid I like to think I am. Um, Eric Eisenberg says Captain Marvel is a blast. Has some cool surprises that I definitely didn't see coming. And the mystery origin it weaves is engaging and fun. Brie Larson is awesome and makes a fantastic... I just lost it. And makes a fantastic first step into the MCU. Um, Eric Davis uh, says Captain Marvel has a great 90s sci-fi vibe with a tone unlike any other Marvel movie. Really, it's retro and trippy, mysterious and dorky. It's funny and surprising places and badass in all the right places. It remains entertaining because it's always changing. It's got the right stuff. Um, Rebecca, I hear that um, I'm just hearing great things about this movie, that it's fantastic. I wanted to throw this out there. This is a rumor that I've heard, and I haven't talked about it in a couple weeks. I've known about it. I hear that Captain Marvel, by the time we get to Endgame, Captain Marvel does, in fact, punch Thanos in the face. Oh, yes. (laughs) I am here for that moment. I am here to see her punch Thanos in the face. Yeah. I'm I'm hearing it happen. It's like we talked – Sean Tolley, dude, we talked earlier about like you like could all like the – the the battle of new york be could it be like just a just a ruse just bullshit like there's a lego set that's coming out that's titled end battle in new york and it's a 213 piece set and it re- retails for 299.99 and i think that's it's confirmation as i need rebecca right mm-hmm. I mean, they've been touting. Uh, Ke- I mean, Kevin Feige has come out and said that Captain Marvel is the strongest character in the MCU. We- we've known that for a long time. Um, one of the reviews I read um, just said, and I'm trying to remember who wrote it because I-, I actually retweeted it because it was like my favorite review of Captain Marvel so far. Was uh, the-, the person reviewing it said, "All I have to say is Thanos is so fucked." And and I just love mm-hmm. that that was um, I love that that was their their takeaway like from the movie. Um, I'm hearing great stuff about Brie Larson. I'm hearing uh, she and Sam Jackson are like this incredible duo. Thank God. I thank God. Right. Yes. I, I'm hearing that the de aging is so good that like you yeah. forget it's de-aged um i'm hearing that the cat steals the whole movie mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, mean, I love and it's adorable i mean i am hearing so many good things coming out of this movie um i mean it's brie larson i didn't expect anything less to be honest because she's such an incredible actor that i knew she would take this role seriously and she's shown that she has yeah um i don't know i think she's just gonna knock it out of the I park i just felt like think- the, a a big part of this movie kind of hinged on the road trip between Brie Larson's yeah, Captain yeah. Marvel and Nick Fury. And, like, if you don't have that chemistry, like, the movie doesn't work. And that's one of the things that I did not get from the trailer that I, I, I'm not going to say, like, oh, I was worried about. Like, I, I, I wasn't, like, necessarily worried. I just didn't see it from the trailer. I, 
but to hear that like they work great off of one another. And I've seen them now in some of these um, interviews, like these conventions, like where like they're talking to each other and like they're cracking each other up just like in real in real life, like like they get along and they're and mm-hmm. I'm convinced now I'm I'm 100 percent sold like I have there's nothing I'm not worried at all. I, I think that we're going to get some great Nick Fury and Brie Larson interactions in this movie. I think it's just going to be just as good as some of like, like the, as, as, uh, the interactions between Thor and, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Hemsworth and Mark Ruffalo and fucking Thor Ragnarok. And I, I, it's just going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I can't wait for Captain Marvel. And, uh, a lot of you guys that are out there and bashing this movie before you've even fucking seen it, you're out of your goddamn minds. It's, you're gonna see this, and you're gonna think it's great too. And I hope that I, it, it, it'll it'll warm me. It'll warm my heart to see uh, some guys that have been bashing this movie and bashing Brie Larson to watch this movie and to kind of say, you know what, I was wrong. This yeah, movie, this movie's awesome, and and Brie Larson, like she's 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 pretty cool. So. <laughs> Yeah. I've read it's outpacing Aquaman yeah. and outpacing almost. They said I think it's outpaced Black Panther for pre-sales. Mm-hmm. Um, that just fills my heart with so much joy because there's been so many of these gross men online saying that they're not going to see this movie and they're already giving it zeros and saying right. it's terrible. There's fake posts being there's fake reviews going up saying that Brie Larson is saying really terrible things that there's that, that something terrible happens to the cat in the movie that she, she stomps on the cat or something stupid like that. Um, I I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I I think if, if you have that much time on your hands and energy to put into putting a fake review out online to try to stop people from seeing this movie, Get, get get a fucking hobby. Like, she was just, t- you know, like a lot of people's problem. A lot of people's problems is the fact that she said, like, uh, they take it out of uh, what she said about uh, you know the press junkets that she wants to see more diversity. Yeah, what people she, are taking that out of context. They are like what she said was she just says she just doesn't only want to see white men. She doesn't. She's not saying that she just. She's not saying that she only wants. Um, that she doesn't want any white men to show up to her film or interview no, her for but, press but, you know, these, these guys are so fucking delicate that they can't handle a, a little inclusivity. Like, if that's what you're taking from what she said, don't see the fucking movie then. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, more, more seats for me and my friends to go and see this movie without you taking up our oxygen like it's just ridiculous it's just absolutely ridiculous it doesn't take anything away from you if she's saying that she'd like to see more inclusivity on her press junket tour mm-hmm. you we all know that you're gonna go see this movie because you don't want to be left out of the fucking loop no the real right? the, the real thing that she's saying is, is she's she's waging war on white men <laughs> oh i'm I a mean, white guy i can't there. go see this movie <laughs> Brie Larson told me not to. Oh, that's... Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think people are... People are... Ugh. Uh, she Can said, we just cancel men? Melissa, we're canceling men, okay? Bye. Men are canceled. Bye. 
You're all canceled. I apparently canceled Chris Pine's penis earlier in the episode. All men are canceled except Chris Pine and Chris Evans. All the rest of you are canceled. Fuck, I... 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 Oh, God. And Brian. I'm done. Brian 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 can stay. stay. Everyone else is canceled. Uh, Or we can just have Captain Marvel go punch them all in the face. I don't care. That's true. I'm just just excited to watch Captain Marvel. So, I mean, I don't know. I I don't – I just like – I mean, I I kind of like – I knew what she meant when she said it. She – what she said was like she just doesn't only want – she wants to see more uh, diversity. She doesn't only want to see white men. And I get it. I get it. It it it, I, it didn't offend me. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I don't know. But I, I just can't wait to see fucking Captain Marvel. I can't wait to see her kick ass in this movie. I can't wait to see Endgame. And um, I do want to see her punch fucking Thanos in the face. Yeah. I'm going to stand. I'm going to sit up and cheer when that happens. <laughs> Me too. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Punch him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> fuck <laughs> Thanos, right? So um, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, that's our new theme song, by the way. I just recorded it right now. I love it so much. It was good, right? It was amazing. <laughs> was, Can't wait to sing along every week. You know, I'm so goddamn talented. You, you know, are. I am musically gifted. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, did you guys, did you guys hear the mel- melodical magic that just came out of my right, mouth? Those, those, those dulcet tones. Those dulcet tones. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, Black Widow's not going to be rated R. I'm shocked. Uh, Kevin Feige <laughs> says it never was going to be. Somebody writes, uh, I hear it's rated R, and then everybody writes it up. As it turns out, the rumor was never anything more than just that. So uh, Black Widow is going to be uh, PG-13. Okay. All right. I mean, if they made it rated R, it would alienate all of the young fans who are already in love with her. You can't do that. They would never do that. Yeah, uh, that's uh, very true. Um, I kind of wanted... I don't know. Am I selfish in thinking that I wanted to see a rated R Black Widow? I would love to see a rated R Black Widow. Right. I... Like it would be a great movie, but it would take it out of yeah the context of all the other movies in the MCU right now. Like fuck, would it be too dark? Would it be too fucking dark, Melissa? For the pe- for the young people who are yeah. already fans, yeah. Because like I mean, my my seven and ten year old cousins are seeing these movies. Like it would be heartbreaking for them. Yeah. To have a movie come out with a character they already love right. that they can't see for ten years. I know. I know. I'm selfish. I'm. I know. I'm selfish. Well, and like Marvel could take other characters and make R-rated movies with them. Like I would love to see Scarlett Johansson be an R-rated Black Widow, but I I just think that that ship has sailed. 
<sighs> Rebecca, like, Rebecca, am I being selfish th- for the fact that I wanted to get that Black Widow film and I wanted to see it R-rated? I, 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 you know, like, I wanted to see her, like, this whole brainwashing. I wanted to see, like, this prequel back in Russia in the 90s. And I wanted to see, oh, I wanted to be, I wanted to be kind of dark. And I, and. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think you're being selfish. I think. I, I think you're wanting something that we've seen in the we've seen in some Black Widow comics how dark she can get. Uh, we've just that's only been hinted at though in the MCU. Um, it's the thing. It's, it's it, but see, it was hinted at, and it, and I mean we, you know, we hear from Hawkeye, you know, uh, uh, Clint Barton, how he pulled her out. He pulled her out from like like this uh, this world that she was in, where she was an assassin and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't, I'm not talking about Black Widow cursing. I don't, I don't give a shit about that. But like, part of me wanted to see a Black Widow film if it's going to be a prequel. Back in her heyday, I kind of wanted to see a violent Black Widow. Yeah, and like. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't disagree with you. Like the the cursing wouldn't be what would make it rated R. It would right. be the violence that would make it rated R. I mean, for that matter, though, I I wish they have a different writer on this. I wish they'd give this project to a woman to write. Like uh, Black Widow has. I I love Scarlett Johansson. I think she's done a really great job with the character. But you know, a lot of the movies have. Uh, sexualized her a lot um i mean i don't think to a point that it's like offensive but i think they've uh, certainly she uses her sexuality which is true to the character uh i know that but i i would if we're gonna do a prequel i, I would be more interested to like maybe get a woman in to write this and maybe kind of tone down on the sexuality and give her more of a violent side and let her use her use her fighting skills I I would also hope if we get a in this prequel that maybe we get some red room stuff with with uh, Bucky Barnes. Like yeah. I hope that they tie that in. That's that's my own personal wish that they tie in Bucky Barnes in the red room. But you know I I I I'm pulling for that. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I agree. Like I was like, uh, are we gonna get like like part? Of, I just wanted to see like them de-age her so that she looks like. Scarlett Johan- Scarlett Johansson from like uh, uh, Lost in Translation. Yeah, that that's like the perfect age too, right, like right. to put her in because she she looks she's very young in that movie and she looks very young and God, very fucking, vulnerable. That's a great movie. Have you seen, Melissa? Melissa, have you seen that movie? I have not. God damn it! You need to watch Lost in Translation. Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray. That's like her breakout fucking film. That's where it all started with Scarlett Johansson, in my opinion. You need to watch that movie. I remember watching that movie in my early twenties and just being like blown away. Like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like what? Like her chemistry with Bill Murray in that movie is so great, and I love the subjective ending that they give us in that film. And you never quite know. I do too, and I think that's that might be my favorite Sofia Coppola directed movie. Yeah. I think that was so I think good. that was her crown jewel. So good. Um, it's a great film. It stands the test of time. I watched it not that long ago. Again, I haven't it watched it. I haven't watched time. that movie in over a decade. I haven't watched you it. Watch movie it in again. Years. It will. It stands the test of time. I, it really does. It you, holds up. It's uh, like they're in Japan. It's two Americans that meet in Japan and. 
it's been so long since I've seen it, but I, I'm I'm right, right? Like that happened. Yeah, he he plays like he he almost plays like a version of himself. Like yeah. he plays like Bill Murray plays like an American actor who's goes to Japan yeah. to do like Japanese commercials mm-hmm. for this whiskey, and you know there's this great scene toward the beginning of the movie where like. He's he's sitting down and he's holding the glass and they're going to film him and he he says his line and then like the the director gives him all this direction in Japanese and he goes on for like a full minute just talking and then the translator is like look to the left and he's like that can't be all that he said in that full speech like what else is he no no look more left uh, oh okay and like. And she's there too. Like I think she's there with her partner, her husband, somebody. Not, not her husband, but she's there with. I think it's her else. husband. Like maybe it is her husband, and she doesn't know the language yeah. either. And yeah. her husband like got transferred there. Yeah. And like then he like left, and she has to wait for him there. Like there, and so they are together. They're thrown together as two Americans in this land, and neither of them speak the language, and. It's a fucking good movie. It's a great movie. Bill Murray just being awesome and Scarlett Johansson just holding her own next to him. Seriously. uh, Yeah. I think that uh, Melissa, you need to watch this. I think you'll really like it. Yeah. I think you would dig it, Melissa. It's a really great film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll watch it. Lost in Translation. You know what's not Lost in Translation? Chris Pine's dick. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. That motherfucking thing, like, like that comes across in any language. That's, that's fucking international. Exactly. Right when you see that thing, you're just like, I don't need to. Yeah, I don't need no fucking Rosetta Stone. That's a that's a that's a healthy looking cock. I don't need. I don't, you know. <laughs> Boom. All right, guys, it is time for final news. No DC news this week. It's time for Star Wars news. Speaking of lightsabers, Chris Pine's penis. <laughs> Stop swinging that thing, Chris. Jesus Christ. You're going to hurt somebody. You're going to poke somebody's goddamn eye out with that fucking thing. Anyway, uh, StarWarsNews.net.com. Uh, Isn't that weird? StarWarsNewsNet.com. That's a weird site. Huh? That is weird. StarWarsNewsNet.com. Jesus. Anyway, they had a uh, report. Obi-Wan Kenobi series to be made for Disney Plus streaming service. Um, so we heard rumors of, uh, you know, Ewan McGregor coming back, possibly doing a uh, um, a prequel movie about, uh, you know, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And um, we we're all excited about that. Well, you know. The solo movie didn't really quite live up to expectation. So instead of giving us a Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, it looks like they're possibly going to be giving us a six-episode limited TV series that tells us the story of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. This is a rumor. This is not 100% confirmed at all. Um... What are you thinking? Are you excited for this? Like, I, 
I'm not gonna lie. I fucking want this so fucking bad. <laughs> is it? Is it? Um. Shit! Now I've got Chris Pine in my head, and that's not who it is at all. You and McGregor. You and McGregor. Ewan McGregor co- coming back to do this? Is that the idea? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's you and oh, McGregor. Oh, then I, I'm a hundred percent behind this. Yeah. I wanted an Obi Wan movie forever, but if they're saying, well, we're unsure of a movie release because of what happened with Solo, then the series would be great. I, I just I I want more Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan. I, I think he was. The best part of the prequels for me. I think you and McGregor. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Perfect. Like, and for me, as far as like casting and characterization, you and McGregor is like, man, he fucking he he really did a great job with the character of Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, mm-hmm. um, Melissa, are you a Star Wars fan? Not Die Hard. I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it. Okay. I spent, like, in 2018, I rewatched all the films. Um, I'll probably try to do that again this year before the new one. And, you know, slowly but surely, there's a lot to catch up on in Star Wars. <laughs> um, yeah. But I love Ewan McGregor. So I would watch the show for him. Did alone. you watch Fargo season three? I did not. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Did you watch Fargo season one? I haven't seen any of the TV show, but I have seen the movie. Okay. Did you watch Legion? Yes. Okay. So you do like Lo- like Noah Hawley? Yes. Okay. Yes, for sure. So you need to watch Fargo season one, two, and three because Noah okay. Hawley. All the Fargo. <laughs> yes. You need to watch all the Fargo because it is so good. Like there's no reason that Fargo should be good. There's no reason that a Coen Brothers movie from like the 90s should be remade into a TV series and for it to be amazing. But you know what? Noah Hawley does just that. And it's incredible. It's fucking incredible what this guy does. And uh, season four is supposed to be shooting sometime soon, I believe. So, but uh, yeah, um, third season, uh, Ewan McGregor's in it, and he's great. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of you. Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson didn't they star in a movie? They started to move the island, the island, which I own on DVD. Which I, I like that movie. I love it too. I love the island. I own it on fucking DVD. As well as The Simple Life, season one on DVD. I own that, too. Um, but, I uh, yeah, I want this Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I want it. I'll, I'll be happy with it. Obi-Wan limited TV series, six episodes. Like, you don't even have to give me the movie. You can give me the six episodes. I just want this story to be told. Some people are like, I, I, don't, I don't need to know what's going on with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't need that story. Like, I do want that fucking story. Like, what is he doing with his time on Tatooine? I, I've wanted an Obi-Wan movie for a really long time. I wanted it way more than Solo, mm. and I... I want it more than any other standalone movie that they're going to do. I, I just like, I don't know. Like sometimes I don't understand what star Wars does. Like they, I had read like after solo had come out, they were going to give uh, this character Enfy's nest, a solo movie. Yeah. And I was like, but why fucking, why are you going to give this character 
a movie, but you haven't even given Obi-Wan Kenobi his own fucking movie. Like, to me, Obi-Wan Kenobi is such a huge part of Star Wars. I get it's the Skywalker saga, but you can't tell the Skywalker story without Kenobi. So you had Alec Guinness. Then you had Ewan McGregor. Just fucking make something, Mm -hmm. please. For the love of God, yeah. make something with Obi-Wan already. And do it I'm now. Be tired be- of wait. Do it now while he still Thank like, you. looks good for the part. Right. Like, what the fuck? Just do it. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm that, that Shia LaBeouf meme. Just, just do, do it. it. <laughs> like, that's just all I want from Star Wars right now is just make me something with Obi-Wan that stars Ewan McGregor. I will watch it. I just please make it. <laughs> please. Yeah. Rebecca, like you don't even know like what's a Tolkien biopic or what's like the Lord of the Rings fucking like TV I don't show. know anything about anything. And all I want is an Obi-Wan thing. You watch, like, you watch anything. You don't know. I don't know what anything is. I just watch content and I'm like, oh, no. That's like. <laughs> that's me. That's Rebecca. That is. That's classic Becca. Oh, um, classic. Classic. classic Bex. Yeah, classic Bex. <laughs> content. <laughs> <laughs> what am I watching? I don't even know. <laughs> like you're looking at a goddamn wall. Like the TV is in the opposite direction. Yeah. Like Rebecca, like you're looking at your fucking wall. What is wrong with you? Turn around. The TV's over there. Well, this show is really interesting, but yeah. it's kind of sloping. <laughs> You're watching your wall! You're watching your wall! <laughs> oh, my God. I'm telling you. You're watching your wall! <laughs> <laughs> you still oh don't get God. it though like i've told you like five times now you still don't get it no i'm still staring at the wall I'm yeah talking about i love this show yeah <laughs> this is good right you're like stop interrupting me brian <laughs> i'm missing important dialogue <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like i <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! My side hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna. Hey, do, do you want to sing the Perfect Strangers theme song again? Oh fuck! <laughs> no, let's not do that. No, I'm, you're kind of talking me into it right now. Oh, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Rearrange. No, there's not like see when that world looks perfect, Rebecca. There's nothing to rearrange. You don't have to do any any sort of rearrangement. There's nothing. You know. You don't have like. Uh, you know. You're watching the home improvement show, and the wife comes in and like looks at like the layout of everything, and she's not pissing and moaning about anything. She's like, no, this is perfect. That never happens. 
true. It is true. You can't deny what I'm saying is not true. I I cannot deny it. You are correct. Sometimes you just get a feeling. What's the next? What's the next verse? Like you need some kind of change. No matter what the odds are this time, nothing's gonna stand in our way. The the what? What's the? Okay. Standing tall <laughs> on the wings of my dreams, rising on the wings of my dreams. The rain and thunder, the wind and haze. Now, now it's like now we're getting like a uh, like a like a a weather report from like a meteorologist. You know, the wind so and haze, slight slight humidity. You know, possible chance of showers. Exactly. <laughs> I'm bound for better days. It's my, it's my life, life and my, my dream, dream, and nothing's going to stop me stop now. Me Harmonica now. solo. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Harmonica solo, though. Harmonica solo. I, I like how you have to announce it. Harmonica solo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sweet harmonica solo. That sweet har- that sweet ass harmonica solo. Yeah, bro. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, am I gonna go with this one? Yeah, I'm gonna go with this one. Here we go. Oh no! I'm gonna fucking play this bitch. We're gonna end it with this. <laughs> Woo! Yes. <laughs> Sometimes the world looks perfect Nothing to rearrange Sometimes you just Get a feeling like you need Some kind of change No matter what the odds are This time Nothing's gonna stand in my way This pain in my heart Like a long lost friend This is the extended version, ladies and gentlemen. Damn. Woo! I'm telling you, you've got you've got Uncle Larry. Uncle Larry doesn't know anything. Cousin Larry, cousin Larry. You got cousin Larry. Cousin Larry knows nothing about <laughs> Balky from the island of Meatboss. 
and his way of life is completely foreign to Cousin Larry. And, like, you throw these two, you throw these two together, and you're going to have them as roommates? That's when the hilarity ensues. Am I right, Rebecca? Oh, hilarity and antics and, dare I say, shenanigans. Shenanigans. Shenanigans off the hook like a motherfucker. (laughs) 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 Fucking hotcake shenanigans. You get they're perfect strangers. They are. They are. It's it, it, the, the title does not lie. It does not deceive you. It doesn't take you down a road where you you don't know what you're expecting to get. It, the title tells you they're perfect strangers. They're related. You've got a fucking shepherd. You got a shepherd from the island of Meatboats hanging out with his cousin Larry from Chicago. You throw them together. Right. It's it's fucking it's it's oil and uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's oil and water. It's just two things. They just don't they just don't see eye to eye. It's just crazy and uh, shenanigans. <laughs> this is stupid. Oh, man, <laughs> what a great! But that's like the best. That's the best theme song. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Like, for a TV show, it's perfect. Really good. It's It's really good. The only one that I think might be, like, uh, on the same level, like, be the Mystery Science Theater theme song. It's a great theme song. It's great, and it's clever, and it tells you the entire premise of the show. Like, everything you need to know is in the theme song. Yeah. Yeah, hold on. Um... Here's the, because, uh, like, that's what theme songs were, and this is what theme songs turned into, the How I Met Your Mother theme song. Here we go. Fuck you. You're not going to know anything about this fucking show because the fucking theme song's 13 fucking seconds long. Da 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 da. That tells me nothing nothing about that. Nothing. I've learned nothing. You have fucking taught me nothing about your fucking show. Da 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 da. You've learned fucking nothing. Da 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 da. Fuck you, 13 seconds. That's like, that's like, da 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 You just fucked somebody other than fucking Chris Pine's big fucking penis. Da 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 Chris Pine is a general, he's a, he's a gentle lover and he's going to give you more than 13 seconds, I'll tell you that much. I, I agree. Yes, I think he would be a gentle lover. You had theme songs that gave you the whole fucking premise of the show. They would sing so much shit. They would tell you everything it's about. And then, and then uh, fucking uh, 2006 or whatever the fuck rolls around, you get fucking uh, How I Met Your Mother. And it's 13 seconds of somebody going, that, 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 that. Even Friends. <laughs> the fucking friends i'll be there for you the the fucking the fucking cardigans are singing you a goddamn lullaby for fucking a minute and a half (laughs) and now you're like what the fuck is that go back like to gilligan's island right oh right a three hour tour yeah a 13 second theme song yeah, but it told you at least, like, you know, they were on this three-hour tour. Yeah. And they were shipwrecked. You knew the premise, right? The professor and the rest. Like, you knew the premise. 
premise of the show in the song. Oh, man. I'm a bad influence. Like, twice I've been on and we end up singing theme songs. I think I'm a bad influence. Don't <laughs> sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a faithful trip that started from this tropic port above this landy ship. The state was a tiny sailor man, skipper brave and sure. Five castaways set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The minnow would be lost. The of this entire desert isle with Gilligan, the skipper too. The millionaire and his wife, the movie star, the professor and Marianne. Here are Gilligan's this is the tale of our castle. Oh, long, long time. The best of things. It's a First two? Yes. Every best. The nest. No phone, no light, no motor car, not a single luxury. Like Robinson Crusoe, they're primitive as as can be. Can be. A smile with fantastic ways here on Gilligan's Isle. Oh my gosh, we talked about Robinson Crusoe and Swiss Family Robinson. Like three fucking hours ago, and it all comes fucking full circle at the end of the episode. And that's how we do things here on Pop Culture Leftovers, you stupid fucking pieces of shit. Hey, uh, Rebecca, how do you. Wow. <laughs> hey, I want to play one more song, and then we're going to end this fucking bitch. Um, this is. Uh, Uh, there we go. I might play two songs. I don't know. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm Captain Obvious. And oh, fuck you, Captain Obvious. So why am I playing the pug? Here we go. Love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage. This, I'll tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. Love and marriage, love and marriage. It's an institute you can't disparage. Ask a local gentry, and they will say it's elementary. Try, try, try to separate them. It's an illusion. Try, 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 it will only come. To this conclusion, love and marriage. Yeah! Boom! <laughs> I'm not going to play it again. That's a fucking Frank Sinatra song. It's fucking Frank Sinatra. Fucking Frank Sinatra? Fucking Frank Sinatra, you fucking son of a fuck! <laughs> <laughs> uh.
Frank Sinatra! <laughs> you <laughs> fucking mile. <laughs> By a fucking mile, you fucking hot cake. Fu- I don't know. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. The Remember hot ones, what the hot wants? What the hot wants? Here we go. <laughs> One more, one more. Do what you wanna do. Anything you want is up to you. Remember, uh, fucking, what was her name? Jennifer Lopez was a fucking goddamn yes. fly girl. She was a Anything you want is up to you. Oh, here's one. Here's a good one. This event is for people. Not you. Here's how to flip a house. It's here's how to have a successful. Yammering on about. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, this was um. Come on. Sanford and Son! Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. You're gonna love this one. You're gonna fucking love this one. To a deluxe apartment in the sky. We're moving on up to the east side. We finally got a piece of the pie. Find the kitchen. The bees don't burn on the grill. Check a whole lot of good here just to get up there here. Never moving out up to the side to a deluxe apartment in the sky. We're moving out up to the side. We finally got a piece of Yeah, they fucking moved on up. I'll tell you that much. Sorry. Um, no, hey, hey, one more. One more and I'm done. Uh, yeah, motherfucker. Here we go. Let's do this shit. From Television City in Hollywood. Anytime you need a friend. Anytime you're out from under. Not getting hassled. Not getting hustled. Keeping your head above water Making your way when you can Temporary layoffs Good times Rip off good times Slapping up and surviving Good times Ain't we lucky we got them Good times Yeah Jimmy Walker, you fucking, you changed America, you son of a bitch. 
Yeah. It was his dynamite. Dynamite. Kid dynamite. Yes. Yep. All right, that's it. I, I, I think it's time to end. It's time. <laughs> it's over. Like, you know, lightning, you can't catch lightning in uh, in a bottle two times. Is that, is that the same? Is that how the same goes? You can't catch lightning in a bottle twice. And I tried tonight. I tried tonight. Wait, hold on. What's the Bewitch theme song? Do you remember that one? Uh, I, I, I remember the um, the other one, the... Um, Fuck the genie one. Yeah, that wasn't bewitched, though. I can't. As a feminist, Rebecca, as a feminist, does bewitched. Now, does I dream a genie drive you crazy? To a degree, yes. Because he keeps the woman in a bottle, and when he wants her to master, and she calls him master, and he rubs the bottle, and she comes out when he wants her to come out. Right. Yeah, like you gotta, you gotta be imagining that, like he's sticking his dick in that bottle and being like, "Yeah, baby, you gotta well, now imagine." I am. <laughs> this is bewitched. I dream a genie and we'll end this bitch. 49.50, ready or not, here I come. What is this crap? You're You fucking little piece of shit. Hey, do you remember when uh, Ferris Bueller was dancing to this in the Ferris Bueller Day Off movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a thing that happened. Dick York with Dick Sargent was bewitched. That was oh, bewitched. That was the other one. Yes, yeah, this was, was Barbara bewitched. Eden. Barbara, they couldn't show her belly button on TV. Barbara Eden with Larry Hagman from Dallas. That's right. That's right. And Larry he was a, from he Dallas. was a NASA astronaut at the time. But oh my God, did her like inside of that fucking genie bottle? With all the pillows and the couch, didn't it? Look, uh-huh, uh-huh. It looked cozy as fuck, didn't it? Cozy, it did. fuck. cozy, it cozy AF. <laughs> I am all about like seriously, like if I could, like you know, like you you watch all these fucking home makeover shows and they're like, what do you want you like the bedroom to look like? I'd be like, dude, make my shit look like fucking like. Barbara Eden's fucking genie bottle, you son of a bitch. Because I, I want, and I want that shit to be Tempur Pedic, you son of a bitch. I want to sleep like a goddamn baby in this fucking pink pillowed fucking room. Right? That would that would be right. super cozy though, like a Tempur Pedic bed, all those pillows, yeah. and like like those silk drapes and stuff. That's oh. like that's like luxury, man. When like, I was a cool. when I was a twelve year old boy, somebody's not put their dick in the ceiling. When I <laughs> hold on, when I was a twelve year old boy, I would. Oh my god, I wanted to sleep on Barbara Eden's boobs. <laughs> god damn, I am not lying. Oh my god, 
Barbara Eden. I dream of Jeannie's boobs. <laughs> she was gorgeous on that show. She was. Oh, my she gosh. She really was. Hold on. Hold on. I've told you this before, Brian, but yeah. like in the 90s, remember that there was that Tarzan TV show like in 91, 92? Yeah. Okay. I was very young, like 13, 14, around there, and I'm watching the show and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like, that guy, I don't remember the actor's name anymore, but, like, that guy, that representation of Tarzan was, like, I don't know. Like, that just did something. That's too. right. Oh, my God. It did I weird things you to you. No, you ago. did. You said it we did weird things to your teenage vagina. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was a teenager, and <laughs> suddenly it was like, oh, my gosh, look at that. Look at all that chest. Look at those pecs. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. I think, oh my gosh, I do not even want to admit, like, what? <laughs> no. I do not want to admit, like, <laughs> no. There's no way. I would say, I like, I did say, like, um, um, what was it? Lydia Cordell on, uh, what was that Ted Knight show? Too Close for Comfort. Like, when I was, like, like a little kid, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this... She's hot. Like I knew as like even a, <laughs> even as a fucking kid, I knew Lydia Cordell was hot. She's like in her sixties now, and I think like she's gorgeous. So hold on. Here, listen to this, Rebecca. Get ready for this one. Oh my god, this show was so fucking crazy. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> TGIF. Yeah. Dream got broken. See, my power is lost. What the future? Could you pay the cost? You Will there ever be a second time around? Around. Wasn't this for step by step? No. There's a rover and the moment has gone. Say my Lord. Suzanne Summer, you thigh master it, son of a bitch. This was step by step. It was right? totally step by step. Patrick Duffy from Dallas. That's from Dallas. He had excellent hair in the show. Do you remember, like, okay, here's the thing with day by day. Oh my god, I can't believe this stuff was actually on television. Yeah. Like, they were like, oh, you know, fuck it, let's show this on TV. This <laughs> is like, and it's so bad. Well, that's the show in the opening of an amusement park built on a beach. Yes. Oh God, the show was so bad. It was not a good show. Like it, they tried to, it was like meant to be, of course, like the updated Brady Bunch, and then yeah. they brought in like the dumb neighbor kid who had like the crush on Dana, um, and that guy in real life is a big old jerk. Sasha. His real name was Sasha, Sasha something, and we girlfriend. found out that he was a wife beater. 
Yep. He was the he and he actually starred in the Kickboxer sequels, the Jean Claude Van Damme films. He was in like he, yes, he was in like Kickboxer three and four and all that shit. Oh, I don't think I ever saw. I know I saw Kickboxer one and two, but I don't think I ever saw past that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Cody. Man. His name was fucking Cody. 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 He's a good looking guy, but what an asshole beats his wife. Yeah. Up. Oh my god. What was the? What was the? Uh, oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> if we're going, fi- if we're going fucking TGIF, we got to go with. The with the family matters. Oh yeah, a perfect stranger spinoff. Yeah, I oh, was it really. It, Harriet uh, it was the character that was carried over from Perfect Stranger. She worked in the in the newspaper and made a building. I think she 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 was on Perfect Strangers, that same character, wow. and they gave her and they gave uh, they did the new show based on her. This day and age To read any good news On the newspaper page Love and tradition In the grand design Some people sing With even part of the fire Well then there's Some magic clue Inside these gentle walls It's all I see Is that <laughs> I'm sorry. I I I <laughs> Melissa, I'm so sorry. I'm good. I I I've never said yeah. the perfect straight guys. I, I I apologize. I, I I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I uh, <laughs> That's guys, I got I uh, that's uh that's just how my mother used to sing the song to me when I went to bed every night. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 mom, what's going on? <laughs> okay, mom, all right, I love you too. Good night, all right. Bedtime, yeah, it's fun, cool, whatever. Yeah, I feel... I'm, <laughs> I, I, would, I would sleep with my eyes open at night as a child. So that was, yeah, I mean, yeah. Mom was terrifying. She was a terrifying human being. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Melissa, Rebecca, thank you so much. You, you know what? You guys are fucking awesome. You guys were great. This is, uh, I don't know, this episode was whatever. That's better. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Not, Fuck not it. worst episode ever. It's whatever. I'll take it, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, do you remember the, the youngest daughter in that show disappeared in the, like the last couple seasons? Yep. There were actually three characters on that show that they just disappeared. The 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 youngest daughter, Judy. Judy. The, she's just the gone. The characters or the actresses? The characters. No, no. The, 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 like, they didn't write them off. They just, the season okay. ended. Okay. And then, like, the next season started and they just were no longer on the show with 
no explanation I or acknowledgement. There is a fucking conspiracy where no, the actors, no, no, where no, no, three no. different actors on the show just vanished. No, it was the youngest daughter Judy. It was it was Grandma Winslow, and then it was Rachel, the um, the I think sister. Grandma Winslow probably just died, right? Well, they didn't show her dying. Like, she got married. Judy was the flower girl. And then the next season, they were both gone. So, like, what happened to them? They were just gone. It was weird. And then they wrote off Rachel without even, like, any explanation. But her kids still lived there with them. It was very weird. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Rebecca, let's end it to this one. I want to (laughs) thank... Hey. I want to thank you, Rebecca, for joining us. Melissa, everybody should listen to your podcast, uh, Wild Pretty Things. They should listen to that podcast. And, Melissa, thank you so much for, like, I don't know, putting up with me. Um, So thank you. Anytime. (laughs) We'll have you back. You'll you'll come back. Rebecca, let's let's end it to this. Are you ready? I'm ready. You're going to know this. This is me and you. Oh right now. Let's do this. This is us right now, Brian. Yes. Our time, Brian. Our time down here. That's a Goonies reference. I know it is. Suddenly I'm up on top of the world. Somebody else. Believe it. Come on. Believe it or not. I'm walking on air now. I can feel so free. I'm a of prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. Do you remember the Seinfeld episode where George had his answering machine? Yes, yes. And he was like, uh, um, who could it believe? Be believe it or not, it's just George or something. <laughs> believe it or not, I'm not at home. Well, Who yes. could it be? Believe it or not, it's or not, just it's George. Like George. <laughs> oh my god, guys! That 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 is from the greatest American hero, which it Rebecca, sure I believe, it's streaming somewhere for uh, not for free, but if you have a subscription right now, you can watch the greatest American hero. On one of these streaming services, only only one season, right? As I recall. Mm, let me check right now for you, everybody. You know, it was like a funny concept. Like it's that terrible. Was the one where he like he found a superhero suit, but yes. like lost the instruction manual. It's an alien and, suit, and it gives yes. him superhero abilities. It's got a cape. But he lost the instruction manual, so it's kind of like an Inspector Gadget kind of thing. Yes. Like where, and yeah, he like. He had to, like, try to figure it out on the fly. God, I loved this show as a kid. I tried to watch the first season when it was on Hulu years ago, and I was just like, um, it was not good. No, it does not hold up. It does not. (laughs) It is on season, let's see here, season one, two, and three. Oh. It's on Amazon Prime. I had no idea it was three seasons. That was only one season. It's oh all on God. Amazon Prime right now. Wow. I might have to... I haven't watched it in forever, though. Oh. It probably doesn't hold up. Uh, real quick, I watched a documentary this week called The Lost Arcade. It's about an arcade 
in Newark City. Rebecca. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, so check out. If you want to, like, I don't know, I'll give it a taste. It It's decent. But, um, yeah, Lost Arcade on Amazon Prime. We are done. I'm done. This is this has gone on okay. way too long. All right. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, we'll see. Just like all good leftovers here on the doggy bags. Uh, whatever. They say a bunch of stuff on the doggy bags. <laughs> <laughs> you should read them. It'll, oh, my God. It'll blow your dick off. All right. See you later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.